Okay, on to you then, Eddie. We're on to number three now. We are. Uh, number three for me uh, is Midnight in Paris. Okay. Um, so Midnight in Paris uh, is a Woody Allen film. Yes. Um, <laughs> Sam confirms that. <laughs> it, is, it is definitely Woody Allen. Okay, I'm glad I got that right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Woody Allen film. It's essentially a love letter uh, to 1920s uh, Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about a writer played by Owen Wilson uh, who was kind of obsessed with that being the golden age. Yeah. Uh, it's so that they, it's in Paris. He's Rachel McAdams, and they're sort of they're a couple, and they're it's not the best relationships, um, but they're there with her parents. Things are sort of not going well, and one evening, um, having met some friends, of, well, friends of hers rather mm-hmm. than his. Oh, well, um, they're definitely not his friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, they end up. He ends up going for a walk, and uh, as the stroke, <laughs> as the stroke. <laughs> He has a stroke. <laughs> he has a stroke. Um, as the clock uh, strikes midnight, uh, an old sort of fashioned car mm-hmm. rolls up and he is transported to the 1920s. Yes, where he rubs elbows with Ernest Hemingway and Gertrude Stein. The famous Cold writers Scott of Fitzgerald, that era. Yeah, Cole yeah. Porter. Cole Porter, yeah. yeah. yeah all, big, all of whom were Picasso, kind of... Yeah, yeah where, Par- where Paris was like a, um, a hub of kind of What's the right word? Art and culture. Yeah, where, where everyone went to write and went to paint. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, what's what's the incubator? When it was yes. incubator, that sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah. It's a Woody Allen film, so you know, people, you get bigger names playing slightly smaller roles. You know, mm. Tom Hiddleston's in it for what ten. I minutes. think that was the first thing I ever saw him in. Really? Yeah. Okay. It was Midnight in Paris. Did that set your expectations or set your opinion of him? No, I like him in. It's the only thing I like him in. Okay. Um, I like him in The Night Manager as well. I don't. Okay. All right. I haven't seen that, so I can't comment. Um, yeah. Okay. But yes. So, like, he's you know he's in it. Uh, there's music by Cole Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, music. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I I will bring it back. <laughs> it, it literally, it, but it does. It it is a. It sounds dumb, but it is a thing. It Anyone playing a, yeah. Eddie Bingo at home, take up your boxes now. <laughs> no, you so could. It'd be so easy. What would be on Eddie Bingo? Music. Music. Definitely. What, making him want to be a writer? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Again, the, the, that ticks this box. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yes. Yes, yeah. Because it's yeah. literally about a writer. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. No, but it, it, it did. We talked about in the last podcast how a lot of your choices are about the world of writing in a way. It's would, something creative would in a way. Yeah. Would, that, that, would that be covered by. Um, Wanting, making him want to write, but it's a yeah, sort of occupying so. that world. Well, yeah, that's kind of what motivates you partly, right? Or would it be the same? Would it be a different square on Eddie Bingo? Oh, I see, a different square. And I, yeah, okay, different yeah, square. Right. So it's weird because of all the films in my top ten, mm-hmm. I saw this one for the first time. It like in whole anyway. Yeah, first time in November. Oh really? Oh, this yeah. November just gone. Yes. Oh, okay. Because I saw Midnight in Paris. When it was released, and I hadn't rewatched it until no. December. Mm. Yeah, um, I can't remember who recommended it to me, mm-hmm. but someone went, "I think you'll like this." Okay, <laughs> well, clearly they were right. Um, yeah. Yes, mass- massively right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I watched it for the first time uh, with my mother, and we sat, we sat down, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, this has been recommended to me. I'm not sure, kind of sure, but yeah, I was completely engrossed for the." In- entire time uh that we watch it and i came away and 
Pop, I don't imagine probably quite on the same level for you as Parasite, but I didn't stop thinking about it. Okay, okay. I really, I really like to, to the point that when it's come back to uh, anything I've rewatched, I, I it, it's probably by far what I've rewatched the most. It's a, you know, for me, there's something about the performance in it. I think it's the best thing Owen Wilson's ever done. Yes, um, you know, Rachel Rachel McAdams, you know, she's yeah, she's, she's, she's fairly good in it. Mm-hmm. Kathy Bates as I. <laughs> Corey Stoll is a standout for me. Yeah, uh, the guy who plays Hemingway. Yeah, mm. that was the first thing I saw him in as well. I really like the small part Adrian Brody plays. Plays Picasso, doesn't he? No, Dolly, Dolly, Dolly. Yeah, because it's just yeah, him yeah. going. Dolly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I just yeah, it's kind of the, the, all the writers are kind of caricatures. Like, yeah, yes. like deliberately, like F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's all sort of my boy. He's dapper and my yeah. boy, and that sort of Alabama kind of thing. Yeah. You've got Hemingway, who is always just challenging people to fights. Yes, <laughs> like a man is only a real man. Yeah. When, yeah. You know. Again, yeah, there was something about it that made me want to write, and I think part of that was it was a film that involved time travel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't explain it. How the fuck it works? Okay. I like, and the way the way, it, but because it doesn't, and the way it comes across, I really like that. Yeah, this this sort of handles time travel the way a story like this should handle time travel, yes. which is that it doesn't question it because it's not important to like Owen Wilson yeah. doesn't care how yeah. he can travel no. back in time; he just cares that he can. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, he cares that he can. You know, yeah, that, and, that and, is and, and the it's, key. it's sort of plausible as well because you you find out that it's not just Owen Wilson that can do this. No, potentially anyone could travel back in time, and then you find out at the very end. That he could travel further back in time as well, yes. but there's there's very like it's not confusing. There's very clear conditions that have to be fulfilled. There's a comparison I want to make very briefly, actually, to a film called Colossal. Have either of you seen Colossal? I have. Okay, it's a film starring Anne Hathaway, also as uh, she also plays a writer. Funnily enough, I would probably like this film. Well, yeah, it's an odd one. It's it's an oddball. Yeah. Basically, the premise is um, she finds out that if she goes to a specific location at a specific time a kaiju appears on the other side of the world, mimicking her every movement. Eddie's making a face. I'm going to give this a watch. Okay. Um, she's, a, she's an alcoholic, right? She's an alcoholic, yeah. She kind of like, yeah. Definitely um, giving this a watch. she's a writer. Yes, she's a writer. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is that film's version of time travel. Because they both kind of like feed into the, the major flaw of that character, don't they? Because mm. Owen Wilson is kind of Stuck in the past. He's a nostalgic. So he, yeah, yeah, he's nostalgic, so he can literally travel to the past. Whereas Anne Hathaway has these very destructive habits, and therefore she creates, she can sort of become this creature that is the embodiment of just of destruction yeah. almost. But what Colossal, I think, does wrong, which Midnight in Paris does right, is it explains how the kaiju thing works. Oh, okay. Which is wrong, a because it literalizes the kaiju. Yeah, because up until that moment, you, as an audience member, you're sort of suspending your disbelief, where you're going like, okay. The kaiju thing isn't really real in the same way that the time travel isn't really real. It's, it's happening. It's a metaphor. Yeah, it's happening, but in reality, it's a metaphor. Mm. By explaining it, you've literalized the kaiju. So now you're asking questions like, okay, how does that work? Yeah. And also, the explanation they give, it's, it begs more questions. Yeah. An inch of context is a yard of questions. Exactly. That's a good fucking quote. Yeah. Play sound. <laughs> <laughs> That's, Sorry, that's you going, can take that out. That's going over black screen <laughs> at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> um, oh, fair, fair play. <laughs> like, but yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't help that explanation is like, it doesn't clear things up because it still requires you to suspend your disbelief. It's just sort of, 
complicating the thing that you have to ignore, you know? Yeah. yeah it, Midnight, it, Midnight in Paris doesn't do that. No, and it doesn't do the looper, the loop Austin Powers, to be fair, Austin Powers it, it is kind of, you know, it's a joke. Yeah. But in Looper, they have the thing of like, well, how, how how are you? And he's like, just don't think about yeah, that. Yeah, they okay? don't it's even have important. the don't think yeah. about the time. They just literally never address it. I, I've come to dislike that in time travel films, where, where they go... Well, it's a cliche at this point. It is a cliche. It's, it's like, yeah, I, I, ignore I, I accept it, yeah. it's a time travel movie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because what is it in Austin Powers? It's like, he starts asking questions like, I suggest you don't think you don't worry about it and just have a good time. Yeah, and then he looks, he looks at the camera. cameras like, yeah. I suggest you do the same. Yeah. You know, it's funny in that. It's good. But yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's that—that that is the conceit in Midnight in Paris. That yes. is the concept, and that's it. Yeah, because it's important to tell the story he's trying to tell, but it's not important to the story, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. the mechanics of it aren't important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they they just don't do it, and yeah, yeah. that's that's completely the and way it, you and it, you know, it. I wonder if Woody Allen ever saw Goodnight Sweetheart. Do you know that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The thing is, yeah, as I said, I can't remember who recommended it to me. But they, one of the reasons they recommended it to me is I'm a big fan of the TV show. Good oh, you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm a big oh, fan yeah. of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the cliche in me. <laughs> Go on. There's a, like, he has a thing where he talks about, like, Paris in the rain. Okay. And wanting to go to Paris to write. Not necessarily Paris itself, but I do, like, places like Paris, okay. I would like to go okay. and write. Okay. And I, as, as we, you know, it is like the stereotypical cliche writer thing to go yeah like that was you know part of it why it's you know the golden age as he as he says there is one thing i do fundamentally agree the it paris in the summer in the rain i genuinely think is quite beautiful okay and i couldn't well, tell you why uh, yeah i mean i the only time i've ever been to paris was on a school trip like when i was in primary school mm. so i don't really remember how i felt about paris it was just the fact that i was like on a school trip you yeah know? Um, but this film clearly is in love with Paris because its protagonist is in love with Paris. Yeah. But I think, yeah. much like its protagonist, it's a little too in love with Paris for my liking. Those yeah. beauty yeah. shots at the beginning of the film are completely unnecessary, I think. I don't know. I would disagree. I know cause... exactly why the film yeah, yeah. is doing it, but yeah. it's way too much. Okay, I don't know. It's like three minutes of... It's just yeah, like it's three long. minutes it's of long. those it shots. I really like the shots. Though. No, no, <laughs> so, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> this... you know, they're good, like, travelogue shots. And that's definitely what yeah. they are. It's like tourism mm. footage. But you have those, like, three or four minutes. Mm. Then you have credits over black. Right. And then the film starts. And yeah. I feel like, especially since the first actual shot of the film mm. is they mimic the water lily painting, that famous painting of, like, mm. the bridge over the water yeah, lily yeah. lake. I feel like that image alone completely sums up the attitude to film towards Paris. Yeah, uh, well, yes, and I, I, but I think the opening might be a kind of callback to Manhattan in a way. Um, okay, which is when they're playing Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah, over the opening. Yeah, yeah. That. and obviously the, the difference okay. with Manhattan. Is, that was my assumption. Yeah, like yeah. he. The difference being that he knows Manhattan. Yes. Like yeah. That that's not a tourist's view of. Yeah. Woody Allen is obsessed with New York. Like, yeah. Not just lives there loves new york yeah and yeah his character is obsessed with paris so they were kind of evoking a similar yeah but maybe that's the, th that's the thing it's 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 the obvious stuff with paris though as well isn't it it's the eiffel tower it's the it is. triumph but it's don't not... you think that the the narrative of the film kind of uh, it's about pricking that um touristy a little bit like the yeah. end certainly but yeah, that's yeah. kind of at the end you know yeah but like how do you start a film about a character who's who romanticizes Paris, you romanticize it. You show the touristy stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but, and if you're you know, going to romanticize Paris, you're going to think about the Eiffel Tower 
the yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the places you're that are just going to come to. Yeah, mind. I'm not saying that the film is wrong for doing it. Mm. I just think it's it's excessive. An unnecessary excess. Okay. Could, could you okay. could you not at least have put the credits over that footage? Yeah. Okay. Fair you enough. Know? Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. If you have to have that yeah. footage, if the water lily just doesn't do it for you, mm-hmm. can't you just put the credits over? It, you That's know? fair enough. But Woody Allen doesn't. Every Woody Allen film has the same credits. No, I know, I know. But, but yeah, no, I, I yeah. and he is unapologetic for it. Yes. He is. Yeah. I don't know. In 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 that respect, it's kind of nice that a filmmaker is sort of unapologetic about mm. things like that. But for me, it was a, it was. As long as it remains yeah. within the realm of cinema. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll say. Yeah. Yes, the only for. thing he uh, probably does apologise for. <laughs> There's an old Jewish joke. Um, a, a guy fucks his, his stepdaughter. <laughs> um, anyway. I am that joke. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe you two finish talking about what you want to say about the film, and then I'll jump in. Oh. Okay. okay. Um. I don't dispute that all of these people would have been in Paris around that time. That also feels like a bit much to me. Like the, like the scene where he meets Salvador Dali, at that moment I was kind of like, okay, you're, you're pushing your luck a bit now. But it's how much you're buying into this is not real. This is kind of an idealised vision of what yes. it would have been. Oh yeah, it's definitely a fantasy. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the same problem as Assassin's Creed, in a sense. Because, <laughs> okay. No, because when Assassin's Creed started doing... I think it was 2 was the first one to properly do it, where... Leonardo da Vinci is a primary supporting character. He's sort of like Ezio's best friend mm-hmm. in that game. And the, the 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 precedent that set is that every Assassin's Creed game had to sort of... There had to be famous people from that era present oh, no, in the game. Do that. The yeah, first well, one does that as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Maybe it's just because I don't know yeah, much yeah. of that period. Yeah. But when you get to a point where like the 10th Assassin's Creed game is out and it's set in like, you know, ancient Greece, ancient Greece and you've got all of these like Greek... Yeah, you know, um, legends, and when you're, in, I don't like, know, because like that's part of the tapestry of that. Um, we're reviewing Assassin's Creed now, but that that's <laughs> part of the tapestry of that universe, isn't it? Like, but that's the thing, like in the Assassin's... assassins have been instrumental in the fabrics of society. Yeah, I understand it, cities building up from the dirt. I understand why it's there when but it like... goes back to Greeks and Egyptians. Then it's because assassin is an Arabic word. Yes, they originated when the first game is set, which is like 1100. Yeah, yeah, um, AD. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't go back further than that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's when it starts getting fucking stupid. Yeah. But yeah, like Leonardo da Vinci was like a main character. Like he was an important character to the story of Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed too. Uh, Charles Dickens is not important to Assassin's Creed. Oh, 6, I, so I, I never can't speak on behalf of um, any of those games. No, no, but that's the point. Yeah. Like at that point, it's just like, oh look, it's Charles Dickens. Yeah. Charles Dickens is here. Yeah. And it, that for me, like Dali was kind of the moment. It was like, oh look, it's Salvador Dali. Right. I know that. Like, apart from. Uh, Gertrude Stein mm. and Ernest Hemingway. Most of the people who do show up are basically just cameos, because it's sort yes. of like, oh look, it's Scott Fitzgerald. That was Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah, and, you, yeah. See, and you see Zelda a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and but yeah, like Dali. I I, di- I distinctly remember Dali being the moment where it's like, okay, it's it's losing me now. Okay, in terms of like the amount of well, callbacks see, and people so, that it's yeah. Bringing. So I watched the film as I say with my mother, mm-hmm. and the th- the thing. For like as we were watching it, as those callbacks were happening, was my mother turned around? And she went, "Were they really all alive at the same time?" Yeah, that yeah. as well. And that was the thing is, it's it is a past that he is going to that he has dreamt of. It is the thing that he is, you know, right thing. Of course, they were all going to yeah. be there. Yeah, yeah. So there is a point towards obviously for him, nineteen twenties Paris yeah. is the golden age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Marion Cotillard, it's. The eighteen whatever I think eighteen nineties. 
Maybe. Or 70s is what sprung to mind, but it could well be the 1890s. Yeah, so. it's, it's one yeah, of the yeah. two. But for her, that's the golden age. Yeah. And he gets to the point where he has this realisation that you, you're pre- whatever present you're in is going to get stale and you're always going to romanticise the past pr- period. And I, I don't know, there's something about I do just really like that, okay. that yeah, idea. Okay, that's, that's yeah, that's the moment where the film won me back. I wouldn't say that it had completely lost me, but that scene with Marion Cotillard and Owen Wilson sort of tries and fails to talk her into, like through kind of convincing her to come back with him, he sort of goes through his own, comes to terms with his own problems. Yeah. That was kind of the moment was like, oh, okay, yeah, I I see what this film has done now and I really like that it's gone in this direction. Yeah. Um, in terms of big criticism, I don't have loads, I really don't. Okay. Okay. Um, I've written down Michael Sheen can eat dicks until he dies. <laughs> Yeah, he's loathsome, yeah. Yeah, the character, I should yes, say, not, not yeah. Michael Sheen yeah, himself. Yeah. No, Michael Sheen can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yes, no. Yeah, Michael yeah. Sheen is one thing. Um, it, it's not like a proper wow. Right. But Owen Wilson's <laughs> thing is always okay. the wow. Here's yeah. the thing. And he, he gets one towards the end. And yes. I was like, mm. Here's the thing with Owen Wilson. He is the only, apart from, what's her name? Gabrielle, Lea Sadu's character. Yeah. yeah. Apart from her... He's the only likable person in the present, right? Yes. Like, even Rachel McAdams is not very no, likable. No, no, she's a bitch. So it, you kind of have to like Owen Wilson for the film to work, I think. And I didn't always like Owen Wilson during this film. There okay, were some yeah, moments that's, where... That's fair enough. I mean, he, I mean, it's part of, like, his character and the journey he has to go on, but just how, like, sycophantic he is with the people he meets. Mm-hmm. It just gets irritating after a while for me. Um, could Woody Allen only afford one guitar song? Probably. That like 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 guitar like acoustic mm. number plays like eight or nine times during the It film. does, yeah, yeah. Yeah. From what I know and I I, I, I said I know bits so I might not be completely right on this. Mm-hmm. But he was very selective with the like music. Okay. Um so like you hear the same Cole Porter song more than once. Yeah. That was intentional. Okay. Um so he, yeah, he was quite selective. So you may find he did it on purpose. Okay. In that case, why? Why, uh, why is he playing the same song eight times? Woody Allen. Okay. <laughs> and I don't have a better excuse other than that. Okay. Samuel. Yeah. What are your thoughts? You have thoughts, apparently. Um, I don't like it. Do you not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm not going to lie. I did assume that was probably where this was going. So yeah, that's no, why I wanted to um, do it. I liked it a lot when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in going on ten years. Yep. It's not a fit to say I don't like it. It's a decent film, and there are parts of it that I like. But overall, let, let me explain. explain. <laughs> I am not a fan of France. This <laughs> is okay. just a personal okay. bias. Yeah, fair I enough. don't like Paris. I don't like Frenchness. I'm sorry. It's it's not a um a xenophobic thing. Mm. I I'm just not a fan of that milieu. Okay, and that's a French word. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's ultimately why you don't like the French is because they've even adopted the words you have to use to describe why you dislike yes, them yes exactly yeah. um, so there's that um, or they created the words I should say they, they, they didn't adopt the word milieu we no, adopted the, the yes word we adopted milieu. it yeah. there is one thing in it that I really like and it's, it's a line and I wrote it down and just put next to it yes <laughs> and that is when Hemingway says uh, so Owen Wilson says would you mind reading my manuscript yeah, and uh, Hemingway says, "If it's bad, I'll hate it because it's bad writing. If it's good, I'll be envious and hate it all the more." 
you don't want the opinion of another writer. And yeah. I was like, yes. Yes. That yeah. is so fucking accurate. Yeah. I 100% agree with yeah. that. Yeah. So I love that. Um, and I like the simplicity of the film. Mm. Yeah. The simplicity of the concept. It's really easy to watch. It's not trying to be anything it's not, while still being very pretentious. Okay. So the reason I don't like it, other than the fact I don't like France. Okay. Uh, I somewhat relate to nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, I just don't care about what's going on. Okay. I don't really like the character that much. Okay. Um, even though I do think Owen Wilson gives a decent performance. Yeah. I just think, okay, you know the, the big revelation you were talking about, that, um, oh, I guess everyone's nostalgic for the time in which they don't exist. Yeah. Don't we, don't you know, don't we know that? That doesn't seem like a revelation you should have when you're 40. No, the, but Especially I if you're a writer. No. Yeah, I, yeah. I would say... But then, again, at the same time... Yeah, surely, like, if you're doing a story about nostalgia, that's, like, something you explore within that story. It's not something yeah, you learn I, I as understand. you're writing it, you know? But I would say, then again, at the same time, you have... W- w- the character he is playing yeah. has the ability to write the fact... to write the fact that he he writes characters where the two of them are clearly having an affair, and he doesn't spot... Like, no, I know, yeah, that. he's a bit witless. Yes, but I just think it, it's such an obvious... It's almost like a children's film resolution of like, oh, it turns out that we all, in a, you know, are, none of us are fond of the time we live in yeah. because it's the time we live in. Yeah. And we all... The grass is always greener, yeah. I just feel it's like it's a bit obvious for a, a major yeah. revelation. Yeah. And he says at the time, I'm having an insight. It's a minor one, but I think it's quite profound. Which I thought was ju- justifying the simplicity of that moment. Right. Okay. I thought they put that line in to kind of go, oh yeah, he says it's a minor, right? Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, he he is a Woody Allen facsimile, isn't he? Like he he, he is, They always are. Though, they always they? are. They always are. There's a moment I think when they go back to the eighteen whatevers, and Owen Wilson's like, oh, let's go back to the twenties, and Marion Cotillard is like, but it's the present. It's dull. I'm like. I get it. I get the theme. That was that line was way too on the nose for me. Okay. But it's the present. It's dull. It's like if you're saying that, you're already aware of the danger of nostalgia. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And my one of my big problems with it is that I think he should have ended up alone. Cuz okay. I think it doesn't abide the rocky rule. Yes. And that is he he loses nothing. Yeah. And he gains Leia Sadu. I was not as, having it as you were sort of talking. <laughs> yeah, because during her, you said, um, "Oh, Whacking Phoenix gets all of these like beautiful actresses." Yeah, yeah. yeah Owen Wilson gets Leia to do. He gets Marion Cotillard, and he gets Rachel, Rachel McAdams. McAdams. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm not. I'm not. And happy you with wonder that. why I like this film. <laughs> I'm not saying like, I, I'm that like that didn't even occur to me, but I kind of get it. In he's with Rachel McAdams. Yeah, she's obviously very attractive. Yes, but yeah, you know, but I can believe that. Really. I believe it, and a certain type of woman, believe it or not, is attracted to you know is mind probably. Yeah, I get that. That's fine. Yeah, Marion Cotillard. It's because he's an enigmatic. Ooh, you're not from around these. Yes, people. I get yeah. that. Yeah, but Leia said, yeah, it's the fact that like he's like, oh no, it turns out that the grass is always greener. Oh, I'm just gonna go back to my time. Yeah. I'll lose my bitch of a wife. Yeah. And I'll go with Leah Sadu. It, it just felt way too kind of... Okay. I do agree. Easy. You Especially yeah. since Leah Sadu is also kind of... Like, she actually runs a nostalgia shop. She right? does. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So surely that would be... Thematically, that's taking a step backwards for him. Personally. Because yeah. he's yeah. in love with his protagonist, you know? Yes. I would have quite liked it if the two had just, like, seen each other and then just gone opposite ways. Or something yeah. like that. Maybe. 
Or, or just there was kind of like a there was a friendliness between them, but it was clear that like that's as far as it was ever going to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. Um, so that was my big problem with it. Yeah. Okay. Like, what's this guy lost? Yeah. But then again, at the same time, you know, he, the man gets a girl. Fair enough. He does. Yeah. But <laughs> I think my fundamental problem with it is probably just that divide. I don't really. I I do somewhat relate to nostalgia, but mm. I I really don't relate to Parisian upset. I just don't like it. Yes. I don't care. Okay. So like. No, I'll say to be fair, yeah. I'd say Paris is on my list of places mm. I want to go and write. I I have memories tied to mm. like holidays there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a th- like, certain things for, for nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, there was lots of things I could bring context to or relate to in a certain way. Yeah, that, for me, and I think that's probably why. Yeah, and that's fair enough. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, I haven't taken against the film in the sense of it hasn't angered me or like I, I dislike it. Yeah. You know, with st- strenuously, yeah. It's more when I first saw it, it was probably my favorite. It did, it won the screenplay, didn't it? The Oscar screenplay, yeah, the screenplay Oscar. And, um, at the time, I probably would have thought it was my favorite screenplay of the year as well. Mm. And look, going back to it now, it just seems very twee in comparison to my memory of it. Okay, it felt like quite a big film before, and now when I go back to it, it just seems very like unvital. Do you know what I mean? Okay, it feels like something you'd pick up in a curiosity shop. Like, oh, what's this? Okay. It feels like a little nostalgia. I, 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 I was going to say, I mean, okay, when I, I, I picked up a copy initially for 50 pence. Right, yes. So. Although, you know, I'm not, you know, your fan, your fandom is your fandom. Yeah. But, yeah, it just. But it, your choice sucks, Eddie, as we just <laughs> proved. No, I think it's. <laughs> the, out of all the films that I rewatched, it was the one that probably went down lowest in my okay. estimations. So it's your Birdman, then? Well, no, because it was never on my list. No, no, Eddie said the Birdman went down. You said Birdman yeah, went down low. Yeah, Birdman yes. went down lowest. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, then I would say Midnight in Paris was mine. Okay, fair. Okay. Okay, we're on to me now. Uh, my number three of the decade is Whiplash. Whiplash. Aye. We can't talk about Whiplash yet. We still can't, we talk, still about can't talk about Whiplash. <laughs> well, you obviously now know it's on every, all of our lists. It's the only film that's on yes. everyone's list. Well, you gave that away slightly because maybe yeah. my number two or someone else's number two could have been on someone else's list. What? We can't talk about Whiplash yet. That's the takeaway. <laughs> Basically. Sam, what's your number three? <laughs> my number three... I, I don't know. What's my number three? <laughs> <laughs> my number three is Spotlight. Oh, okay. You just any film that's difficult. No, no, it's just that okay. we're really getting into the heavy hitters yes, now, okay. aren't we? We really well, have to be switched on well, for these conversations. Let's let's break down the the uh, let's break the fourth wall. We started recording at what time? Oh, uh, about nine o'clock. It's now a quarter to two yes. in the morning. Yeah, we've had a couple of issues with Sam's and, and mic that we yeah. had, so we've had to stop. And also, we just keep having things to say. Yeah. Like bastards, and we're very yeah. mindful this is going to go on probably till about five o'clock. <laughs> so I'm yeah. in work at six a.m. <laughs> yes, Eddie's not sleeping tonight, and I no. have been awake since two a.m. yesterday. <laughs> okay, so spotlight. So we're <laughs> twenty-four hours. <laughs> yeah, you're going to die. Nah, caffeine. Okay, right, Eddie. This was on your list as well. It is indeed on my list. What number is it for you? Um, my oh. I think it was eight, right? I think it's eight. I'm going to say eight. I'm correct, but I'll wait for Eddie to clarify. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, don't be a no oi little prick. Little. <laughs> I dropped something in utter disgust. 
Hey, it's, it's like a compliment and an insult at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah, they cancel each other out, yeah. <laughs> No, I feel okay. great right now. So the uh, onus yes. is on me to do the plot of Spotlight, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Spotlight is about um, uh, a team at the Boston Globe, uh, I think 2001 to 2002. I believe so, yeah. Um, that uncovered uh, the systematic abuse of children uh, by Catholic priests in Boston and then extrapolating that to, well, glo- globally. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's... Uh, a procedural, an investigative procedural. Uh, it's very similar to All the President's Men, which is about the Watergate scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the film is basically about just the, the team of uh, four, five journalists uh, trying to uncover the truth, basically. Yeah. Eddie, why do you like Spotlight? Why do I like Spotlight? Yeah. See, so Spotlight... Sorry, I've just spilled hot tea down <laughs> myself. Done your crotch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'll keep you awake at least, won't I? Yeah, I've got burning genitals. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Spotlight, for me, was a later... It was pro- it was one of the last okay. to, to make the list, because I really am Denard. Because it's not particularly a film uh-huh. that I would say I rewatch like the others, which is one of the reasons why it's lower down in my list than, obviously, it is on yours, mm-hmm. because it doesn't quite have that rewatchability for it. Okay. That being said, I was looking at films that I might include on the list, mm-hmm. and I couldn't argue that they were a better film right. than Spotlight. Okay, um, it's a fantastically well done film mm-hmm. based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Quite, you know, when you look at it, quite harrowing. In it is the film isn't though. I don't think. no no no. Yeah. Um, I I don't want to say it's like quite light, but in generally speaking, it's professional. Yes. Yeah. It's very well acted. It is. Yeah. Um, for me, I always highlight Mark Ruffalo's yeah. moment. Yeah. That's the that's the, the closest the film ever gets to showboating or melodrama, really. Yes. It doesn't. It is is pretty much the best moment in the film, I think. Yeah. And it, because it's just the way he delivers the line mm-hmm. to to Michael Keaton. That 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 gets me crying. Yeah. Like his passion, like yeah. you know, it happened. To, they let it happen to kids. That bit always gets me. Yeah. I'm crying. Stop it. Fucking hell. <laughs> you generally got emotional. Right? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, those are tears of exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. We'll write them off as tears yeah, of exhaustion. Yeah. Um, obviously, you get a bit, you get an insight into, like, obviously a little bit of their lives. Mm-hmm. You find out um, about the fact that Robbie obviously helped cover it up to an extent at one point. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of complicit. But basically yeah. by thinking it just wasn't a big deal. Yes. Yeah. And then you get the scene, I can't remember the character or the actor's name, where he discovers, do you know, I can't think of a way of saying this without sounding stupid. Where, a, we'll the, say it's stupid and then we can... A place where they send popes when they've gone bad. Say that again? A place they send popes when they've gone bad. Oh, right, okay. Like like to a uh, rehabilitation centre. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> it was the only thing yeah, in my yeah. head was, <laughs> when popes done wrong. I'm sure there's a <laughs> euphemism that they use in the film, but it's, essentially it's rehab. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, as the investigation goes on, you find out that there are different code words for, yeah. you know, on sick leave, kind yeah. of that kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Uh, and he discovers that one of these rehabilitation places is literally just down the road from him. Yeah, the actor is Brian Darcy James. Uh, he's a Broadway guy. Okay. Like Spotlight, I think, was one of his first films. Okay. Yes. I mean, I, I love procedurals. Mm-hmm. I love j- journalism stories. It's, you know, it's a story of journalism done right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, especially in today's age of journalism, where everything has just gone completely. Everything is black or white. It's partisan, or it's kind of the extremes, of both ends of the continuum. It's nice to see just oh, the actual necessity of journalism when it was actually, uh, you know, philanthropic, mm. um, and not just about selling papers mm. or yeah. now getting people reading your. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like that. Obviously, I love the look of it. I I love. Um, I'm big on kind of tangible. Uh, material and I like paper. I like books. You know, mm, I like yeah. files. Yeah, I like offices. Yeah, writing. I'm I'm big on that sort of stuff. Whenever you see uh, like sequences in films where uh, like montages where, where they're doing something very methodically, there's something innately satisfying about that. And I think that there's a lot of that in Spotlight about collating data and they've got to go in the basement and find an old folder. Yeah, and- yeah. I, I, I like the idea of journalism being on papers. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, it's kind of horrible to think now, but it is true. Like, it's set in 2001. I know this came, film came out in 2015, but that is, it's a period film. It is, In yeah. the same way that, like, a 90s, a film set in the 90s or the 80s is a period film. Yeah, you know? yeah. It feels like a different time, almost. Mm-hmm. It's not just, oh, it's basically set in modern day, but, like, you know, yeah. the type of phones they use is slightly older. It's like, oh, no, it's a different time. They, it is, yeah, yeah. It is paper and, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. I, th- I think one of the things for me, uh, there, there is a personal level for me right. in that my grandfather was a Methodist minister. Right. My grand was, you know, in church multiple times of the week. Mm-hmm. And so there was a there was a part of me, obviously, you know, you know, necessarily the right kind of church per se, but there was a part of me that was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it is. It doesn't be a distinctly Catholic phenomenon. Not obviously, not unique to Catholicism. No. but you know, it's definitely oh the scale of it. The scale know? of it. What the psychiatrist they talk to, what he calls it a recognizable psychological phenomenon. I think. Yeah, mm. the priests do this stuff. Oh, we can talk about why we think that's the case, but yeah. it's sort of uh, distracting from the point, really. Mm. Um, I love the score. That there's yeah. the opening, uh, the opening scene that ends with I don't know if you remember it, George. Uh, the music cue at the end of it, it's very just like, and now we're in the film. I don't remember it. Um, I, I'm not sure who the composer is, but it, it's it's a great score. Mm. Okay. It abides this, uh, I, I, it might have been McKee, there's a screenwriting guru who wrote a book, and his big thing was, when you start a film, you have to put the idea of your film in the first scene. It mm, has yeah. to be expressed. So they, famously, it's in Chinatown, but maybe you, uh, our listeners will be more familiar with Hot Fuzz, mm. which is in the first scene. Nicholas Angel says to his boss, with all due respect, sir, you can't just make people disappear. And yeah. that's sort of the theme of that film. Yeah. They do that in Spotlight, basically, where um, they're all, uh, someone is leaving, a journalist is leaving the paper, they're all having like a, a farewell celebration. And then Robbie turns to him and he says, you know, we got a new editor coming in uh, at the, at next week and you're leaving. So I just got to ask, what the hell do you know? Yeah. That's the question of the film. Is like, you know, that everyone knew about this. Okay. But, yeah. But, you know, what do you know? And then the guy yeah. literally like puts a finger up to his lips, like mm mm mm. Yeah. Um, I I love you know I love stuff like that. It's very it's a very very professional film. Yep. Uh, it like I said, it avoids melodrama. Yeah. Uh, except it skirts it very briefly in that moment. Yes. Uh, there are no frills visually either. It's a very simply short oh, film. Absolutely, yeah. And I think rightly so. Any style would just detract from its point. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's one of the tightest scripts in modern memory. Yeah, I would agree. It never, ever distracts from 
the point. No. Mm-hmm. It does the thing that all good screenplays do, which is every scene should either advance plot or deepen character. Yeah. Yep. Um, but like I said, it's not it's not really about the journalists, really. There's some stuff from their personal lives, but it's about this mission, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's nice because um, you do... Because you are spending time with, this, with these characters, the film kind of allows for them to be characters a little bit, you know? Yes. They're not just... It's not like um, Shin Godzilla or like you know right. a film like that where it is procedural and it's it's about the events that mm-hmm. are happening, but because of that, no characters prevail. Right. Everyone is just kind of like serving a function in the machinery of like dealing with this event. Yeah, but no, like like the people on the team, they all like you said, obviously oh, Mark Rylance, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, his like big moments, mm-hmm. like the fact that a film like this will allow a character to have a moment like that. Yeah, it's and nice. and you do get a sense of their characters. Yes. Like Michael Keaton is is he he's the leader of the team, and he's kind yep. of quietly kind of like a bit. He's the most resistant of them. Like he's not this dogged journalist pursuing the truth. He's a bit more like let's get our facts straight before yeah. we like take it yeah. up the ladder. But I, th- I think that's the when we talk about the Mark Ruffalo scene. Yeah, res- the response from him of yeah, that's the thing. You, it, it deflates you almost because like yeah, f- we're, we're gonna grandstand a bit. Yeah. And the film is so professional that it allows you one moment where you're like getting on your high horse. Yeah. And he just goes, you finished? And it's, yeah, I love that. The fact that it deflates you a bit doesn't detract from the scene. No, not at all. Yeah. I would say, I mean, when you talk about like performances, the scene in which Rachel McAdams visits one of the priests who did it and he's just like, oh yeah, I, I, I did Yeah, it. it's just yeah. so like, well, yeah, this is a, ma- this is a matter of fact. And, yeah, then, and then he's like, but you know, don't, I you know I didn't get any pleasure from this. Yeah, but he's so uh, blasé, blasé about it. Yeah, well, because he he says, doesn't he? he? Says, well, yeah, I I was, but I didn't do it uh, to be like unkind. Yeah, he says what were you talking about? He says, just, well, I was molested too. Yeah, I think that's that's just in there to give you a sense of oh, it's it's a cycle, you know. Yeah, but yeah, but no, it's a very strange feeling that that scene gives me. I don't know about you guys. It's not like horrible. It's not harrowing. Mm. It's just kind of like it was creepy. It's a yeah, bit creepy. but you're just kind of yeah. in shock. He, he's yeah, creepy. yeah, yeah. He, he, he looks creepy. I'm he sorry. D- no, he does. He does. Yeah. yeah. Like whoever you are, actor, you you look a bit creepy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, he does. He does. Uh, you know, they they cast well there. But yeah. you know, but then obviously you've got in the same scene, like towards the end, obviously the the, the like sister or whatever it is comes out, and mm. it's like, um, yeah, no, come inside. Do you know? Don't come back here. Yeah. I like the closest thing the film has to a villain is is Cardinal Law, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's not a villain, and again, the film is way too professional to lower itself to that sort of thing. And again, it's almost like a rejection of that. Like when Ruffalo, who who does embody like the, he's passionate about it, you know. Mm. He's the one who's going to break the rules to kind of yeah. get to the truth. Uh, he says to um, uh, Michael Keaton, Robbie, oh, you know, we're going after law. This gets law, and he's like, no, we're going after the system. Yeah, there's no villain here. You know what I mean? Yes. Even though there are individual villains, obviously. Yeah. And I love again. It's such like it's such a professional film. In the scene where uh, Liev Schreiber, who plays the new editor, mm-hmm. who I think is the unsung hero of the film, I okay. think he's great in the film. Okay, he he is magnificent. Yeah. I will agree. When he goes to visit, because he's Jewish, and he he's uh, invited to go visit Cardinal Law in his house, and Cardinal Law gifts him the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This complete passive aggressive, like you're a mite here now, buddy. Yeah, you know? it's great. Little things like that, and yeah. So Liev Schreiber. He just has this quiet dignity about him. The fact that he he comes in from the outside. I think he was in the Mi- in Miami, and he comes in from the outside, and it's almost like he kind of knows. 
it's all like he's this omniscient figure almost that mm. kind of comes in and says, right, I read this one little story about a, a priest who was accused of molestation. Yeah. Are we doing anything about that? And he just sort of sits back and lets them do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things I love most about the film is Stanley Tucci says it to Mark Ruffalo's character. He says, you know, I'm Armenian. Uh, you're, I can't remember what ethnicity Mark Ruffalo is. He says, but, you know, people around here, they, you know, they don't like outsiders. It takes an outsider to get to the truth. Mm. And I just love that idea because yeah. that's what Liev Schreiber is. Yeah. He's coming in. He's an outsider. Um, you know, a meddling outsider, basically. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And because the other, I can't, I, again, I don't know the name of the actor, but the person that uh, Michael Keaton's character reports to. Oh, John Slattery. Yeah. 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 He, he definitely doesn't want to tell that story. I, th- I think it's it's denial for him, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, I really don't want to be, you know, I don't want to reveal that everyone's been sitting on the secret for the past hundred years. You know, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he's very, he's eventually won over. Yes, of course he is. Um, yeah, yeah. There's one what weird moment in the film where Mark Ruffalo is talking to Richard Sype, who's a psychiatrist on the phone. And then he says to him, like, oh, I think it'd be this many priests or something like that. He goes, oh, that that's big. Hello? Hello, and he's he's kind of cut off. Yeah, and then John Slattery knocks on the door. I always felt that was a weird moment. Like, what were they trying to do there? Like okay. in any other film, this should be suggesting that what, why is John... the church has like cut him off or something. Yeah, like that, well, why know? has John Slattery gone into that office? I don't remember. This is at his house, Mark Ruffalo's house. Oh, I see. Okay. He goes over there. To t- he says, "I was having dinner in the area. Here's some scraps." Yeah, and basically just asks him how the uh, you know the case is going. Right. Okay. Okay. How the story is progressing. But yeah, that's just a weird little moment. Yeah. Um. I have one minor critique, and that is, it, it's tiny. Okay. In the film, there are, you point this out before, George, there's basically a church in every shot, because there are so many yes. churches in Boston. Yeah. And there's one scene where Rachel McAdams is talking to a victim, um, and they go for a walk, because he doesn't want to discuss it, you know, uh, in front of people in a coffee shop. So they're walking, and then they sit in a playground, and then uh, there's a church right next to the playground. Yeah. And he says to her, and of course, there's a church there and a playground as they're talking about this. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, didn't need to say it. Because no, the okay. shot, it cuts to a wide of the playground and the church. Like, yes. Yeah. That would have done it for me. Yeah. Um, that's it. Because yeah. that, is, that, I think it's basically a perfect film. Yeah, because that's a detail of the film I really like. And from what I understand, it was completely by accident. Completely by the accident. It's like you can't shoot streets without having a church. Yeah, exactly. Boston it, yeah. is so, there are so many churches in Boston yeah. that, like, there was always going to be churches in the background. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I think that like it makes it, it sort of pushes it that little bit further. The fact that it's completely accidental, yes. it's like oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it just so, supports. Yeah, the, yeah, it supports the everything the film is saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not a harrowing film, as you say. It's very professional. Yeah. It's very not indifferent, but it's sort of like no, no, no. objective. Like yeah. we're just like I imagine. I can't imagine they're obviously going to be taking creative licenses in some regards, just so this is a like it has a film structure. Yeah. Um. But I can't imagine they deviated too strongly from the actual events no, of this no. investigation. I'm just saying it, it, it's recent enough that it wouldn't have been muddied by history. No, know? exactly. No. Um, yeah, not, but yeah, yeah, as you say, it's not harrowing. But when they list that list at the end of the oh, film, yeah, they yeah. list all of the places where this activity still happened, and they basically list everywhere ever. Remember, oh, yeah, remember like earlier in the film where they were freaked out by the prospect that there were 90 priests involved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was considered like, oh shit, this is big? Yeah. Wasn't it ninety like, countries? Okay, wasn't it like fourteen that, you know? priests to begin with, or something like that? Or, well, it's just a few at first, yeah. yeah. And then they they notice, yeah, they, there's a um, there's a system where they put sick leave in in the annual reports of mm. where priests are, 
and it's clearly a euphemism. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I think the... And then they realise there's more than one euphemism. Well, the, yeah. the psychiatrist says to them, oh, like, roughly X amount percentage of all priests. And like, well, that would make 90 in Boston. And then when they do their... They compile that list. It's 87. It's basically, yeah. It's 87, yeah. 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 And it turns out that, that is accurate. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's insane, you know. Yeah. It is insane. But yeah, no, the, you know, it, it holds a torch to honest-to-God, altruistic, necessary reporting. And yeah. I think... It's a shame that that is a period piece. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. And of course, I've brought this anecdote up before, mm-hmm. uh, but Spotlight was released released in the UK around the same time that Deadpool was released. Yeah. And there were queues running out of the cinema to see Deadpool, and like no one went to see Spotlight. But we did. We walked we out of the cinema see having seen the film and that list at the end, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you just see like the sheer volume of people who were going to see Deadpool, of which Eddie was included. I can see you making that face. <laughs> It, it's it that, is more. You'd be in a different queue now, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, like you said, they've obviously imposed the film structure on it to some mm. degree. But and we talk about the avoidance of melodrama. There's another sequence where Ruffalo, who again is, I feel like it embodies the audience and like occasionally just gets a bit hot-headed about it. Yeah, and kind of says, um, John Slattery says, like, how come no one was talking about this then? It can't be true. Yeah, and he says. Good Germans. Yes. And then uh, Slattery, which is like, yeah, you're going, yeah, fuck, that's what it is. Yeah. And then John Slattery says, I don't think that's a, a comparison you want to make publicly. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, if the fair play, the film will not let itself sink into easy melodrama. Yeah, it's not, yeah, exactly. And like the big, the massive resolution at the end of the film is they publish the story mm. and then they say like, oh, call us if you have any stories about this. And the phone just starts going off in the office. Yeah. And then all the phones start going off. Yes. That's the big payoff. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. Yeah. It's the third best one of the decade. <laughs> Go I see feel it. I have nothing else to say about it. Yeah. I don't have yeah. much to no, say that about is, it. No, that is... Yeah, it's perfect. Not okay. because there's less to say about the film, or the film is not worthy of having more to say, just like... No, know. I think the fact that it's procedural makes it a bit difficult to talk about individual... The film is... is it's a it's unit, to be taken in its it? entirety. Yeah, it's a yeah. unit. Yeah. Okay, so my number two is Sing Street. So, and uh, number two it is. No, it's not. It's very good. Very good. Very good. Um, oh, that was not on sound. I know it's late, but come on. It's not that shit. Fuck out. Um, it's not that shit. <laughs> no. So yeah. So number two for me, Sing Street. It sums it up. It sums it up. You just can't stand the way that I walked out from the wreckage. Sorry. Um, rhythm of the model. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Eddie. This will all make sense when we actually get Eddie to talk about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it sums it up in its own kind of like little advert on the poster. It is a coming of age film. Boy meets boy meets girl. Girl unimpressed. Boy starts band. Yeah, it's yes. set in Ireland um, during it's the eighties. Isn't yeah. it? It's the eighties. Yeah, during so, that very Irish time. In Ireland. So, uh, I mean, so uh, you know, that was supposed to be a joke. That doesn't mean anything. No, I don't get it. That's why. That's why I didn't laugh. Yeah. I was like, I'll smirk. Yeah, to pretend I know what he's talking about. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't know what I was talking about. Okay, so right. brilliant. Yeah. 
Um, it's near. It's gone two o'clock. People, like, give us a give us a break. <laughs> it's like gone two in the morning. They just started this podcast. Remember? No, they haven't actually. No, nah, we don't. Yeah, we don't even. I'm know. delirious. Yeah, they're ten hours deep at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's play. Sing Street. What is Sing Street about? Sing Eddie? Street. It's an Irish film. <laughs> okay. About Ireland, yeah? No, it's about a boy meets girl, girl unimpressed, a boy starts band. Are they Irish to be fair, that's pretty much all the plot-wise. That, 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 yeah. that is, yeah, yeah, that's all you really need to know. Yeah, they start the yeah. band, the band has been started. Yes, you know? yeah. yeah. They name the band after the school they're at. Yes. Yes, Yes, because the school is, and this is a detail I forgot until I rewatched it, the school is like a very, it's, well, it's a Catholic school, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. run by priests, so mm-hmm. it's very, like, interesting that this is the follow-up to Spotlight. Indeed. Um... Mm. I wonder if they were on There the is an overlap, isn't there, actually? How so? We'll get to it, but but the priest in Sing Street, there's a kind of shadiness. Oh, yes. right, okay. Yeah. Um, yes, so it's like a very, you know, like, old-fashioned discipline kind yeah. of school. Um, yeah. And the kids are obviously rebelling against that. And so they kind of name the band after the school. Mm-hmm. Sli- I don't know. Spelled slightly differently. It's spelled slightly yeah. differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. the spelling is different. Um, I don't know whether it's supposed to be like a like a middle finger to the school almost that this sort of like new. I mean, given the song "Brown Shoes," I'd assume. Well, that's a, that's yeah. that deliberate fuck you to the head teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's their music called? Future something. What now? The band, the type of music that they do. What does he describe it as? It's like not future punk. I have no idea. Okay, it's futuristic. Because it's like um, the Cure, Future and, Pop. I don't know. Yeah, like Joy Division and that kind of music. Oh, okay, right. I won't like, call that's that. the. Okay. No, because like. Well, I mean, the, the, he, he, the, call, he calls himself a futurist. Is that what the band is called? They do futurist music. But it's, that's that's kind of what it ends up. Yeah, being. I know what you mean that he comes up with a specific term for it. I yeah. think the film is like it's almost like um. It's what's on trend at that. It's almost seasonal. It's almost like instead of spring, summer, autumn, he goes through Duran Duran phase, and he goes through the yeah. Cure. Like it's, they yeah, go through different phases. It's, what, don't it's they? what's popular yeah. on the radio at the time. Yeah, it's what's Vogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Vogue. Yeah, um, but yes, it's set during uh, you know against the backdrop of the 1980s Ireland, where um, no troubles to be found. Uh, no, of, no capital T troubles to be found anyway. Um, yes, you know, m- m- obviously, like money. I, I'm trying to think of the right word. I'm really <laughs> money problems. I can't think of the right <laughs> fucking word. Recession. Money yeah, is tight. Yeah, 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 recession is the word yeah. I'm looking for. Um, yeah, so it, you know, there's the recession. There was a lot of people who were going over from Ireland to like the UK to London. To London, yeah. Um, and obviously that plays its own part in the story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, what happens is um, that 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 you know your main character, because again, I can't remember the names at all. I'm <laughs> really bad at. This. I can't remember his name. What's the name of the main character in Sing Street? No idea. I can't even remember the name of the actor. We'll call him. We're sorry, audience. We'll, we'll call him Frontman. Okay, Frontman. So, the Frontman. I remember Lucy Boynton. We'll, we'll call him Frontman. Frontman. So the Frontman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Lucy Boynton. That's all I can. I remember, I remember Lucy Boynton. Boynton. Yeah, we all remember Lucy Boynton. Boynton. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Fuck um, you, Rami Malek. His name's Connor. Lucy... Or Cosmo. Is actually yeah, Cosmo. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that was what I was trying to. Yeah, get. fuck no. you, Rami Malek, for taking her away from us. Yeah, yeah fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah. You're, you're, you're almost forty. She's only in her twenties. Fuck off. Yeah, he's Mr. I know, he's also Freddie Mercury. Dun, dun, dun. We are going way off. Right, <laughs> right, let's bring this back. Right, so basically, um, yeah, Cos- Cosmo sees her standing on some steps, mm-hmm. um, introduces himself, she's like, kind of like, oh, great, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So he, t- he tells her that he's in a band, they start the band, um, and they get her to be in the music videos. Yes. Because yes. obviously she's 
She sort of introduces herself as a model, doesn't she? Yeah, she introduces herself as a model. She's also rather attractive. Rather. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a bit in love with her. (laughs) No, what about in the film or real life? uh, In in real life. (laughs) (laughs) It's a historical ground if you say in the film. Yeah, Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) What about... um, Who was the actress we were talking about before we started recording? So Francesca something? Oh, Florence, Florence Pugh. Pugh. Florence Pugh. I can love many people. Oh, okay. I can be, what, what do they call it? Polyamorous? I can be polyamorous. No, you can't. <laughs> Why can't I be polyamorous? You can't tell I'm, me I can be polyamorous. I've known you for six fucking years. We've we complained about Wacky Phoenix having, like, Amy Adams and, you know, all these... Yeah. And we, and well, we must have all of these people. <laughs> yeah. You can't have Lucy Boynton and... I can I can love them if it's unrequited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> can love who I want as long as they love me back. Fuck you. Cool. Yeah, I can't love me back. That'd be weird. If <laughs> these weird. women started loving me back. Um, I'll take it. Then they fucking will. <laughs> did you even finish talking about what Sing Street is? Like, no. did you explain what it was? <laughs> right, so yeah, so they get to be in the music videos. I mean, at least this is like our top, like, our top two that we're getting delirious at. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like they're films that can sort of stand on their own. Yes. Yeah, sure. Without us doing them justice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... Um, yeah, so, no, so she, she's obviously in the music video, but then she's, she kind of starts to see Cosmo, um, yeah. but she has a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a whore. Um, but obviously, the, the boyfriend, you know, the whole point is, in the in the film, uh, Cosmo's 15, she's 16, um, and this, this boyfriend she's got is older. Yeah, he's an older boy with a car. He's an older boy with a car who promises to take her away to London. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, which turns out to be a crock of shit. Yes, yes. Um, Bossy. So she's in these music videos. The first song they do is a song called "Rhythm of the Model." Rhythm of the Model. Um, perfect timing. Yeah. And you know, see, you know, he tries to play it off as it's not about her and yes, things yeah. like. But obviously, you know, the more he sort of gets together, you know, they get together and write songs. The more obviously she's influencing everything. Yeah. And, you know, and then his brother, who's played brilliantly by Jack Rayner, he is fantastic. Yes. Yes. Obviously influences the mu- the music taste. Well, he yeah, he gives him like homework quote unquote, yeah. where he tells him like, listen to this band, listen to this band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has to learn how not to play. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, with each different band, Cosmo's hair, yes, uh, his style changes with each different yeah, um, sort of performance and song. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else I need to say about it. I'm not gonna. And plot wise, I think you sorted. Yeah, Plus, I feel yeah. like you've gone above and beyond the Call of Duty yeah. there um, in terms of plot. Yes. So, for me, uh, one of the reasons why this is quite so high up is one of my favourite films is The Commitments. Yes. Which, again, yeah. Yeah. it's Irish, it's music. Mm-hmm. Alan Parker? I, I honestly can tell you. Okay. Man. I'll check. Um, I, think, I think it was. But, yeah. I, I, have, a, I have a weird... I, can't, I, I feel like it's a weird obsession with Highland. That is, like, a big factor, mm-hmm. I think, in why it's quite so high up. Again, music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is another one where I listen to the soundtrack fairly regularly still. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. genuinely like the um, what I think is kind of the breakout song of that song, which is a oh, song, of, song of that film. <laughs> Drive It Like You Stole It. Uh, which is Drive It Like You Stole It. Yeah, like it's great. Stole. And I'm also a fan of Rhythm of the Model as well. And yeah, it's okay. kind of like, you know, it's their first song, so it's a bit ropey. Yeah. But I still yeah. like it quite it's, a bit. Um, yeah, and I'm a fan of that era of music as well. Yeah. So it's kind of, it appeals to me yeah. a lot. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, then there's, there's Brown Shoes. Yeah. And again, much like Lowen Davis, the nice thing about it is that, like, oh no, we're going to listen to the songs. 
Yeah, it never yeah, cuts away, yeah. and it's not a musical with one exception. But it's not a musical. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, uh, there's a more acoustic number called "Going Up." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That for me is a particular. Okay. I re I really like listening to that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's in the. Is it the credits where you hear the director? If you listen to the end of the credits, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. the director like rehearsing. Going through the like a, a run through of Drive It Like You Stole It or something. I think so. Yeah. Yes. And then he's like, "That's fucking terrible. It's brilliant." <laughs> so, yeah, that, you know, it is. Yeah. This kind of lyrics are just so stupid. Yeah. That's something yeah. you write at that age, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, it kind but, of yeah. feels like. Yeah, it kind of feels like something kids would come up with. You yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 conscious, conscious, but yeah, okay. it, it reminds me completely of the bands I remember from school. Yes. Other than obviously the fact that they're Irish. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And like how they were sort of seen as well at school. Mm-hmm. I completely remember that. Um, it's kind of... Because it, it's considered a coming-of-age film. Generally speaking, I don't really like coming-of-age films. I, I struggle with them, yeah. So I struggle as well. This is like a, you know, one yes. particular, particular th- like film that's kind of come up, come up and sort of broke us I'm, I'm a big fan of Sing Street, but it, it's always been a problem for me. I think it's a problem of youth, and I hope it gets better with age. But there's something about really joyous films that always throw up a barrier for me. Okay. I know that that sounds so, oh, it's so Smith's. Yeah, yeah. But I've got to maybe I'm angry, angry sad. <laughs> or just sad, sad. Uh, but yeah, I really like films with the ending it has. Mm. I struggle to really get on board with because I'm a miserable bastard. <laughs> See, yeah. I'm a miserable bastard, yeah. but it's hopeful, and that is something I really like. And we discussed, I like hope, you know, yeah. I'm not a fan of hope. But I don't know. Yeah, still, I, 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 okay, maybe it's, it's love stories then. I'm, I'm a bit resistant uh, Yeah, to... I mean, I, in that regard, yes. But again, in some regard, I would occasionally call myself a hopeless romantic, so... I am as well. But that's sort of the problem, I think. Yeah. Okay. Is that um, when it works out as perfectly as it does in the film as well. It's, yes. I'm, I'm personally a bit like eh. I, I like it a lot but like I personally can't mm. get there but where, maybe with age that yeah. problem will recede um, doubt it <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I think the other thing um, uh, with it is the scene in which they, he imagines the driver like you stole it Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah. yeah. Actually, the school prom. Musical. Yeah. The school prom. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. kind of the standout scene, isn't it? Because it's the only scene <laughs> yeah. which isn't strictly taking place in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I could probably rewatch that scene over and over quite happily. Mm-hmm. You think the film? It is. It's an adolescent fantasy playing out. Yep. And so, like, you could argue the ending isn't real either, because yeah. the ending is a bit much. I will yes. say, if it yeah. is real, it's a bit much. Yeah. Of them, I, I get they're going to go off on the boat to London. Jack Ryan is like, yes, fuck, he did what I couldn't. Yeah, and then they they see the ocean liner and they're waving at them from the ocean liner. Yeah. It's like, okay, I guess like physically it's possible. Yes, but it does feel like uh like he's dreaming this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, weirdly enough, I was r- reading about it, um, which is the idea that it, it's not, it, it is a sort of made up ending, but it's not in Cosmo's head. It's the ending Jack Rayner imagines for his brother. Okay. Okay. Which yeah. I thought would be actually, I thought it would be That's really, interesting. You know, yeah. I mean, the only flaw would be he hasn't met the girl, but. Yes, that is yeah. true. Um, but, you know, it's a, it was a, ni- it's a nice idea of. It is, but she's, she has a kind of unreal name. Like, Rafina is her name. Yeah. That's yeah, sort of like strange, a, it's yeah. a, you know, like a girl crush. Yeah. The film, I get it, what it's doing. I, I just think films like that, they tend to end with the romance not working out. 
yes. that something has been learned. Yes. And that isn't the case in this film. No. It's fine, you know, I don't have a problem with it. But, yeah. Um, it, maybe that's what stops it from becoming, like, capital G great for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I just got down here, being creative to get girls. Yep. <laughs> I've com- I completely this idea of like oh if we form a band then we can ask her to be in the music video I totally relate to that. <laughs> I 100% get that honestly if it's fucking genius it yeah. is and that's why people are in bands L- lucky for him do- that he was able to find people uh, find a guy who could find people to be in his band yeah yes. he really yeah. lucks out that he finds a small ginger kid yeah. oh yeah yeah so yeah I completely relate to that obviously I've I've been in a band uh, talking about what songs mean does not reflect my experience. Okay. Obviously, him and the guitarist—they're having like a lengthy conversation about what's it about. Yeah, you know, what's the song? Maybe it's the band I was in, but we never talked about what songs meant. It's what, okay. It wasn't that kind of band. Um, was it one of those like, oh, what about this? And then you play the riff, and then that's the song. Someone plays the riff, and like Sam go write the lyrics. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll just keep the meaning to <laughs> yeah. myself. Okay. I mean, I will say that the guitarist and his bunny. Yeah. His little his bunny rabbit is weird obsession with rabbits. I like bunnies. <laughs> Yeah, the Irish accent's just funny, isn't it? Yeah. Just as yeah. Sorry, semi Irish listener. <laughs> no, Irish. He's not I was gonna say, he's only um nationally not Irish. Nobody is. Yeah, but I was he's yeah. Alright. Uh yeah, Jack Rayner is great. There's one bit though where he he says monastic. I think they're talking about Rafina or about Maybe. He's like, Oh that's admirable, it's almost like monastic. Mm-hmm. Right? And then the sister insults him mm. and she corrects something he says and he goes, look, I don't do words, okay? I was like, you just said monastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, okay. he is quite a well but he's like your philosopher older brother guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He reads like books by Carol. Yeah, in stuff. fact, he says that if he hadn't dosed around getting high, yeah. he's like, I was a fucking jet engine. Yeah, like, yeah. that's uh, sort of something that became more powerful on the second yes. watch for me. Absolutely. With his, like, whatever you call it to Cosmo his kind of like and that, that moment of like, like it's fine and I'm completely I have no problem with you yeah. but you don't, don't fucking understand, understand. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah I yeah that, that I related heavily to that yes yeah. I do have a question because after the ending of the film before the credits start proper uh, for Brothers Everywhere appears on screen yeah, yeah. Yep, it does was this a film about brothers um like main like primarily a film about brothers no it, it, no. it well, I was going to say it's that's obviously an Irish term, isn't it? Yes, but also I would say that because Jack okay, is say important the co- because he sort of yeah, like he's facilitates the, he's Cosmo's mental. journey, and he's the mentor. Yes. Yeah, but I don't, I didn't feel like their connection was the 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 heart of the film. See, yeah, I think it is. You could argue that it's Rafina and Cosmo, obviously. Yeah. That, but no, I would say the heart of the film is the brother relationship. Okay, I would. But like you know, even if it's just, it's certainly not. It has a strong brotherly relationship. And thus, we will dedicate the film to brothers everywhere. Yeah. My guess is that the director was probably inspired to make it by his relationship oh, okay. with his brother. Right. That would be my guess. Okay. Um, right. My critique. The priest assaulting him. Yes. Feels a bit tonally inconsistent. Yes. Maybe it's meant to be jarring. Like, mm. oh, all this insidious stuff was happening behind closed doors. Yeah. But it's like, where where did that come from? Well, it's supposed to be like... It's supposed to give him something to overcome, like a problem. Because at the moment, and then they, they write a song about it. But it's yes. like, dude, that's not something that you get over by writing a song about. Go report him. Yeah, he's a fucking police. He can't yeah. do that. You know. No, no. Because um, up until that point, the villain has been like poverty and circumstance right. and things like that. So you yeah. need someone to embody like a force to overcome. That yes. being said, I absolutely don't agree with the with the priest's reaction. 
But the fact that he turned up to school with like blonde hair and makeup, right? He was kind of like asking for his not kid. asking for that, but like you know, what, know did, you what did he expect? Yes, you yeah. know, the guy was complaining about the fact that he didn't have black shoes. What did he think was going to happen when he turned up in makeup? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, so that's it didn't do too badly for me. <laughs> that sequence plays out. Yeah, he comes in. He says, uh, you know, you got to wash that. You're pretty enough as it is. Oh, or yes. something like that. You've got to wash your face. Yeah. Gay. And he says, do you, you want can to use, use my bathroom? My bathroom. Exactly. And then he walks into the bathroom. Yeah. Fine, okay. It's still a bit... Uh, but that could have done it. But then he's like, no, nah, I'm alright. And he walks out. Yeah. And then he grabs him, manhandles him into another toilet. Yeah. He's like, get off your dirty feet. You know. And it's like, y- y- I could have done with the... You can do it in my bathroom if you want. Yeah. Because like, not only is he an abuse... You know, that was the time like teachers could hit kids and stuff. Yeah. He's also, you know... A naughty priest, and yes. it's like you don't need both. He could have just been a dick to him. Yeah, it's the kind of film with yeah, the, where the headmaster's the villain because he's a, he's a bit pompous and out and old fashioned. Yeah, it's like what, what you're dying your hair. What is yeah. this travesty? That would have done. Yeah, that would have done. Yeah, yeah. no, you I didn't can, need the I physical. Could, I can appreciate that. Yeah, okay, but yeah, I think it's a, it's great. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I like the kids in this film. I, I do, like which the way is that nice rarity. Yes, I like the way they're portrayed. Uh, yeah. Obviously, they all give good performances. I like that because one of the um, uh, sort of like main sort of praises that was sung of Stranger Things mm. were the fact that the kids were like swearing and they felt like they were talking like actual kids. Yeah. This film does exactly the same thing where they're like they swear, they smoke. Mm. Like the ginger kid is kind of racist. Yeah. He says yeah, very yeah. racist things. Yes, yeah, that yeah. the film it sort of like corrects him, but the film allows him to say those things. Yeah, and I, I found out that this film actually predates Stranger Things. So yeah, it was does, nice yeah, yeah. that you know it was nice that you know I know that people credit Stranger Things for doing that and like it for sort of like I guess really popularizing mm. it. But it's nice that to see uh, Sing Street sort of doing that before it was kind of seen as okay that you can do these things with child actors. Yeah, I will say though, Lucy Boynton looks a lot older than Cosmo. Oh yeah, she does. And Cosmo looks a lot older than the rest of the kids in the film. So I know I know it's yeah. in like a high school and you do have like that's the time in which. Kids change a lot physically. Mm-hmm. They look a lot yeah, differently. Yeah, they don't look fifteen and sixteen. They don't look fifteen and sixteen, and she looks. A, she certainly doesn't look a year older than him. She looks like no. She's left school, you know. She does. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That was a bit distracting. It was distracting my first watch, but certainly this time around, I found it a bit distracting. Yeah. I mean, she was distracting on the first watch. See, the first watch, no, it was, but maybe it was because I was viewing it through the lens of, oh, it's a, it's a school child. Okay. But then afterwards, when I knew she wasn't. <laughs> well, okay then. Uh, <laughs> I said, I said the matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean that's all I have to say. Yeah, me too. What's up with the white face? You know the black kid in the band. Oh, he does. He's in white face. Oh, does he? Yeah. And he's not only he's in white face, but he's like in the background, and they never address it. <laughs> he's in white face. Like his face is painted completely white. Okay. What's up with that? I I can't say I noticed. Okay. Because I can't no, remember. I, yeah, what I don't see. I don't see colour. Really. <laughs> no, but I, that's the thing. I I don't remember exactly what the other band members are dressed like during that music video. Okay. Because obviously they all look a- absurd during the rhythm right. model video. Okay. Kind of deliberately because she's in like Japanese garb, isn't she? Yeah. Um, and she's got like lightning painted on her eyes and all that sort of stuff. It's because she's got dangerous eyes. Josh. She's got dangerous eyes. Yeah. With dangerous eyes. Or whatever they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the white face was like, oh, okay. What's going on there, then? Is that a music video? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah it's a music video. Okay. He'll, is be, it... he'll be dressed up for something, I think. Okay. You say one of the kids is racist. The ginger Are we kid. maybe meant, to, maybe meant to make the connection that he said, oh, for this, do whiteface? I don't know. 
just a blend in. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 sort of interesting that yeah they never address it mainly because I just the image alone I don't know what it's supposed to say. Okay, I don't know what it's supposed to do. Um, it might be nothing. It might just be like oh we had to make him look. It's, it's, pro- it's probably like Rafinha was really bad at doing their makeup, so she went to. Well, no, she's not. Yeah. She's good at doing them. Is, is it white face or is it you know? Well, his face is painted completely white. Completely white. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, very yeah. white paint, just that all I have over. No idea. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good film. It is very yeah. good film. Jordan. Okay. Audience, we have now reached the mysterious film that we alluded to <laughs> earlier with Parasite and whatnot. My second favorite film of the decade is Bad Genius. Now this is a Thai film from Thailand. Um, As opposed to... The film is about... <laughs> That's Lupanga! Yeah, I'm, no, I, I, I did that because I, I know I'm going to say Taiwanese at one point and that's completely okay. wrong. So a Thai I'm... film from Cornwall. <laughs> yeah, the film is a Thailand... Uh, Thai film from Thailand. Um, the film is a Thai... <laughs> it's a... T- <laughs> Two thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah, in the morning. Yeah, mate. By the time we're done, the whole season of twenty-four will have elapsed. <laughs> we have stopped nuclear meltdown in the time we came to t- talk about people. Yeah. Boop. Okay. Bad Genius is a uh, Thai film from Thailand, um, and it's in Thai. It's our final. <laughs> Why? What? Why? Is it it's just, just Thai, Thai film from Thailand. Okay. I, I get, get why you're doing it, but yeah, I just, just keep thinking "Stranger from a Strange Land" when you say it. That's why I keep thinking. Uh, yeah, it's the third and final foreign film on my list. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, quick caveat before you dive into uh, the film. Go on. I'm going to sit out on the critical evaluation of the film. Okay. Because my response to it was quite tepid. Now, I don't know whether that was because I was in the wrong frame of mind or whatever when I watched it. Because it's your number two of the decade, hmm. I will endeavour to watch it again. Okay. I give it the benefit of the doubt. But I think this should be a celebration of the films. And we've already had our, our Midnight in Paris. Yes. Fracas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know. As it will henceforth be known. As it will henceforth be known. Um, so I will just sit this one out and let you two gush over it. Okay. So, so the film yes. is... Uh, it's about... Uh, a girl who's a genius. She's a super genius. She's the superest genius that ever genius. A Thai super genius. A Thai super genius. And she uh, sort of is moved to a new school. Um, and she immediately makes a friend who's not very... She's a bit ditzy. She's not very good at, like, exams and whatnot. So she's sort of like this, like, super genius girl. Befriends her and is like, okay, I'm going to, like, tutor you and help you through your exams. They then end up an exam and it becomes very clear that the tutelage has not worked. And this girl just can't do it. So obviously feeling sorry for her, the super genius kind of like writes down the answers and sort of like basically allows her to cheat by giving her the answers during the exam. And then other people in the school find out about this and the film sort of basically becomes like a heist movie where the heist is not like, oh, we have to break into a place and steal a thing. The heist is we have to distribute the correct answers amongst the students without the teachers knowing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in that sense, it's kind of like a genre film applied to something that's not typically like it's applied to something very mundane mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the reasons that I love this film and I really love this film I love a lot of films that are on these lists uh, Parasite included mm-hmm. um, but Bad Genius it's just so up my alley the way okay. that, that are, it's just like 
we're going to do a heist movie, uh, but like it's going to be like people taking exams. Right. It's such like a cool concept, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things. To me, it's that's kind of one of those things of oh, why has no one thought of that? Right. You know, why has no one thought? Because yeah, like you know, filming exams are very like boring, sedentary activities to do and to watch. Mm-hmm. So to kind of bring the energy and sort of like the the suaveness and the coolness of like a heist film and to sort of like put that on top of mm-hmm. something that's so like despised and boring to so many people, I think it's like an ingenious combination. Okay. Especially since. For people who are kind of familiar with Asian cinema, um, their filmmaking tends to be quite bombastic and in your face, and the editing is not invisible in Asian films, and the cameras are very frenetic and they move about a lot. Mm. Okay. Um, I sense that Sam is not is has. You might qualify that a little bit. Okay. I don't think it's. I think it's a big generalization to say that Asian films very bombastic. I don't think. That's oh no! True. I think if you look at like. I don't Bolly- think that's true. No, I think if you look at like Bollywood films, they're absolutely okay. Bollywood films, yeah, yeah of course. But Asian, that's a big panoply that you're reducing to bombastic there. Oh, right, okay. No, I, I just, I don't think that's fair to okay. say. I know, I know where you're coming from. Okay. But I don't think that's well, a fair Well, also, I'm going, I'm going off, like, anime as well, which is yes, Japanese, and that go- is very... Yes, you know, but you're not going off the 70% of films that you don't watch, which are just character dramas. Okay. So carry on. Well, I don't feel like I can now. <laughs> I feel like you've... Uh... No, I, feel, I, I couldn't let that go unchallenged, I don't think. Okay. So, All right. Yes, carry on. Yeah, so, Eddie. Yeah. You quite liked this film, didn't you? I did, indeed. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, I am... Um, there was something about uh, Bad Genius. I mean, obviously, you know, she gets what she wants by getting into the, the, the school, mm. and then she gets it on a lower, lower cost than what they originally try and charge. Well, she gets him for free, right? Or she yeah, believes well, she gets him for she free. She believes she gets him for free yeah. and then finds out her dad's had to pay a certain fee, which is yes. quite astronomical. Well, the film kind of does this... It sort of mm, does this thing where it sort of makes the school out to be a prison, almost. Or it's sort of like... It's kind of like... Not necessarily a prison, but it's like... The reason I said prison is because all of the students have got, like, numbers or, like, writing on their, like, uniforms, which is... On their school uniforms, which is very reminiscent of, like, prison uniforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely an intentional comparison the film makes. But she also finds out that basically the dumber you are, the more money the school charges you for its memberships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So her friend um, is paying an astronomical amount of money because she's not doing well academically. So the school yeah. is kind of punishing her for it. And then, yeah, she finds out that the school are also kind of adding on additional charges that it probably shouldn't be charging mm-hmm. for. Yes. Um, again, I, I think when... After obviously trying to help tutor, and then you get the first cheating scene, as it were. Yeah. The way it's done, you know, it's written on an eraser. Yes. Passed between shoes. Yes. And very nearly foiled. And it, you know, it's it's got it's a sort of an intensity to the scene. Yeah. It's quite entertaining to watch. And mm. so you know, obviously they get the whole right. Here's there's obviously here's the group of people they want to learn. You know, you're talking about having a system, and she treats it like she's teaching them music lessons. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's all like a big cover up to kind of teach, keep the truth away from the parents and the teachers. Yeah, you know, and it? obviously because she's tutoring, then like she's got money she can give to her dad, and then she's like, you know, getting a dad like items would what essentially comes across, I think, to him in the end, like blood money. Like, oh yeah, 
you know yeah yeah oh yeah because she lives with her father and just her father i can't remember if the yes. mother's died or whether she's left them or i don't remember what that's she's, all about yeah she's not in the story but yeah her father of... is like really struggling financially and obviously when she finds out that the school is charging him all of this extra money that kind of galvanizes her to um go the route of like cheating on these exams because obviously yeah. the students are paying her money for it as well so she's gaining she's gaining something from it rather than just oh you know i'm helping people cheat you know yeah yeah, she, yeah, she's got she get she gains something from it, but in the end, kind of compromises a bit too much. Yeah, um, which and again, I, another the scene where obviously her and the other smartest sort of kids. Oh, called, is it Bank? I think he's called. Yeah, Bank, uh, yeah. after he's been event, eventually he gets roped into this yes. whole scheme. Yeah, because earlier on in the story, he's the t- tattletale, if you will. Yeah, he's sort um, of like the the one uncorruptible character it seems like he's going to be the person they have to like navigate around in terms of the cheating yes. he tries to like he gets the wrong impression he thinks his best friend is cheating on Lynn the main character's name is yeah. without her knowledge not realising that there's this massive like conspiracy going on everyone else in the example is using her to help yeah. cheat yes and then yeah they kind of rope him into things and I think he's some, sort of... someone pays some people to beat him up Yes, yeah. I think he's probably one of the, uh, the best character in the film because he gets completely corrupted by it. And that, yeah, he gets completely corrupted by it. He gets caught. Yeah. Completely loses his chance at this like dream that he's had. Yeah. And then when he sees Lin again, it's just like he's immediately like, "Oh, let's do it again." Right. Let's do it again. Yeah. Uh, th- this. We're not going to go to ben prison. Is... It's the perfect crime. Yeah. Like even ben if we get caught, we can't go to prison. Yeah. And she sort of sees the like the potential road ahead, and she's like, "Oh, I can't." You know. She's like, "Nah." Yeah. Yeah. Not having it. You know, but like the scene after after she leaves the exam hall, when she's you know got the phone, and then she's just walking through, and the the guy is following her. Yeah. You know, so she gets to the train station. It's like, how do you do things? Right, throw up on a train station. It's gross. It's disgusting. I can get out of this. <laughs> no, it's it's a really it's a really fun film. Definitely, I would say it's very entertaining. It's very fun. They manage to make people cheating on an exam feel really exciting, almost. Like, the big action sequence... Hey, I put a lot of effort into cheating on my GCSEs, <laughs> thank you very much. No, but, like, yeah, the big action scenes of the film are um, people trying to cheat. And mm. it's genuine. Like, the characters, like, during the second cheating sequence, when they're in that big hall and, like, the yeah. pen is failing and they find out there's, like, multiple exams, so they have to, like, swap exam sheets without the teacher noticing. Yeah. And the character's, like, sweating. There's, like, a moment where her pen breaks and, like, a character behind her is just, like, grabbing his hair. And it's genuinely, like, really intense. Mm. I think the way... They manage to make something very uninteresting feel very interesting through the way that they like present it, and obviously through the genre they've chosen to. Yeah, yeah, you know. I have a, a critique, and that is, um, even though this film is from Thailand and it's in Thai, not all of the film is in Thai. There are some portions of the film that are in English because the climax of the film takes place in Australia, yeah. and all of the English-speaking actors are terrible. Okay. I think they're really not good. Yeah. The villain, the one that you just kind of alluded to that follows her to the train station after the exam, he's like the least Australian man ever. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's like, he is. Yeah, and he's, his performance is so... He's, there's a great line delivery. Well, it's a terrible line delivery, but I love it. He catches up to, to her in the train station, and obviously she, the cover story is that she's sick, so she sort of like forces herself to be sick in front of him. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm sick. And he goes, this doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a really weird delivery, but it's it's always kind of stuck with me. I wonder if like the director wasn't English speaking, 
Yeah. Or whether they just kind of had someone to confirm, yes, these are the correct lines. Yeah. Yeah, the, the delivery is, is off very mm-hmm. clearly. Um, I don't like most of the characters. Okay. But I don't. I feel like you're not supposed to like most of the characters. Okay. I feel like other than Lin and Bank, which are the two smartest kids in the school, yeah. and the father as well, I suppose, because he's sort of like the moral... As soon as he figures out, he's like, right, you've got to cut that shit out. I'm yeah, not having yeah. that. And all this stuff that you've bought me with the money you've earned, I don't want it. Okay. I don't care that I'm struggling. I don't want that. Yeah. But yeah, like her best friend and her boyfriend, who's like, they're the other two main characters in the film, and they kind of like... He kind of funds their schemes, the boyfriend. And as you find... Because you mentioned that someone paid uh, these thugs to beat up Bank. You yeah. find out that was the boyfriend who did that to kind of like... He knew it was the only way... No, he does it to get him to miss an exam, right? He knew... Yes, because he knew... But he knew that if he missed that exam, it was the only way he would end up probably... On the team, to... yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, the boyfriend is just a bastard. I don't think he's supposed... To... I hate him. Just the way he is. <laughs> okay. His attitude. He's so, like, cocky and unlikable and... Ugh. And the girl just kind of, like... it. Be- I think it becomes clear after a while that she doesn't have Lynn's best intentions... At heart. Yeah. So you kind of dislike her for that. And I, I enjoy watching the way Lynn figures that out. Yes. Because, obviously, it's it's like the person that's next to her in class, so obviously, like, you just end up meeting them, so you get, end up, like, kind of becoming friends. Yeah. But they are complete polar opposites. Yeah. But it's very quick as well. You get the first scene. You get the first scene where it's like, oh, Lin being accepted into the school. Yeah. Then you get they kind of frame the introduction of all of the characters around them getting like their school photos taken. Yeah. I think they're, they're being, for their IDs. Yeah. Bank being the only exception. Weirdly, I don't know what that was about. But um, yeah. So they kind of have their photo taken mm. together. Then they're like in the library studying for the exam, and then it's the first exam. It's very quick at like starting itself up. Yeah. And the film as well kind of goes on at like a feral pace, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I it's I think it's a very entertaining film. It's a very fun film. Mm-hmm. It's a great concept, I think. Um, and I think the execution does it justice. So, okay. Yeah. Bad genius. Go yeah. watch it if you can, because as you mentioned, Eddie, say, it's yeah. not available in many territories. It's not, and I for me that is <laughs> one of the big bigger injustices for us. I think the fact that it. Hasn't yeah, had it a is, more worldwide release. I consider it. I mean, it it tra- it proper transcends language barrier. Oh yeah, I, it's amazing to me that it hasn't been. Picked oh yeah, up by it's just it's a heist literature. film. It's yeah. not a foreign no, film. In that you know, it's a heist film before it's a foreign film. I would say. And yes. also, I think I'm, I I I should probably fa- have fact checked this before, but I'm pretty sure it had like the biggest opening weekend in Thailand ever, right. and so like one of the more successful releases of the year. It came out certainly, yeah. but maybe like. For quite a while, it's one of the more successful films they've had. So it's kind of a real surprise that it hasn't penetrated into the West at well, all. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be on until, American say, Netflix. Until and that's you, it. until you brought it up to me, I had never heard of it. No, yeah, I mean, it's a surprise I, okay, for me. I only stumbled upon, yeah. it, upon it by chance, really. I mean, I would say, given given my film palette in general, yeah, that's probably not surprising that I hadn't come across it. Yeah, but then. Like was it up? Uh, was it up for any of the awards? Award season or no? No, no exactly. I would say like because yeah. obviously like with Parasite, I, I would, would have found Parasite yes, because yes, it's up as, as we now know it's up for an Oscar. Yes, yes. Yeah. so I would have eventually found yes, that. Yeah. I would have probably gone. Oh, okay, what's this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, bad bad genius is like it completely under the radar. Yeah, and it is. It, you know, I think it's, it is a very good film. It's quite an interesting film. Say, I say it does remind me of 
quite shamefully <laughs> cheating on the exams at school. Okay, right. um, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm not going to confirm exactly how I did that. Um, did you devise a system involving a piano in which you have to? Uh, no, it was nothing that nothing that's smart. I just no. There's something I been I'd been able to do for a while, and it came in handy in a particular okay. exam. Right. Because that's nice um, as well. It's like, a, a you know, the piano codes, because it comes back later in the film, and it's sort of like a proper, like, oh, cool, they reintroduced it that time. They reintroduced that idea. But I don't know. If, like, you're not doing well on a multiple-choice exam, are you really going to be able to learn, like, these the Morse code representing these, like, piano riffs? Yeah. That feels a bit like... It's a great idea, because um, you're just essentially, like, tapping a table. But, yeah, that feels a bit like... Oh, I don't know if, like you know, lesser students would be able to keep up with that. Yeah. Yeah, so that they're... Okay. They're, they're, yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about, like, the, the the scene I have in my, like, head when I'm, like, just thinking about that is obviously the scene where it's like, oh, no, no, put your pens down, stop, and she's obviously doing two exams. Yeah, and she keeps, she's, like, rushing, and the teacher's, like, walking up to her in slow motion, and then he, like, slams his hand on the table, and you're like, oh, God, has she been caught? Yeah, in moments like that where like re- it does a really good job of like raising, ratcheting up the intensity throughout the scene. Please go watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know how much we've sold it on this one because it's it's getting late. We're getting tired. Uh, yeah, obviously you wanted to sit out most of the discussion. Yeah, um, I, I, I do I do second it that I go and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. This is def- This is another like perfect gateway into foreign cinema because this it's is, not too big a leap. This is the, the the one film you will see on nobody's best of the Absolutely, decade. Yeah. I'd be surprised if yeah. it, I'd be surprised if it even showed up on people's like best of the year when it came out. Yeah, yeah. Most people won't probably won't have heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and I did bring it up like during Parasite and say I think if I hadn't if it hadn't had Parasite to watch, I think Bad Genius probably would have still brought me on to looking into yeah. more yes. foreign cinema. Yeah. So I do highly recommend it purely for that reason. Yeah. Yes. Go see it, demand it. Hopefully we'll get it in the West at some point. You don't have to. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> All right. You'll be uh, eating your words when you rewatch it. Will I? Okay. Well, we'll hopefully. Okay. Are we done with Bad Genius? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mine the Meta de yeah. is the master. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> okay so the master what's the master about it's about a drifter uh who's in the navy in world war Two, who falls into the orbit of a man named lancaster dodd who is essentially a cult leader mm-hmm. it's heavily inspired by scientology yeah. it's scientology with a different name yeah and it's about their relationship really and again, it's a film not best served by describing its plot. Mm. So I shan't say any more about the plot. Okay. Uh, that's what the film is about. Well, that's already mysterious. Well, this is the... Okay, so my big... Uh, one of the big reasons I love this film is I love films that are enigmas okay. without being deliberately obtuse. Yes. Which The Master is an exercise in. It's a film that's, you know, J.J. Abrams' mystery box. You know, it's... Yeah. What is this thing? Yeah. Where do, how do I open it? Where do I? Mm. Where are the cracks to look in? But it's not. Um, it's not smart ass. It's not up itself. No. It's not too ponderous, and it's not impenetrable. It's just weird. Okay. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not impenetrable. It's like yeah, I can, get, I can sort of get in there. Yeah. But it's it's a weird little film. It's kind of what is it? It's a kooky curio, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, lo- I love films like that. Yeah, the whole thing has an off-kilter 
sensibility. It just feels a bit off. In a, in a good way? In a good probably way. Clarify. Yeah, yeah, it's so a good in way, a totally yeah. good way. And that yeah. is kind of augmented by Johnny Greenwood's score, mm. which is these like clacking coconut songs. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of that. Very strange. Um, the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. It's one of the best looking films of the decade. Yes. I would say. Mm. Um, I can't pronounce the DP's name. Okay. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays the central role mm-hmm. in the film. It's his best performance. Hands down. Hands down, his best performance. Would okay. you concur? Yeah. Would you concur? Yeah, I mean, I quite like him in her. Yes. But... Yeah, but there's, him, yeah, there's something about him in The Master. Like, obviously, people are talking a lot about the Joker's physicality. Yes. But as you brought Fuck up, off. He, he already did that in The Master. Yeah, yeah. Down that... to the hunching over kind oh, of yeah, during the first skeletal scene frame. Where yeah. he's, like, on the beach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of... Um, his physicality reminds me a lot of what he's kind of doing in Joker. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's my favourite performance of the decade. Oh, wow, okay. Two of my favourite performances of the decade, but him particularly. Yes. It's an amazing performance. Yeah. It's like he's an alien, almost. Mm. Um, he has an alien quality to him. He has this dark, surreal anger. He's an animal, basically. Yeah. He's a beast. Mm. And uh, one of the things that the film plays up a lot is that Lancaster is order, and he is man, and Freddy is beast and wild and yes. kind of un, you know, unrestrained. Yeah. Um, it takes place in, in the 50s, in post-war Americana, and that just kind of ticks a box for me because I love that aesthetic. I love yeah. the white picket fence thing. It doesn't, it doesn't do a David Lynch where it kind of um, exposes the seedy underbelly of what was going on in those homes. But it has that aesthetic to it. Mm. Yes. And I love things like that. Because it, those things are always, always, always about fractured society. About yeah. how it's never as good as it looks on the, on the table. Yes, exactly. Um, on the rewatch, the narrative makes a lot more sense to me. Okay. Uh, it's actually quite a lot more bum 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 than, than I remember it being. Okay. Because it is a very moody film in yes. the sense of it, it, it kind of basks in its mood. Yeah. Um... There's a weird kind of contradiction that um, Joaquin Phoenix embodies, which reminds me that, that, that those kinds of characters, your Lou Blooms from Nightcrawler, uh, your Freddy Quals from The Master, they are kind of they are reminiscent of Travis Bickle in different ways. Yeah. yeah. And one of the fundamental lines in Taxi Driver is his date says to him, "You remind me of that um, that song. You're a walking contradiction." And Joaquin Phoenix is a walking contradiction in the sense that he's this sex-obsessed maniac. Like, that's his thing. He's utterly yeah. obsessed with sex. But he's a child. Yes. It's yeah. a weird kind of contradiction mm. that I love and best exemplified in, you know, the shot I'm talking about where they're both in prison in separate cells and then you just got um, Philip Seymour Hoffman just leaning on the bunk. Yeah. And then Phoenix is going mad, thrashing in the cell next to him. It's like, yeah, that is the film in yeah. a nutshell. Yeah. I really like that. Sh- the The image you get from that. Yes, exactly. And, you know, going back to this idea of uh, kind of fractured ideals in post-war America, that's sort of what the film is about, how kind of after World War II, all these cults started emerging. Yeah. The film doesn't explore that necessarily. It does it through the prism of one. But yeah, when men had seen the horrors of World War II and they returned to America, it's like, right, well, Christianity isn't working. God isn't working for me. Where can I find answers? Yeah. And that cults, you know, so many American cults formed in, um, you know, the aftermath of World War Two. Yes. And I think the very first shot of the film is Phoenix on a boat 
with uh, his kind of helmet on, and he kind of looks over. You never see what he sees, and it's sort of like, what what is he seeing? Yeah. What did he see that has turned him into this? Yes. Monster, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a love story between two men. Okay. It's a platonic love story between two men. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, there is a weird contradiction in Hoffman treats him like he's his child a lot of the time. He's like, you naughty boy. You shouldn't be doing that. You naughty, naughty boy. Mm. But he serenades him at the end with a love song. Yes. I want to get you on a yeah. slow boat to China. It's weird. It's a weird, weird, mercurial, bizarre relationship. Yeah. And that is the centre of the film, and I love it. Okay. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the cult leader is... It's an astounding performance, and it is a performance within the performance. That guy is putting on a show. Mm. He's he's making, as his son says, played by Jesse Plemons, he's making it up as he goes along. Um, and there are moments where that kind of, that veneer, that facade is cracked. Mm. And he kind of, you know, pick fuck, and he just like lashes yeah. out. Yeah. Those scenes are amazing. But he's actually annoying. And that's one of the things that occurred to me a lot okay. on the rewatch is, oh, he's actually irritating. Okay. But in a good way, like in a way that that blustering bravado would be irritating. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, like there's the scene where he's singing. Yeah, a roving, a roving. And it's just, oh, you are fucking annoying me. <laughs> and that's sort of my one micro critique in a way is like him being annoying. Okay. If you weren't into the film, I think it might be repellent. I you see, know? okay. Um, but I'm into it, so it's not. Naturally, yes. But yeah, they've got this f- weird father-son relationship, but it's also kind of naughty and sexual. Yeah. Um, Should we talk about the scene? We'll, we'll get to the scene. Okay. We'll get to the scene. Because... Unfortunately, I'd get, I didn't get around to it on on the rewatch, but I remember that scene. That scene, yeah, yeah. We'll, we will definitely get to that scene. Yeah, there's a moment, there's a recurring idea in the film because Lancaster purportedly believes in that we are just vessels and our souls are eternal, and we we just move from vessel yes. to vessel, yeah. like we are billions of years old. Mm. And he keeps saying to Joaquin Phoenix, "Where do I know you from? I I must work it out." Like through the whole film, yeah. And I just relate to that idea because I have we have a friend mm. uh, that when I met him I felt like I had met him before. Yes. And then he asked me about like three weeks into our friendship, have we met? I was like, I've been thinking exactly the same thing, and we've never resolved that. Okay. It's just a weird eternal mystery. Yeah. Um, people in the film actually look like they're from the forties and fifties, mm. similar to the cops in Nightcrawler. They actually seem like people from yeah. that time. Uh, I completely agree. Uh, in that little sequence where he's a photographer in a mall and he's taking photographs. Oh of the yeah. Family. There's that woman going around kind of like trying to sell the coat. Yeah. That's the same sequence. Isn't it's it? the same sequence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they look like people. Yes. You know, they actually look like people. Yeah. There's kind of little, little hints as to Quell's background and we will get to that scene. Mm. But so before he ends up with this cult, he's sort of like Lublin, a bit of a chance. He's doing odd jobs, but he can't commit to anything because he's so mad. Yeah. And um, he is working at a uh, on an orchard, not an orchard, uh, a vineyard. I think it's a vineyard. Mm. And he's making. He, so a recurring idea is that that character makes um, his own booze. Okay. But he, he uses like jet fuel to do it, and you know, oh, right. he concocts his own brews. And he makes um, he makes something for all the employees where he's working at this place. And he looks at one of the farmers and he says, "You look like my father. You remind me of my father." And it's a dismissive line. Mm. And then that guy ends up 
gang po- poisoned or like alcohol poisoned. Oh, right. Okay. And he's like, no, he just drank too much. He just drank too much. Like, you poisoned him. You poisoned him. Yeah. And they chase him out and that's where he ends up on the boat. Hmm. But it's this little thing of like, did he poison him because he reminds him of his dad? Yeah. What's that about? There's yeah. this whole, you know. Well, of course, my natural inclination was to think, you remind me of my father. Exactly. I hated my father. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I went to see this in the cinema with... <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring up yeah, this yeah, anecdotal yeah. I forgot to bring... I, I still have my uh, ticket stub from seeing The Master. Oh. I was going to bring it, but... Uh, yeah, so it came out in 2012. I went. To, I was in sixth form. I went to see it with four other people, uh, friends of mine. Neither of which so, were us. Yeah, neither of which yeah, were you. Yeah. Um, I went to see it with one person... We were both Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson fans, and we were like, "Right, this we have to go see this film." Yeah, and then everybody else sort of tagged along, really. Yeah, and the power of the film is sort of manifest in our the variance of our responses. Yes. we were leaving the cinema. I think The Master is a film that you could fucking hate. You could hate that film. Yeah, mm. we were leaving the cinema. I'm there processing. Right, I think that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Uh, but I got to sit on it. So I asked. I got feedback. One friend said, it was all right. Another friend said, oh, I, I understand it's good, but I didn't, I wasn't fussed on it. Hmm. Uh, one friend said, I, I'll get back to you. I have no idea. Okay. Another friend said, that's the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking, it might be the best film I've ever seen in the cinema. And the fact it could provoke such a range of response. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a film. A film oh, that yeah. can provoke those sort, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So... There's a scene in the film uh, called the processing scene. Yes. Uh, in which they've recently met and Lancaster Dodd does this thing where he subjects his followers to processing, which is he sits them down in a chair, mm. he asks them questions, and he kind of imposes arbitrary rules on what behavior is permitted and yes. all that sort of thing yeah. dur- during the questioning. And it's essentially a trust-building exercise or a, a kind of... Um, an ego-shattering exercise for him to kind of look like he's in... Look, look like so, like like someone who's in the know, basically. Yeah. And yeah, so the scene just plays out. They're sat, he gets Freddy, they sit down, they do the processing, and the scene is just cutting between the two of them. It's the greatest scene of the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the greatest scenes, period. Yes. How would you describe it, George? That scene. Well, it's a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It's a mini masterpiece. Well, yeah, pun intended, I suppose. Within a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, how would you. I don't know. I don't know what I could say to do with justice, if I'm honest. I would say YouTube the scene, but no, go watch the film. Yeah. Um, But that scene, in and of itself, is a mini masterpiece. Basically, he just starts saying, right, you can't blink. Yeah. You can't blink. And if you um, kind of slip up, we have to go back to the beginning. Yes. And he starts asking him quite mundane questions at first. Mm. And then he says, like, have you ever had sexual intercourse with a member of your family? And he's like, no. Yeah. Responding like you would. No. And then on, like, the third round, because he blinks, and he's like, you can't blink. We have to start again. We have to start again. And because Freddy Quell is so manic, he starts, like, hitting himself. Like, come on, get together. And then he asks him again, have you had sexual relations with a member of your family? He says, yes. And it's just, like, robotic, like, yes. It's like he's breaking him down, you know. And, yeah, he's chosen a person for whom it probably wouldn't be too difficult to bring them down a level. Yes. And you think, oh, that's what cults are. They're weak-willed, weak-minded people that yeah. have fallen under the, you know, uh, the rubric of this kind of egomaniac. And, yeah, he just starts giving him, telling him all this really personal information. Um, and the acting is just 
phenomenal. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And there's a nice little detail that I picked up on the rewatch is he says to him, you know, you can't blink. Every time you blink, we start again. Mm. But after he starts divulging secrets, yeah. he blinks a lot and he never calls them out on it. It's like, oh, clearly, yeah. it's just your way of getting them to kind of open up. Yes. Yeah, and that basically, like I said, I've already said, it's kind of a love story. That scene is a sex scene. Yes. Is this your observation or is this an observation you've heard elsewhere? I mean, it is mine. You okay. choose to believe that or not. This is definitely... I remember seeing... Cause no, because pick- you, this is the thing. You told me... I heard this from you first, but I don't know if it's... I, I've i never really asked whether it was oh, okay. your observation or not. It was, it was 2012, so, you know, when my film taste was kind of burge- blossoming even further. Yeah. And I just remember that because I was watching it in the cinema, had that thought and gone, oh, maybe I'm into film. Do you okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so after that scene, they kind of relaxed like, oh, man, that was... That was that was a good processing session, and then they smoke. Yes. So, oh, there's the post-coital cigarette. Yes. You know? Yeah. Anything you guys want to say about the master? Um. <laughs> the master is uh, for me. It's a difficult one because I don't. I really, really l- like the film. Mm-hmm. But it, it of the films for today, like it's not in like the the plot is not in my head at all. Right. It's like, it's like it's not like that, you know. Uh-huh. And I remember the motorbike scene. Sure. Oh yeah, I like the motorbike. Yeah, scene. I remember the motorbike scene. You know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And the the thing is, like with the with that like motorbike scene, it's a great scene. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure or I'm sure it was in the trailer. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that I had obviously seen the trailer before, the, and I do remember going, ah, oh, there's a scene with the motorbike, and then as we're getting through, I'm going, the f-? like I do remember it. <laughs> The fuck's this gonna happen? Like, right? Because okay. it just didn't seem like I was gonna, you were gonna have a scene. That, whether that means in my head it feels a little out of place, I don't know. Right. Well, they shouldn't. Uh, you know, trailers are terrible. <laughs> they, they just fall. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I sort of know what you mean. If you, if you're going and expecting it, and then it's like two hours and like still hasn't happened. Yeah. Because it's a it's quite well it's quite a long film. I will yeah. say it, it it probably feels longer than it is, but not in a bad way. Okay. No. I yeah. I can I, I can agree yeah. with that. Yeah, because I think it's just over two hours, but it feels yeah. like it could well be like a three-hour movie. Um, yeah, I do agree with like performance. It takes Ph- its time. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Phoenix, mm-hmm. very very strong performances. Yeah. I, I, honestly, the because was he actually nominated for it? Or yeah, they were both nominated. I would say because for me, obviously that's a hell of a lot better. Hell than... of a lot better. Uh, yeah, if you if you're into Joker, watch The Master. Yeah. If anything, like if that's opened you to like a Joaquin Phoenix being a great actor, mm. watch the master. He did it yes. better. Yeah, you know? yeah. But other than that, as I say, like a lot of it's just not really in my head. It as it, it, you know, we've said it a few times that it is quite late. So yes, it, <laughs> brain cells are slowly dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do apo- I do apologize for having not as much to, that's all right. to say on it. But it, I do remember, you know, it is a film that you know again would have been high up on possibilities yeah but just i don't know I, I, it just didn't quite make the cut i suppose fair i mean it, i for me it, it's it's a consciousness raising film in in as much as i feel like I, I i couldn't um kind of articulate precisely how or why it would but i feel like my life would be poorer without having seen the master okay i don't know how i can express that actually but you know what I mean? Like mm. I, my life is in was enriched had, by having yeah. seen that film, mm. and the world is better for having it. Mm. And thank God that 
Philip Seymour Hoffman was able to give that kind of performance in the limited time he ended up having. Yes. yes and I think I do agree with that. Yeah, you know, it's almost like well we got that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like better than most people have in their whole careers. So yes. Mm. Yeah. RIP. Okay. Anything else you want to say about the master? No, I'm sorry about that. It's all right. Um, I, th- I feel like I, I was an ambassador for it quite, you know, yes. profusely. Yeah. I I do like it. Yes. Um, It's a Sam film. Yes, yeah, a Sam <laughs> film, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Well, I do like it, but also I don't know... Um, it's, very inter- very, it's very interesting how our number twos have exemplified the big difference between you and I cinematically. Oh, yes, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? How, mm. not number one... No. Because we're kind of in, in agreement in a way on yeah, yeah. our number ones. Yeah. But number two, it's like highlights the difference. Yeah. Well. Definitely. Yeah. I sort of, again, kind of with Daddy, I don't really have anything to say. Yes. But that shouldn't be seen as a negative of the film. No. And I think the film. D- did you rewatch it for this? I saw some of it. I didn't get around to all of it. It's a film you definitely have to have fresh in your mind, relatively, if you're going to talk about it, because yeah. Yeah. it is an odd film. And it is difficult to talk about because it is a kind of. Puzzle. Yes. Um, so other than saying the obvious, which is, oh, the actors are good and it looks nice and everything. Yeah. It is quite difficult to talk about. But it's a good film to talk about if you've watched it together. It's yes. a good film to try and unpack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry that we didn't it. do that. No, no, I'm it's sorry fine. we no, weren't no, no, able to I, have I, that, that wasn't, that wasn't yeah. me having a go. I'm saying if you're going to watch it, watch, watch it, it with watch someone. you could discuss it. And, and have a conversation yeah. about it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Boilets, number one mo- motion film picture <laughs> of the 2010s is Whiplash. Hey. We did it. Woo! We, we got, got a whiplash. whiplash. We got to Whiplash. We got to the first of our number, like number one film of the decade. How appropriate as well that you did a you did a little drum roll there to go into Whiplash. <laughs> that wasn't intentional. <laughs> I mean, it works though. It works. It works. Yeah. Um. Yes. Whiplash. What's that about? What's it about? I can't even do that. No, what's it about? <laughs> what's it about? Yeah. A bet. What is a bet? What are you doing? What accent is um, that? Sort of exaggerated Cockney. What's it about? I see. Go on, okay. blimey, darling. Um, whip- <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <up. laughs> uh, Whiplash uh, is a film yes. uh, about a sort of ambitious jazz drumming student played by Miles Teller mm-hmm. um, and sort of follows his journey as he sort of tries to make it um, at this sort of fictitious Schaefer Conservatory where he joins a group which is run by an abusive instructor played by J.K. Simmons. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of get the story of their relationship and watching someone as they sort of go above and beyond trying to get their goal and sort of follows that. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than that, I don't really know what you need to know about the plot. Why is it the cinematic peak of the Why, 2010s? The, pin- the pinnacle of the... Uh... Well, I said peak, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> the pinnacle of the 2010s. The, the zenith. <laughs> me as much as you want. Um, Why is it not the nadir of the 2010s? <laughs> um, well, it's not the valley because uh, no, it's <laughs> it's not the trough. No. It's the peak. Yeah. Bring it full circle. Yeah. Why is why is it good? Uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, very, it was my number seven, and it was my number three. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think for no, me, it was your number six. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. You should, you should <laughs> we've, been, we've been at this a long time, guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for me, I think 
like just performances to start with. Mm-hmm. Both Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. Miles Teller in particular, I think it's the best thing he's ever done. Is it the only good thing he's ever done? I, I haven't seen everything mm-hmm. that he's done. Um, when I have got through that back catalogue, I would like to discuss him in more sort of mm-hmm. in depth because from what I can see, he has, he, you know, for the quality that comes with this film mm. and the performance that he gives, the fact that there isn't really anything else I would compare it to of what I have seen. Um, Do you think it's a disproportionately good performance or a disproportionately good film? I mean, I think it, I think it's a very, very good film. Okay. And I think, I think because of the part he plays, it may well elevate him, I think. Okay. Because I would very quickly, I would compare it to, well, we'll talk about this film on a later podcast, but Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. everyone hailing it as, you know, his greatest achievement. Mm. It's... Yeah, but it's a good part, not necessarily a good... Yeah, it's it's a, a good script, and it's well-directed. Yes, it's the same yeah. with Paul. When he's in a good director's film, he is good. Yes. It's not like, oh, why hasn't he been doing, you know, why hasn't he been this good in everything? It's because the material's never been there. Yeah. yeah. So is that is that the case with Whiplash, do you think? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was really loud. Mm. <laughs> I was very aware that that... that sorry, well, no, no, you were certain. It's yeah, like, yeah. yes, it's possibly this. It's ready yeah. to assert... A hedge. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe this was the best thing he's Definitely ever done. Maybe because of the script and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but genuinely, quite, quite possibly because, like, he's all right in War Dogs, but it's not a great film, right? Um, I'm not going to go into Fantastic Four because no, Fanforce, mm. <laughs> um, Fanforce, Fan you know, yes, that that film, no, it's just horrific. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen him in the modern remake of Footloose. Like, that's fine. Oh, right, okay. But, you know, I think just because of the commitment he probably had to have, like, mm. you know, he legitimately drums, whether he actually bleeds or not for the part, you know, obviously his hands are bleeding in the film a lot. Mm, and, yeah. there, you know, it just, it looks like the commitment he had to put in for this part. I think an alternate, I think a better title for the film would have been Blister. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I like that. Yeah. I'm going to listen to you. What was the other one? There was Blister, there was The Last Frontier, and there was another one. Um, yeah, I know there was another one, but yeah. I can't remember what that is. Okay. I mean, this would have been a hell of a different film if it was called Caravan. That's not... Caravan. That's not <laughs> that's actually, No, but that's the thing. That's actually one of my... Uh, I was going to say major grievances. It's not a major grievance at all, but it's one of the few negative things I have to say about the film. It does slightly bother me that the film is called Whiplash, and yet the pivotal piece of music is Caravan. And, I, and Whiplash, Whiplash is in the film. It's like the first piece he plays with that like yeah, jazz yeah. orchestra. Yeah, I think yes, it's that. But also, obviously, you can kind of derive a drumming so hard you get Whiplash. No, no, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. It's a, it's a brilliant. It's another one of those brilliant titles where mm. it sort of has a place in the film, but it also has implications yeah. on yeah. the. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a multi-meaning title. Yeah, but I yeah, think the thing that would have really like nailed it is like if Whiplash was that pivotal piece, like the one he plays at the very end, and the one that he like. Falls out of favour with the band and stuff. Yes, but although I suppose the the problem is, I don't as good as because I yeah. I get I have the impression weird... Caravan is more intense. Caravan's so more it's intense, like, it's and a, it leads to that drum. Very yes, good. it's like it, it's up the scale in terms of difficulty from Whiplash. I completely yeah. understand that scale, scales, drumming scales. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's what you want to do to me. I'm doing it to you. Now. I don't think I don't think you do scales in drumming. You do? I, no, no, yeah. I think that's a that's a. I'm like pretty a, sure the word scales is used in the film, right? In re- reference to drumming. Yeah, but I, I would have thought that was like an instrument that has more than one note. What drums? Yeah, yeah. Well, you have multiple drums, don't you? 
Yes. I mean, we know a drummer. We should probably have checked with him, <laughs> shouldn't we? Okay. I, th- um, I think drum scales is a thing. Oh, okay. All right. Because obviously piano, I play piano. I know that yeah. scales is part of like piano yes, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. melodic instruments like that. Well, look, if but there's no such thing as drum scales, it, there's a tenuous musical connection. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll defend um, that terrible joke. Okay. But also very quick insert. I think um, you are behooven, behooved, behoved to... Um, for your, the title of your film to have multiple meanings. Yes. I, you know, the, the least you can offer is two meanings for your title. Yes, yes. Yeah. You can, I mean, there are the odd except. There's the odd except. Yeah, of course, the rule, of course, there? yeah. E- either something like we talked about before, like train spotting, where it's like an invitation, like, what does that mean? Yes. Um, or something with multiple yeah. meanings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, I mean, I've got a slight love with jazz music, a kind of back and forth. Right, love, hate. Um, yeah, like, so obviously jazz is prominent in films like um, La La Land. Mm. Um, and then, Most things he's done, I think, other than First Man. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Damien Chazelle. Yes. I mean, that's it, to be fair. Well, there's, what's, is it the piano player or the pianist or something? It's not, it's not the pianist. <laughs> um, the, con, the concert, the con, concert, I don't know. Grand Piano? Grand Piano. Yeah. That's it. Okay. With Elijah Wood. I don't know if that's jazz or whether that's classical. I don't know, to um, be fair. I, I he, does classical. Ha- he does have a thing to do with like jazz, though. Oh, oh he's he, mad, yeah, he clearly loves it. He is a, or was a um, jazz musician, I think. That, yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. And he's clearly a music snob as uh, well. Yeah, he, well, wrote, I mean, he, he wrote Grand Piano. Okay. Yeah, he wrote it, yeah. Yeah, he didn't direct it. No. Whiplash was his like first major... Like, Grand yeah, Piano was a smaller... Yeah, there was a short film of Whiplash, yeah. and then that became the feature, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, Ryan, we're going on to... La La Land slightly, but Ryan Gosling's character in that, he's a jazz purist, isn't he? He gets really, like, yeah, arsy yeah. when he ends up in, like, a fusion jazz band. And in Whiplash, he's got that poster in his bedroom that's, um, some, it, it, it derides uh, rock drummers. I can't remember the exact phrase. Yeah, like, you're not a proper drummer if you're a rock drummer. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't want to be a proper drummer, join a rock band or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, shit, yeah, just uh, just shitting on that Led Zeppelin dude. John Bonham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say I was just going to say those two words and just leave it. Yeah. Words <laughs> John Bonham. Um, but yeah, like I've got this, it. Kind of started with the there was a short BBC series called Dancing on the Edge. Yeah, with um, your man Chewy. Chewy Talad Jafar. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that really threw me then. Yeah. Um, Starring Chewbacca. <laughs> this, uh, weird jazz so show. We're veering slightly towards the racialist. <laughs> oh, it's not the first time that's happened. No. Um, yeah, <laughs> crashed through it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we kind of started with that. So I, I listened to like little bits of jazz music here and there. Mm. So I, I was kind of familiar with like things like Caravan anyway. Right. Um, so mm. from that sort of aspect, you know, I was always going to like it, I think, probably from the point of view of the music anyway. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, as I say, the performances from Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, obviously, he got a lot of plaudits anyway. Yeah. Um, mm. And having seen the short film that they sort of did first mm-hmm. um, I was glad that they obviously made this like a sort of feature length yeah. because I wanted more from the short when I watched it yeah mm-hmm. am I right in saying that like prior to this I mean he still kind of is but J.K. Simmons was more of a bit part guy than like a major actor yeah he, he's guy. sort of uh, that guy in films one yeah. of that guy yeah guys. he'll show up for like bits and pieces yeah, well, yeah. obviously I mean, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably his highest profile role pre um, yeah. Whiplash mm. I would have said so yeah, but I mean, he's always been good. It's just one of those. It happened to find a role that perfectly suited yes. what he brings. Yeah, yeah. and I think him, he's got a friendship with Chazelle. Obviously, he's in La La Land. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think they've got a friendship and yeah. stuff like that. But it it worked. That you know the combination sort of I think worked very well. Mm-hmm. I think 
there was good ke- like chemistry between Teller and J.K. Simmons, mm-hmm. and I think without without going too much into the plot because I kind of do want people to go and watch this. Right. I think the, the final scene alone, because throughout the entire film we've had not my tempo sort of thrown at le- legitimately through the force of like chairs thrown at you. Yes. Um, there's that, um, I don't know how famous it is, but there's that Weird Al Yankovic parody, isn't there? Mm. Where he's like, uh, edited himself into the scene. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Very, I think, you know, him, those explosive moments where he throws, obviously you kind of need those, but for me, it's most effective when he just kind of does the subtle little, that little hand yeah, gesture. Yeah. He does. Like not, not, not quite my not, tempo. Yeah. yeah. It's better when he's simmering. He just simmering. seems to lose his rag yeah, a yeah, bit. Yeah. 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 You know, because uh, obviously... Rag? Because rag time? I don't know if that's jazz. That's... It, it is. Well, oh, it was a precursor <laughs> to jazz. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, we're getting all the... See, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Because drummers have rags sometimes <laughs> on, their, on their drums um, to cushion the sound. <laughs> oh, dear, no. Also, it's like, you could view it as a rags to riches story. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, we've really... Rags to buddy rich. Is that the drummer that he idolizes? <laughs> it might be. Oh, God. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Rags to Buddy Riches or whatever it is. Yeah. Screw I, Blister. This film should be called Rags. Rags. Or Rags. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a brilliant tangent. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to Rag, Eddie. Go on. Yeah. I can't remember what I was saying. <laughs> um, uh, we were just talking about how good the performances were. Yes, we? but... Uh, okay, so yeah, the, the like the ending. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Rag re- a Thriller, yeah. Yeah. Like, you've had that sort of thrown in your face. And then he gives him, you know, I really don't want to go in, but you kind of have to. Well, I think it's been around long enough that I mean, yeah, everyone who's dying to see it has seen yeah, it, you know? Yeah. It's been six, yeah. years, six years. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, he, it starts off with a song that he doesn't know, and, he, you know, he's being purposely given something mm. as, a, as a fuck you by J.K. Simmons. Yes. And he sort of, you know, walks away, things haven't gone well, and then he comes back out and he does Caravan. Yeah. And he, not only does he do Caravan, but he does his own... Yeah, solo, mm-hmm. which is just ridiculously good, mm-hmm. um, and you get the thing of it, you, it ends with a, those two so clearly on the same level, and it's quite a nice like little for the entire film. Things haven't been working on the same level. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, he's you know Jacob Simmons has pushed and pushed and pushed, and you find out he's pushed to the point where someone's literally died. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, we're literally like, oh, okay, and then this you know Miles Teller's fuck you ends up putting them on the right kind of track and I really like just what's your interpretation of that though the th- well this is the thing it, it shows you very clearly how far people are willing to go to get that yeah. thing okay I, I think it's a tragedy I think the film is a tragedy yeah cloaked in triumph okay I think it's um, obviously so the, the the basic structure of the film is, yeah, he has to prove himself to J.K. Simmons' character. Yeah. It builds to a point where he's been pushed so far that he physically can't play. Yeah. Um, and then he is convinced to kind of report J.K. Simmons and his method of teaching. Post-car crash. Post-car crash. And that, and then J.K. Simmons gets sacked. Yeah. And then he, he ends up roping him in for one big performance where he tries to humiliate him. And yeah, he kind of turns the tables on him. And they end up on the same wavelength. But that is the story of like a a character being completely browbeaten into forsaking everything else in the pursuit of this one monomaniacal thing. I think you could look at it look at it as a he you know this is a, he achieved what he wanted to achieve. This is a triumph. But I think it, it is secretly a tragedy mm. because 
just before he goes to that performance, he calls his ex now and uh, asks if she will come to the show. And she says no. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the final nail. Like, right, okay, all other roots to humanity have been cut off. I will now dedicate myself solely. Yeah. And at the end, it becomes a very physical choice between does he go with his father or does he go back onto the stage? And there's this like thread through the film of he clearly thinks his father is pathetic. Yes. And J.K. Simmons kind of augments that by saying it as well. Like your father's a failed writer who's just a teacher and he's a nobody and he's going to like fall under the radar. And then there's a scene right towards the beginning where they go see a, a film together and someone bumps into the father, like knees him in the back of the head mm. and the father apologizes. Like, after having been hit, he's, oh, yeah. sorry. In a nutshell, that's who that character is, you know. But it's sort of like, it, it is a thriller, right? But in its intensity, it kind of plays out as a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And in a way, a sort of juvenile fantasy. And I'll, I'll unpack that in a minute. Okay. But part of what I mean by that is, coming back to the Neil Young thing about, is it better to burn out or to fade away? Mm. I think the young, rebellious spirit in you thinks, nah, fuck it, like, yeah, do that drum solo, like, Burn out, you know what I mean? Like, go mm-hmm. out in a blaze of glory. Whereas the more... I, rem- I can't remember who it was. Another songwriter criticised that line and said, surely it's better to go out with the dignity of, like, a fading like fading star. Not go out in a car crash. Just, like, you, dig- you quietly and with dignity retreat from the limelight and then you just kind of go away. And I think the older you get, the more that is the realistic, more appealing, like... Yeah. He shouldn't kill himself over this... Yeah. ambition life is about balance and then you've got that shot of his father looking through the gap just looking utterly devastated I was gonna say, as his son does this epic yeah I think for me that's the moment that kind of solidifies the idea yeah. that this is a tragedy yeah. it's like oh he, the the father the guy the nice guy yeah. of the two the positive influence he's got, lost and it's like yeah it's through like a crack in the door isn't mm-hmm. it it's like the father's like he's been pushed out yeah he's just watching from afar like he can't get to his son anymore yeah so, but no, I think it's covertly that because the, the feeling you get watching it is one of yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. yeah. it's such. Well, you know, I think you're carried by the, the the sheer intensity of it because it's yeah. really intense. When the drum solos get going, they're really intense. As yes, well. he's like it's, a, it's like Rocky. It is, but he's yeah. like J.K. Simmons is more like a drill sergeant than he is like a, yeah. a tutor, and that's the way those those scenes are kind of treated. They're treated like a drill sergeant push, pushing yes. a soldier to yeah. his physical limits. Yeah, and even like even though your best self might go, he shouldn't be um, idolizing this maniac. Yeah. At the end, when Jakeson has been so abusive the entire film and you're kind of terrified of him. Yeah. When he starts looking like, I'm with Andrew now. Yeah. And he starts like smiling yeah, subtly yeah. to himself. You're so happy to see him happy. Yes. Yeah. That you've been rewarded finally with his acceptance. That that carries you through the kind of adrenaline of that as well. But I think when all is quiet yeah. and down afterward, you go, oh, that's quite... Well, I mean, they have have a conversation just before, don't they, where um, J.K. Simmons is very kind of personable and nice to Andrew, and he says, like, look, I don't want to be that guy who's, like, abusive and horrible, but I think you need to... If I just say, like, oh, yeah, good job... The two most damaging words in the English language. Exactly. You know, people won't improve. Yeah, I mean, I can't stand that sentence. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the the juvenile spirit in you thinks, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then you... When I first saw it, I was 20... Or twenty, you know, not massively young, but still a lot happens yeah. in five years. Yeah, and you watch it again now, and you go, like my overriding response to this was, if I was in his, like, extrapolate it to yourself, I want to be a writer. Let's say there was some facsimile where a writing tutor was being that 
like unreasonably harsh. I would just I'm just picturing our letters. <laughs> it wouldn't push me to better myself. I would just say fuck off. Yeah. And the yeah. film makes the argument that losers do that. Like the person who keeps doing it, hmm. if if they drop out or quit, then they were never up to the task. I'm like, no. That's just a psychotic way of looking at things. And I feel like my overriding is it's just you fat slug. Well not fat, you know, <laughs> you, you fucking evil slug, get out of my face. How do you still have a job? That would be my response. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um I mean I have met teachers that were that colour a cunt, but Right. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, so, some of them some of what they did were very good. I don't I'm not a massive fan of like negative reinforcement. No, as a as a way of going forward. Well, I mean, you need you need someone who's receptive to that for it to work. You need a yeah. sub in that kind of like subdom yeah, and relationship. I, and you? I'm not necessarily that kind of person. No, but it depends on the person. Right. Like, I, 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 you know, a big example I could use would be like work, mm-hmm. where you know, I did I did a shift in the kitchen, and the people who were telling me what to do came across very negatively, and that. The way it came across, the what they said, mm-hmm. didn't help, and I made me feel like shit. Right. But then, when like my pub manager does it, he's doing it on a level of he he'll say like one thing, but then you'll go, oh right, shit, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. and 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 it that pushes you. So in that regard, like, he, it's, well, it, do you, does he do it in like a negative way or a positive? Like, it, well, it's, 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 an, it's he'll say something negative, like you know, a basic example, like he, he'll walk in the thing like. Pulls a shit off, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, okay, right." I because obviously the thing for him is you've got to focus up. You know, if is it, is that a similar thing to like when um, your dad is angry with you, but he's not shouting at you; he's just kind of like talking very low and it's like, you know, "I'm not mad, I'm disappointed." Mm. Is it that kind I mean, of? I'll thing? transfer that to my mum, but okay, you know, but yeah, it's that kind of my, idea. My dad isn't doesn't it? do angry well. Okay, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I think it's that kind of idea, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so I, supp- I suppose for me. When you say put yourself in that position of Andrew in the film, mm. I think I would. The problem is, it I, whether I would have responded completely, I probably would have given up realistically. Mm. But the way the fact, like when you get that scene where he is nice and it's like, oh, I think that's the, the problem for me is if I was putting myself in that position, I like to think I could play out an end scene not too dissimilar right. because I would have learned from the experience. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I just don't think I would have. Maybe like learned from it, but like. And you, how old is he meant to be? Like 18, 19? Uh, something like that. Something yeah. like that, yeah. Okay, I think back to when I was that age, and it's like when J.K. Simmons is treating him the way he does in the beginning, and he just cries. It's like, okay, if I was in university and a lecturer started talking to me like that, I think I'd, I'd have cried, but I certainly wouldn't have stood up for myself. No. I would have just, like, taken it. But yeah, you look at it just a few years later and just think, if they'd done that now, you just go, fuck off. Yeah. 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 Who are you talking to? You know what I mean? So is you? I tried to put myself back in the, you know the shoes okay. of that yeah, age yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of thing. Um, what do you think about Andrew himself? Oh, do I like? Him? I think he's profoundly unlikable. I think, he, but that's the thing. I think he's unlikable because of his commitment. I think he's unlikable because of his well, okay, in the sense that his commitment makes him be a certain way. Yeah, because he's acting a certain because he is in his head so committed to the cause of mm. I want to be this I want to do that yeah. even when he's getting the shit thrown at him mm. he's that that's his goal that's what he wants that's it you know yes but that's it it's not like you can't in a way sort of condone or sort of um, support his I can't in a way can't fully support his quest 
be the best at what he does because I, I he is condescending yes. to other people. Yeah, it's not he's not like a humble servant of his um, craft. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He he's great at it, obviously, and he wants to be capital G great. But it's at the cost where he's just rude and kind of this word is thrown a lot, thrown around a lot these days. I think the character genuinely might be autistic. Oh, you know, I've never considered that. On the rewatch, that mm. de- where, the scene where he's breaking up with his girlfriend, and she's like sarcastically saying, "Oh, what? Like you're gonna get so famous, and you're gonna not gonna have time for me because I'm just a nobody who goes to this college, and you know." And he goes, "Yeah, exactly. You get my yeah. point." Yeah, like he has no idea that she's being. Is it, possible... is it that though, or is he just an asshole? Well, I was gonna say, well, is, like... it, is it possible that it's just a case of he's so wrapped up in his quest to become this amazing drummer that he just doesn't. Because that's sort of occupying all think of his it's bandwidth. A, it's you know? a step too far, don't you think? In a way, she's kind of doing the work for him, though, doesn't he? He doesn't have to sort of cut. Like, she's giving him this out and he's just taking it. But it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. A normal yeah. human being wouldn't respond that way, though. A normal human being would go, no, it's not that. It's just, look, I've got to concentrate on this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He wouldn't mm-hmm. just go, yeah, you get my point. Like, thinks that, that she's on the same level as him. That's such like. A, like I'm not the best social kind of I don't pick up the bit you know yeah but that is a social cue where she is obviously being sarcastic and kind of you know I mean I can't, I can't remember I, I know the scene you're on about I can't yeah. remember is it like when he says it back though and he's like yeah you get my point is that him being sarcastic no back, it's, it's not it like, like it's not like I know what you mean he's not like meeting her aggression with yeah you get my point he literally just like oh yeah well, good we're on the same page that's basically how he yeah. responds. In which case, I would say, if he, it, it, I understand what you, obviously mm. you're suggesting, I would say maybe that's him so in with his own, she must get that I'm doing this. Like for him, it's a, okay, she's taking the piss, but she says she understands, fuck it, I'm just going to run to with it. To be devil's advocate again, though, is that just a product of autism? Just to, you know, is thinking that uh, typically... Well, don't I get me wrong, I, possibly, I'm, but... Like hundred percent convinced that Damien Chazelle didn't write it in the mind that Andrew had autism. No, like no. I don't think that is intentional. Well, yeah, I don't think there's much else in the film other than just his his like level of commitment to it. There isn't really anything else in the film that. Well, I'll get to like I'll one little say, example. I mean, you okay. could. I would say in terms of level of the commitment, you could argue the toss then, because oh yeah, that could be uh, yeah, like the, the focus. Yeah. You know, because or the scene like, speaking autistic people do have yeah. that kind of focus. the scene with his family. He, he just completely ridicules the other guy. Like, no, but that's, that to... scene is clearly. Like... I know it's it's a defense. It seems like a yeah, defense. Yeah, it's clearly like because these guys are sort of getting all this credit from the family. Mm. They're like athletes, right? Yeah, yeah, they're mm. athletic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, it's great. Oh, he's gonna be great. He's gonna be good. And then um, they kind of like dismissively ask, "Oh, how's the drumming going?" By the way, you know? yes, I know. So that. It, it, yeah, he's I, kind I, of I responding. Rela- to I that. do relate to that. Like, whenever yeah. my family asks me where I'm at, they say, "How's your book coming along?" I haven't wanted to write a book since I was seven. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. um, so I and I get that. Like they don't really know it has no import to them. Yeah. But it's the way because he basically slags off his father. He says, like, oh, I just end up being a teacher. He doesn't say that specifically. No. Yeah, he says something like, Oh, I'd rather go out being considered one of the best of all time than just a nobody who teaches yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, there's that. And then there's the when he's being uh forced to square off against the other drummers. Yeah, and he's just openly like that. Fuck's not getting on my drum set. Like, it's just completely blatant. You know what I mean? There's no mm. like, and I know they're trying to set up that it's a very competitive, mm. uh, which goes into my one critique, I suppose, of the film. Mm-hmm. I really hate the redhead drummer. 
Okay. <laughs> he's consistently smug, right? In situations that where it's completely inexplicable. Okay, but that's good, right? Because we're, no, no, no. Because we're not on his side. We're no, on no, no. At, at one point, Neiman says in front of this guy, like, that fuck is, is shit. Like, he's not getting... And then J.K. Simmons walks off, and then the writer goes, oh, you know, you know what Flash is like. He's more bark than bite. I'm like, he just called you a cunt right in front of you. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't even, like, compute yeah. with him. He looks like a proper jock, though, doesn't he? He, does he probably like wouldn't just compete with him. Yeah, yeah. Know? But he just seems completely oblivious to Neiman's treatment. No, that's, I think that's fair. <laughs> that's just, I Jocks are thick as shit. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I'm not saying all of them are thick as shit, fair. but I think that in that case, you know, he's like this, you know, he's a, okay, he's a drummer, but he's like a big, muscly guy. He's in college. Like, he's probably got nothing to worry yeah, about. And you, the know? muscles they're, they're, are they're, drumming. They're, they're, they're in a conservatory, aren't they? So that's the thing. I, I don't think that no, attracts they, they many do jobs. have. Uh, don't they have uh, like halls of residence? Or, like, they do, yeah. They stay yeah, in? but they go to a a, co- a music college. Yes, you know, um, it's still a college. Like, y- yeah, yeah, still, I know, I know. But I'm, I'm saying it, the collegey things. I know at, that, at but place. I'm saying it's like a sociology course. It's going to attract everyone, is it? It's like these are musicians, you know. Okay, I don't think there are. I'm many. sure musicians would also certain musicians would also go for like the jockish type, you know. I don't think so. No, I think they would. There are about to be some jocks, if you like, in music. Yeah. But I definitely don't think that's a thing. Name no, me one. Name one. Name one jock musician. No, no. No, go on. No, don't be like that. Name one famous jock no, musician. No, don't be like that. Why? Be- are you- okay, so you- you're just not willing to accept that it's possible. No, I just said. I said there are, just by sheer odds, there are some musicians who yeah. are jocks, whatever that means. Yeah. But I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, like, women. Women would, would be, in- if women at a music college oh, right. would go for, like, jockish guys. I guess. If they were about, you know? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. It's not even... I don't it's not, that. It, This isn't even, like, spiralling off from a major point I was making. No, I know. But, yeah. That's... I, the, the, the women thing, I didn't know that had anything to do with what you were saying. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's all I meant. Oh, right, that, okay. like, you know, he's a joke. He's in college, and he looks like that, so he's probably got nothing to worry about in terms of... Right. You know, that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Mm. But, yeah, rag. Um... <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, have any critiques of the film? I don't, see, I don't really know. Is this the one film where it's kind of okay not to have critiques? No. Okay, then. <laughs> Only because no film is perfect. And I think it's kind of... Um, what film did you not have a critique of on your list? Uh, Parasite, but I was very careful to uh, caveat that that's because I'm in the honeymoon phase. And I will have critiques for it as time goes on. Yeah. So. If you don't, can we circle back to this one day? We can. Ask <laughs> me in three podcasts. I, th- I think it'll be... Um... No, no, no. We'll bring it up because... Yeah, we'll... ask me in three podcasts what I think what was it? Well, we, we will, without a doubt, bring this up because Parasite yeah. will come up in a podcast coming out in about a year's time. So we'll bring this up. What were? When we talk about the adaptation, that's not going to happen. No. Oh, I see. Well, well it's so going to come up when we actually talk about the film as well. Well, I was yes. going to say, when we talk about the film, yeah. the adaptation, and we are most likely probably going to do one of these for the best films of 2020. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll ask you then. But yeah. surely at this at that point, it'll be less like, aha, we caught Sam out in this, like, he was wrong. Oh, no, and I'm going like, to remember. Oh, my God, we finally found I'm... a film with no flaws whatsoever. Surely that would be the more, like... No, I'm going to I'm gonna circle back to this in a year's time and be like, so Sam, a year ago you said... Yes, but also, what point would you be proving <coughs> that you're I've... fallible? No, I've said. But you're well, fallible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, sorry. If I if I don't have something bad to say, then, then I'm fallible. Then you're fallible. Okay. But I'm saying it'll be more like worthy of discussion the fact that we found the perfect film. Right. Yes. The film that generally has no flaws. Okay. Which, yeah. You know. Yeah. I'd say 
it whether it has flaws or n- like not, nothing's like really. Stuck we talked out about to me. Parasite for like an hour and a, like an, like a while, and we said nothing, and we're talking about it again. I know <laughs> during I, another film. It's that good. But yeah, going off, just going off my memory. I haven't watched it in a few weeks. Um, what Parasite? Parasite. Oh, you're so shit. It's like, yeah, thank you. Um, is it? Yes. It's uh, a, per- it's a uh, perfect film, don't you know? It's a perfect film. Well, here's the thing. Honestly, mate, she'll win an Oscar. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it will win at least one. She'll if, win two. I'm just going to bring up the picture of Parasite again. All YouTube <laughs> listeners, here's the okay. picture of Parasite. Um, oh, look, they're looking at some art. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so metaphorical. Yes. <laughs> He's so metaphorical. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, going off my memory of it. The only thing I could think at the moment that would be a flaw is like a continuity error or something. But I, I, I hate seeing those and I hate being directed to them as well. Yeah. Like there have been a few times we've been watching something and you go, oh, have you done that? No, it's like, don't! I don't want to know yeah. the error. It just completely takes me out of it. Okay, fair but, enough. But um, I will find something bad to say about Parasite. No, but the, the, okay. Maybe its flaw will be its perfection makes me fallible. Maybe that's his fault. <laughs> that can't be you'll get our jail free card on this. <laughs> okay, no, but the point is whether whether it is I, d- I don't know because I think it's very well acted. I think the script is very good. I like the music. So for me that's that's what I mean. Like I don't know if it's got a flaw. Maybe I'm being like Well, this is your number it, one to be. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm ignoring the flaw. Yeah. I mean, by flaw it doesn't have to be like a fundamental like structural problem or anything. Just like a I hate this. I don't like this detail or something. Like for mine for this was the, the drummer smug. I don't like the other drummer. No, yeah, and I I do agree with yeah. you. That, that is fair enough. Yeah, uh, we, we we don't have to sit here until you come up with a um, critique. Yeah, if you no. genuinely don't, yeah, that's, yeah. that's no, fine. But that, yeah, if I come up with one, when I circle back to Sam not having just a critique shout of, at it, in critique of the conversation. I literally it'll be the middle of like another podcast, and I just be like, yeah. so whiplash, it was shit on this front, <laughs> yeah. and that'll be, and I'll just do this that. one irrelevant front that doesn't affect the film at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, other than that, that. For me, I don't really have much else to say. No, I'm about Whiplash. (laughs) Parasite's that good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say it skyrocketed up my list. Um, So it's not even seven, so this whole thing's pointless. Yeah, I would say. (laughs) Where would it be now? Obviously, I'm not going to go back. No, at the moment, I fifth. Okay. I can see see you going to fourth. No higher than that, though. What I will say is, when we've gone through our number ones yeah if we recap on what our top tens were we will we will do that i will say given time mm. i will i will discuss maybe odd changes i might have made okay something we've me and sam have just had a conversation earlier okay uh possible are you, are you giving me more work to do eddie <laughs> no 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 you've seen these films okay but yeah it, it, it's nothing i'm not saying i am cha- like would change it i'm no. saying given time things i've watched and stuff since and thought about since Maybe like there would have been like an odd different film is what I'm okay. what I think, but we'll allude to that properly at the okay. end when we go through. But the list. are you at least happy with the ten you have? Because we now know your entire top ten. Are you happy yeah. with that being like a matter of public record? Mm. For, least, for the time to be carved on stone. Yes, you know, like these are. I'd maybe change the number ten. Okay. Okay. Because I think at some point, like Jordan and I particularly, we like lists. Yes. Yeah. Favorite films, favorite TV shows, awards for yeah. each year—you know, mental. What was that? Um, I, I, it's so like buried in the show. I don't know how to find it. Yeah, right. th- thanks, Eddie. For, <laughs> I can't get rid of that because I was talking as well. <laughs> um, I'm drinking a drink. If anyone wants to know, <laughs> I remember the days when we like shelled, shilled ourselves out, and now you're not even saying the brand. 
Well, well they're we, not going to sponsor us. Are, this is episode eleven, part three. We become professional. By now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's so buried in the show. I don't know how to find it again. But the West Wing, when Bradley Walsh Whitford Whitford <laughs> Potato. <laughs> when, when he talks to that person who's like nerding out about something, and he's like, "Oh, because if I talk to you about this thing, then we're gonna make our favorite lists, and we're gonna blah blah." Right. And we were both watching. And we were like, "I feel attacked." Yeah, <laughs> personally attacked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, we are list people. I think film people generally are list people, to yes, be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was leading to a point. Yes. You see. You were talking about having this, like, cardstone, am I happy with the list? And then you were talking right, about... Right, yes. And I think we've come across this problem. If, we, if we've ever done, like, our top 50 movies, around the 20, 30 mark, it, the, the ordering starts to become quite arbitrary. Yes. And even in the top 10 list of the decade, I gotta say, it feels kind of... Of its time. Well, if I'd stuck to going back through like my top ten of each year of the decade, if mm. I'd stuck to those lists, there's a couple of films like Sicario wouldn't be right in my top ten. Yeah, yeah. If I'd stuck rigidly to those lists, these mm. lists are obviously susceptible. They're malleable. They're malleable. Yeah. They, you know, you could they can change. But I think for the time being, yes, it's fine. Yeah, these are this is a fight. These Basically, are fine lists we have now at the eleventh hour, almost literally at the eleventh hour. <laughs> um, we're essentially saying that all of this is. Uh, completely futile and um yeah <laughs> you've listened to so much shit from us over these last three parts yeah and uh it was all for nothing we're, we're now saying it none of it really matters yeah <laughs> you suck at it. yeah with one exception i would say are we done with uh whiplash by the way yeah that, that's what i was saying it like obviously it because it was on both your lists okay i didn't know if you'd had anything else you wanted just no. in, like why why it was on your list where it was or whatever. No, I feel like after um, the discussion that was had about um, it being a tragedy and yeah. him possibly maybe being autistic, um, I don't have anything as deep as that, so it would feel weird to go back to like surface level whiplash. Okay, so yeah. I'm kind of done with that. Just, yeah. just throw it out there. The editing's good. Oh, fantastic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's jazz music, you know. It is, yeah. You know, you're editing to music most of the film. The editing yeah. is going to be good, but it is still good editing. It is. Um, but yes, yeah, so yeah. I was going to say, with one exception... This whole, like, oh, it's all, like, doesn't mean anything. Okay. Because my favourite film of the decade... How? Very, I, before you get to that... Oh, no, okay. There's well. one... <laughs> there's he one. just did all that setup, and you just... Shat you forget the there's setup. One, there's one extra little... We'll, we'll, we'll repeat the entire setup. Okay. So you've got a, a, a runway okay. to, to fly off at the end of. Um, I think one of, the, one of the strengths of Whiplash is that, like, all these things we've talked about, we've not exactly gone Freudian with it, but it kind of belies the, the actual depth that the film presents in a way. It's a very kind of simple, basic story. There's not much in the way of like to unpack. It's oh, all no, there for yeah, you. Yeah. It's a boom, 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 ABC kind of story. Yeah, it is structured like a thriller in a way. You have like the yeah. drum sequences in the same way that the, um, the exam sequences in Bad Genius are like the heist portions. Yeah. The drumming sequences are like the action scenes. Yeah. You know? But it lends itself to this level of kind of there are things to talk about on a deeper level, and I really like films like that. Yes, like Sicario, I suppose, which are kind of very simple constructions. Yes, but yeah, there's much to it. And also, like what you were saying about um, like when you're younger, you sort of take the ending one way, and then as we're getting older, we're taking the fact that you mm. can do that. Yeah, where, like it means multiple things to yeah. different people. The best it's, kind of film that exactly. evolves with you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and it doesn't feel like it's doing that as well. It doesn't feel like a no. Like an ending where it's like, oh, this is like meaning something. Yes. You know? Yeah. 
you want to repeat the setup? <laughs> okay, well, what was the setup? It was. I don't know. You, I don't know what you're going to say. So. Um, oh, that this is all pointless because. Oh yeah, with one changed. exception. With one exception, because my favorite film of the decade is also. Yeah. My favorite film of all time. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yes. What are you doing? I did a drum roll for Whiplash. Okay. So I could do something vaguely appropriate. <laughs> are, you doing, are you doing solo? I'm, well, no, I'll just I'll strum. <laughs> okay. Uh, so do you wanna? Uh, is is that all you're gonna say before you say? Well, I was going to announce the film, but I okay. Is, your, this, is this the lead in? The so your your favorite film, of the decade is your favorite film of all time as yes, well. Okay. Yes. Jordan. <laughs> film number one is Joker. Do I knew you'd do that? <laughs> I was planning on doing a similar joke. Oh, were you really? I was. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Completely like not a great film, but also why that bad film? No, but like, who's going to give a shit about that? Like, if I say Joker is um, my <laughs> favorite film of all legitimate. time, and yeah. then I say it's actually Scott Pilgrim versus the World, yeah, you're going to get people who'd be like, "Fuck it, what was he?" Doing? I gotta say, you're lucky. You're lucky you're doing this podcast with two people who appreciate. The irony that was, you know, with which that sentence was laden. Because <laughs> little do you know that I've got a shotgun cell tape to the bottom of this table. Oh, right, okay. Oh, you and too, had yeah. I taken it at face value, Jordan would have a face in there. <laughs> uh, I'm not the only one with a gun at the table, though. That's good to know. So, Jordan, your favourite film of the decade and of all time is... Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Yeah. Which um, astute listeners would have... Can I just say, I genuinely thought you were probably going to do another dip, like just another random <laughs> film. <laughs> and it's a Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes. Okay, so. What's it about? In the mysterious land of Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. What a pedophile. Well, not quite. It is a bit weird because, we, as we find out, Scott Pilgrim's like. Because she's Asian. Yes, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh god, the Asians are taking a pounding on this podcast, haven't they? They have, Between yeah. Between coronavirus, on a bad week. Yeah, those. Um, I do wonder those if those Asiatics. I, I can't because I, we've we've been going for how long now in terms of recording time? <laughs> Twenty-seven um, days. Yeah, so I do wonder, like, if you listen to this in succession, like the references we make to like current news. How you can tell, you can tell how long this is. I was saying, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, well, the coronavirus is fairly new. Yeah, it's like a couple so, of days old. That news. So, so, by the time we get to number one, it's like so. We're, we're skyping over the various rockets that we're on. <laughs> space. Yeah. So sorry, the signal's a bit ropey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I, you know, just casually hiding out in Korea somewhere. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> South. Yeah. South. Yeah. <laughs> nah, just I took a holiday. To no, it's all hands on deck now. Even North Korea. Uh, Even North Korea on board. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so he's dating a high school. He's dating a high school. He's like in his early twenties. This Scott Pilgrim. Mm. He's a bit of a slacker. He's the bassist in like this garage band, mm-hmm. um, and she's a seventeen-year-old high schooler. Um, but then one day, Scott Pilgrim meets Ramona Flowers, mm. who is this attractive. Mis- she's attractive. <coughs> yeah. She's Sorry. well, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So yes, she mm-hmm. is rather attractive, and she is like this sort of mysterious. American. Um, yeah, American person. Oh, yeah, I should say the film takes place in Canada. You did say. Did I? Mysterious yeah, Land of Toronto, Canada. Well, there we go then. Yeah. I'm glad someone's paying attention. <laughs> um, I see everything. <laughs> uh, so, it's Scott Pilgrim. That. Yeah, I know. Stop talking. <laughs> oh, I just want to do my thing. Do I, you think? I can, yeah, okay. Solo, do it. Okay. So. <laughs> Low. Go. 
<laughs> so Scott is instantly taken by Ramona Flowers and yeah. he wants to date her and she says, okay, you can date me, but in order to do that, you have to defeat my seven evil exes. Mm. And that is the film. Scott Pilgrim uh, wants to date the girl and in order to date the girl, he has to defeat her seven evil exes. Yes. It's an Edgar Wright film. It is. It's the best Edgar Wright film of the decade. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other Edgar Wright films, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, World's End and Baby Driver, the two competitors. Mm-hmm. We'll all have different answers, I think, as to whether it's the best Edgar Wright film of all time. Mm-hmm. Naturally, it being my favourite film means that I do think it is the best film of all time, though Hot Fuzz is a very close second. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have a different answer. I think Edgar Wright's best film is Shaun of the Dead. Yes. I, a... I would concur with yeah. that. Oh, okay. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead, generally speaking, it, when I come to like my top ten all-time films, mm. third or fourth. Yeah, at, at the risk of alienating the, the proper cineasts, uh, Shaun of the Dead, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't my favourite film. Mm. It is my favourite film. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously... So you've upset the TV people saying that Breaking Bad is the best show, and you've upset the... Have I upset the TV people by saying Breaking Bad is the I best show? I think in the first podcast you said something like, um, you expect like a better answer than Breaking Bad when people say what's the best show on television. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah. such a behemoth, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yes. Um... Oh, it's just great. It's a great film. I love it. Why Why is it so great? Uh, I think part of it is just there are certain films that you watch, and this is obviously a completely subjective thing. There are certain films that you just watch and you just feel like, oh, that's just, you know, that feels almost like it was made for me. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the way the film is made. I love Edgar Wright as a filmmaker anyway, and mm-hmm. he like he's in full like Edgar Wright mode during this film. The music that's in the film, the soundtrack is amazing. Mm-hmm. And bolstered by the fact that all of these songs are completely original. It's completely yeah, original soundtrack. Written by Beck. Written by Beck. Primarily. There's a song in there by Metric. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of other ones as well. I don't quite remember them off yeah. the top of my head. Um, Broken Social Scene, I think, is one of the Okay, alright. And just, like, the whole visual language that the film uses, it's got this sort of, like, naturally because it's like, oh, you have to defeat seven enemies, it's mm-hmm. got, like, a video game setup almost, and mm-hmm. it uses that visual language. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the Brings a little bit of comic bookness into it as well. Well, it's based on one, isn't it? Because it's based yeah. on a graphic novel, exactly, yeah. Is it um, a graphic novel? It, yes, I believe it is. Okay, well, it's no. like a series of... It's volumes. Yes, yeah, volumes. Okay. Um, and it does... It's not a direct adaptation. There's a lot of stuff that they <coughs> make it into the film. Yeah, I, th- I think the format of the series is that it's like a an X per volume. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think the, the guy who wrote the, the graphic novels was one of the writers on the film. I think he was. Yes. So, yeah, it's still like... Um, if people have read that, because I haven't read the graphic novels, but I tend not to. Mm. That's not stuff I do anyway, because mm-hmm. you know, reading, <laughs> even graphic novels. <laughs> it's like a running joke amongst us that uh, I don't read. Uh, slash fact. <laughs> that, come on, that's well, that I've say. never read. I suppose okay, that would be okay. a better. I have read books before. Um, I just you know. When, okay, when was the last time? You, just for context, what, when was the last time you read a book? I don't even remember. Okay, we're talking like childhood. Oh yeah, in yeah. school when you had to like read books okay. to up your reading level. Okay. I think that was probably. <laughs> I mean, it. you're reading one right now. I am. And I I read a play last week. Yes. But prior to that, the last time I probably read something that wasn't a magazine. Right. You read well, magazines? How nineties of you? I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I mean, usually one specific magazine. Playboy. <laughs> no. <laughs> FHM. No, it's not that kind of magazine. Okay. It was, it was Empire. Oh, okay. I was going to that was, that, that's I was like... think of a gay magazine. More, more a gay magazine. <laughs> um... Men's Health is that a gay magazine? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a gay magazine. 
Um, I can't say I've ever picked up men's health in my entire life. No, I've just seen, you know, the black and white photos of men with six packs on the front. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> what were you saying, George? Oh, that I don't read. Yes. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't read. Yes, yeah, so you haven't read the graphic novels. I haven't read the graphic Nor novels. Nor looked at them. Nor looked at them. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think they're still like... Um, it's a faithful adaptation and then it carries the spirit of the... Mm. Which I think in, is the best kind of adaptation. That it's not just like directly... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is like... Because, you know, people often... When video game movies come out, there's often the conversation of like, oh, you know, because they're pretty much always bad. Yep. Um, so there's always the conversation of, oh, is a good video game movie possible? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the reasons that they're typically not is because they they try to copy, like, they just try and copy the games. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the thing that you need to take from the game is kind of like the... You can take, like, you know, obviously the characters and the story and the lore, but you you need to sort of take the spirit of... Well, that's the stuff you need to really hone in on. It's like, what is it, like... Sonic will come up in the future, it obviously, will. but, like, what is the spirit of Sonic? What is the spirit of, like, Assassin's Creed? What is the, like, the feel of those... I think the fundamental problem, isn't games. it, with video game adaptations, is if the game is story and detail-heavy, yeah. like Assassin's Creed... Yeah, or a Rockstar game like Red Dead. Yeah. It's already... Well, Red Dead, even more so, because it, it is a cinematic game. I think it's like, people who've literally just taken the cutscenes from Red Dead and edited them together, right. and it is basically a complete film, yeah. you know? Um, Longer, even. It's like a few hours. Yeah, so those are completely pointless, those yeah. adaptations. Or it's a game where, you know, the player experience is what's integral. Yes. And so you can't translate that to an objective Yeah, the thing that is good about it is the thing you lose in translation. Yeah, so the yeah. only... I guess the yeah the only way to decently adapt a video game would be to transfer its energy into a cinematic form. Yes. Um, obviously, this isn't a video game adaptation. No, but it but has that aesthetic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It has that kind of yeah. Obviously, you got the whole level up bit and everything. Obviously, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you've it's... got like the getting a life where he like grabs like an extra life. Yeah. And well, this like... is one of the things I love most. I love the aesthetic. Yeah. I, I love again. It's sort of like Nightcrawler. It just takes a lot of my personal boxes. Mm-hmm. I like snow. Yes. Um, Canada, think, there's a lot of snow. Yeah, they do I think a lot I of good stuff saw it for the first time on Boxing Day 2010. Okay. Um, so it was snowing. Oh, okay. Uh, so that kind of helped. I see. The design of his crappy apartment. Yeah. I love that. It's just like this wooden like basement almost, isn't it's it? It's like a, a log cabin almost, yeah. yeah. Um, with like a little window up high, inexplicably yes. high. Yeah, yeah. Um, the 90s-ness of it. Mm-hmm. The fact that this the CDs like physical media, you know, like yeah, math rock section and all that sort of thing, yeah, yeah, and dive bars, yes, where where little garage bands play. It's so it's sort of a nostalgic film in a way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for the eighties yeah. video game this was but it like shot on film. Do you know if it was shot on I, film? I wouldn't have thought so, just because of how much. Okay. No, I thought I think it was digital. It feels like it's shot on film. It has yeah. that like. Almost like tangibility that like mm. film has, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks more real, even though we're like reaching an age where like four K, eight K, maybe even sixteen K are like now things we can do. Mm. And I think regular film reel, it's like six K or something. Right. That's kind of the resolution of film. But even that, like, it just like there's something about like the graininess and the there is. image that it just looks better. I've been thinking a lot about nostalgia recently. Okay, and I think that um, the, the time that people are nostalgic for, it's not just their youth. I've seen it a lot with, say, people who were born at the tail end of the 80s, mm-hmm. so never really experienced the 80s. Yeah. They tend to be nostalgic for the 80s. Yes. We, I was born in 94, you 95. 
So most, you know, we don't have many memories pre-turn of the millennium. No. Um, and yet I'm particularly nostalgic for the 90s. Mm. 80s music is my thing. Yeah. But I like CDs and that, that era of video gaming. Yeah. And dive bars and pre-internet, you mm. know. But we were kind of modern enough. But, but you know, mobile phones weren't really a thing. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm nostalgic for that. Mm. Even though I never got to experience that. So I think this film kind of just is a massive tick in that column for me. Yes, yes it is. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to... This is the problem. It's because I love the it's film too much so to much. Say. Exactly, yeah. You're, you're going to have well, to try and like... I'll just go through my points then. Okay. And then you can springboard off that to talk about okay. whatever you want to talk about. I, the only note that I have, it's one very, very uh, minor note. Bit. Oh, because he's a bassist. Yeah. Yes, because he only plays one note. Exactly. Because he's a bassist. Yeah. Fuck you, bassist mutual friend we have. Who's definitely not listening. Who's definitely not no, listening. If you tell us you're listening. If you listen, send me a message that you've heard this joke. Go on. <laughs> but he didn't message anyway. No, I so know, but I just directly it. commanded him to okay. message. So. All right. Um, <laughs> given six years, you might get one. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it's very, very minor. There's a moment in the film. Minor? Minor key? Yes, minor key. <laughs> Do bassists even have keys? I don't know. Nah, I don't think so. No. It's just one note. Just one note. Yeah. We should screw up. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to give you a springboard. I'm just going to go into it. I think okay. it's after the scene where Scott and Ramona sleep together for the first time, and he goes back into his apartment. He shares an apartment, we should say, with uh, the best character in the film, Wallace Wells, yeah. played by Kieran Culkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's the best character in the film. Yes. I don't know what to say. Yeah, he's just he's just he so... has one competitor, but he doesn't win. Yeah, Wallace Wells is the best character in the film. Yes, he is because he's just so like um... above it all. Yeah, it's kind of black because yeah. it's sort of like the film kind of starts off as I will come back to my my critique. Yes. I promise. Um, you have a critique. Well, it's very like minor critique. The film is <laughs> no. It's like I, I if I say anything, he's gonna try and make another joke. <laughs> No, okay, I'll, I'll, I can't. I can't. I can't, I, can't, I can't give him opportunities to make jokes on this comedy podcast. It's just not. <laughs> it's not. How dare him? Yeah, when did, when did we? Hit I comic? didn't get didn't get the memo. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's fun. No, no, it's fun is in the title. It I'll say be fun limited. To be fair, yeah, or fun filtered. I'll, yes. say, I'll say to be fair, we did one podcast where things got a little bit dark, and we did apologise that it wasn't as fun as it usually is. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair yes. Enough. Um. Yeah, but yeah, so the film kind of starts off, even though its visual style is kind of, like I said, video gamey, and one of the first images in the film, it's actually the title card, is they start playing, the band start playing mm. a piece of their music, and the camera sort of pans back, and the room is just kind of like extending further and further and further away. Mm. That's obviously not based in reality, because we've already seen the room, and the room is not that large. Mm-hmm. But the film remains kind of grounded for a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Or kind of grounded, that's the thing I should have emphasized. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the first X shows up, and it just becomes like, like oh, it's just an all-out action film now. And yeah, it's, like it's, it's kind of, sort of, um, it's, this is a fresh observation, so if it doesn't pan out, I can only apologise. Okay. Um, I haven't thought this through. Because it's about kind of 20-something kind of slacker, like none of them really have a, a proper ambition. Well, they yeah. do, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of, uh, generation. Yes. Um, which we are a part of, of which we are a part, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of film, the whole film is sort of like, in inverted commas, it's sort of ironic in the sense that 
it blends reality and surreality so blasé in such yeah. a blasé way. Yeah. It's kind of like a... It's like a shrug, almost. The style is a shrug. Yes. By which I don't mean it's uh, flaccid. No. But do you know what I mean? It's all kind of like, oh, whatever, man. Like, whatever goes. Whatever. Yeah. Mm. Like, oh, so there's a musical number now, I guess. You know? Yeah. You know, oh, I, I guess, like, you know, the room is extending and they're, like, fighting. And yeah. he's turned into coins. And, you know. and, and that uh, sort of spirit combined with its visual style, mm. like, it's similar to, um, I think, the Lego movie we were talking about. Where if you're not on that level, then you will hate it. And I think yes. it's the it's it's almost like um you know those alarms that all people get outside the house that only really young people. Oh can yeah, hear? I can't remember the, the frequency. Yeah, the frequency. Mm-hmm. The film is like that. If you're yeah. like you know, unless you're really into film or that type of film, it's just going to completely bamboozle. Yeah, you're just not going to win. Yeah, like, what, what is, is this? I would say yeah, because it Scott Pilgrim is given. I've spoken to people of our age, like even of our age, who can't stand Scott yeah, Pilgrim. Yeah, like yeah. when I in university, I would say like, "Oh, it's my," you know, because I was on a film course. Like, "Oh, what's my favorite film of all time?" And I would say Scott Pilgrim, yeah. and it would just get like, like the strangest Strange. reactions, yeah. the yeah. strangest faces, just like what? Yeah. Well, so, so yeah, it, it it comes under the bracket of cult following. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. the film I d- didn't do well. I think no. that came no, out. No, no, no. Technically, um, a box office failure. Yes. Um, I mean, I mean, when I first saw it. I, I really wasn't sure what was going on. I <laughs> I will say because you showed it to me. You were the person who showed this to me. We watched it over your house. Yeah, I can't remember when, but it was not long after the film came out. I didn't like it on the first watch. Yeah, I think because um, I'll let you speak again in a moment. In yeah, the yeah, yeah. Because uh, I still have a point to go back to. So we're just like yeah. tangenting off into tangents. But I think it was around about the time where my film palette was still undeveloped. Right. So I was still very much like. I just kind of like, oh, that box office film that's coming out, that's what I like, mm. you know? I watched the Transformers, and that was just cinema to me. And mm. the idea of, like, more refined films and more, like, dramatic films, or like, that, just like, oh, that isn't for me. You've perfectly aligned with the point that I just came up with in my head. Okay. Um, I still haven't finished this no, point. No, this I'm is very quick. His. You mentioned Transformers, and it's not going to come up again. So okay, I, all right. Um, Michael Bay once described his um, approach as fucking the frame. Okay. That was, like, his... Uh, school uh, of thought uh, he yeah, does the frame he doesn't fucking fuck. the frame <laughs> fucking Scott the frame, Pilgrim like versus the world it's going down on the frame oh okay <laughs> Sorry, it's like you you are enjoying it it's like treating the frame well it's servicing yes. its needs yeah. Yeah. rather than just like shoving its dick into your face yes it's a famous video at this point but every frame of paintings <laughs> you did it again Eddie <laughs> You gotta let the man laugh. You gotta let the How can I not laugh? The man he's just talking about fucking a frame. <laughs> um, okay. God, going down on a frame. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what? I, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, it's a nice. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's a nice little. Yeah. I should be a writer or something. <laughs> you definitely should. One yeah. Day. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, it's a famous video at this point. But every frame of paintings video on Edgar Wright. So yes. How to do visual comedy. Yeah. Perfectly, like a lot of things that I could say about this film, he just says in that video. So I'm just gonna say, go watch that video okay. if you haven't. Cop out. Um, no, genuinely. Yeah. Like, you know. And also, it's a video essay. And because Scott Pilgrim, not Scott Pilgrim, Edward Wright benefits from being in a visual medium, mm. he's like showing the examples as well. Mm-hmm. It's easier to show you than to kind of describe. Yes. Um, so uh, you were talking about your unrefined palette. Yes. Yes, yeah. I was. Yeah. Um, so the idea of a film that was kind of so. Because those like those blockbuster films, even though they're like you know, explosions and and you mm. know ridiculous and all that sort of stuff, they are kind of grounded in reality. 
Right. In that, you know, it's just a very boring depiction of the events that are happening. So a film that's kind of as creative and loose with the way that it's depicting its events, that mm-hmm. was just kind of like like a bizarre idea to me. It's yeah. like, oh, I don't know how to process this film. Yeah. So my initial reaction was kind of negative, but as time has gone on, it's just like, yeah, it's gotten better and better and better. Appropriately, and appropriately for a video game um, inspired movie, mm-hmm. it operates on many levels. And with that... Back to I Eddie. my lead. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well, the thing I was gonna say. So, I went to see it in the cinema when it was like when it Did was you? out. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was supposed to be going to a gig. We did um, with a, with a fr- with a friend of mine, and we got to the arena and we looked at the crowd and went, "Yeah, I don't think we're going to be all right with them amongst these people." <laughs> okay. And it wasn't even like it was. You know, it's not like I was going to see some like thrash metal mm, thing. Like, yeah. Like, Chris and, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was going to see a band called LZ7, which is like a Christian okay. like oh, okay, rap, okay. rock kind of. Okay. Oh, no, they, they can get a bit mental. Yeah. Um, so, Crusades. but we but we were looking at the you know crowd and go, nah, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> so um, let's go watch Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> so, so, well, no. So I, I I said to my I'd like phone my mum and I said, well, we're in Manchester. Yeah. I, I don't really want to waste being up here. Mm. So we're going to go and see a film. Don't know what's on the cinema. We're just going to go and see a film. Mm. So me and my friend went and what we just like looked and we went, oh, okay, I think I've seen a trailer for that. It looks mm. fairly funny. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I first watched it, I came out and my opinion was that I thought it was so bad <laughs> yeah. that it was good. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, right. That right. was my opinion. Across the thrust. Yeah. I was like, yeah. it's so beyond ridiculous. Yeah. That this is possibly. A stroke of brilliance. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That was like my sort of thought thing. I then rewatched it a little while later, and I was like, oh, "Okay, maybe it's not quite the stroke of brilliance that I right. like initially think, but it's certainly it is a good film." Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like I think it's wacky as shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like and funny as well. I would it, say. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's exactly funny. my type of sense of humor. Um, yeah. Type of sense of humor. Sorry. That wasn't, you know, that like wasn't the scene where Chris Evans is skating, you know, he's put to a challenge. You know, he gets rid of Chris Evans by making him, you know, skate down a thing to like 200 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, it's dumb, but it's fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. As, as you say, it's got like that video game influence, which is... Well, they explode. When the X's are defeated, they explode into a, 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 yeah. a cloud of coins. And it, yeah, like, and points come and up it, from yeah, it's like there. Level up. Yeah. yeah. You know. So, yeah, like, it was... Dumb but brilliant, and I think that's kind of like m- my main review of it. Really, is I, th- I genuinely <laughs> dumb think but brilliant. D- dumb but brilliant, ridiculously fun. Yeah, mm. um, it, it is. Thing, it, it is dumb, but like I, I'm quite. A, I'm a fan of quite a lot of films that are dumb but brilliant. Yeah, I wouldn't put this in that camp. Here's the thing: I've never known how to describe it, but it is okay. Take the vegan police, for example. Yeah, a dumb person wouldn't come up with that idea. No? no, I don't think they would. Why? Why you say that? I don't know. Instinct, I guess. I don't okay. feel like if you like, you know, you're in a room with a bunch of like dumb comedy writers, and you're like, okay, come up with some comedy. Right. I don't think the vegan police would be a thing. You know, it would just be like, I don't know, like, I'm talking like the people who write quote unquote like Adam Sandler comedies or something. Right. That kind of comedy is like dumb comedy. Okay. Vegan police isn't quite there, but it is kind of stupid as well. No, it's silly, isn't it? Yeah. No, it it's is. not. I it's think not that's what, when I, when dumb, I say, but it's not like intelligent comedy. You know, no, like, when not, I say it's yeah. fun, yeah, like it's things like that. It's like, oh, okay, like 
that is that's a bit ridiculous. It's a bit yeah. daft. Like when I say when I say it's like dumb but brilliant, like it, I mean like it's a bit daft rather than oh, it's incredibly yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not stupid. Daft. No, no. Yeah, yeah. There is a word. Yeah, but we we will find the word for it. Yeah, but yeah, none of us have said it yet. No. Um, maybe it's one you can coin. No, I'm I'm sure the word exists. For it. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of um. You're saying it's anything you can say. It sounds like a criticism, like juvenile. Hmm. But it it, it it has like a, a child a childish energy to it. Yes. But the thing is, it's it, dumb but brilliant. I only reject that because I think it's kind of so elaborately crafted that I couldn't say it was dumb. It's punky, irreverent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the result mm. it, like, irreverent. Irreverent. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah, the result is um, you nodded with like, <laughs> I did it. I found the <laughs> yeah. word. Um, <laughs> no, I don't remember the point. I think I was just speaking just to have right resolving okay. the points I was already making. Um, there's the moment during the uh, the first X Matthew Patel when mm. he kind of shows up. Um, that's the moment where the film is like, okay, this is you know we're fully we're completely ridiculous. Now. Mm-hmm. Even they have that moment with uh, what's her name, who plays his sister, Anna um, Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, well, she just goes, what? Like, mm. like even the characters in it can't believe what's happening. She's the only one, I think, isn't she? That yeah, she is... has a couple of reactions where it feels like, okay, we're sort of doing a bit of, like, we're allowing what we believe to be the audience reaction yes. to be heard yes. in this moment. Yeah. But Wallace Wells never, he just accepts everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, you're fighting, I think it's the second fight with Chris Evans, mm. where Chris Evans has just, like, beaten up Scott, and he's, like, thrown Scott away, and Chris Evans is walking up to Scott. <laughs> and Wallace just goes, Scott, evil X fight and he kind of shrugs yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just his attitude to the, through the whole film and it's great and there's like a great like because he's uh, gay as well mm-hmm. there's like a running gag of like Anna Kendrick Scott's sister she goes with like her boyfriend and then he yeah, ends up yeah, yeah, with Wallace yeah. and whenever they're in bed like more men start appearing in like Wallace's yeah, it, bed it, it, yeah it, show, it shows up as like one person then two and you know. yeah like Scott kind of wakes up and he's like sharing a bed with Wallace and then Wallace wakes up and then two men behind Wallace kind of wake up yeah. and they have no idea what's going on yeah, yeah. but the original point my critique my minor critique, mm. don't, because we'll we'll no, no, be distracted again. <laughs> um, yes, it's after he sleeps with Ramona, he goes back to that apartment, Wallace is like making food or something, and it's filmed like a sitcom, mm. and there's a laugh track. And it goes on for like a minute or two, where he's kind of like... Seinfeld. Yeah, it's like a Seinfeld yeah, yeah, type yeah. thing. I think and they use the Seinfeld music, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Because yeah, they use like the Zelda, there's like a Zelda jingle yeah. in here, there's a load of sound effects from like Mario and Sonic and like famous video game sound mm. effects that they all kind of pull in. Yeah, the visual language of this film is like video games and comic books and that kind of mm-hmm. subculture. Mm-hmm. I don't know where sitcoms fit, fit into that. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that feels that, that's like... That's a gag, isn't it? It is a gag, yeah, yeah. but that feels like, okay, we're stepping outside the boundaries of what you've already, like... Yeah. I've, that's always kind of stuck out to me, that scene. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's a funny bit, and I understand it's probably making fun of, like, the sincerity of what Scott is saying and his feelings, because mm-hmm. he's, like... Obviously, he's in love, and they're, like, very serious emotions, but on the outside... It probably looks ridiculous, especially since he's been very kind of like, you know, whatever. And now he's like getting passionate about, um, mm. oh, I found this girl, Ramona Flowers. But yeah, I think that's a I don't like that. I think the, I but, guess the only argument as a, the devil's advocate that I could make is that it's the 90s of it. It's Seinfeld yeah. being a 90s sitcom. And if, and if you mm. extend it to 90s, mm. maybe I can accept it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's always stuck out to me. It's yeah. Like, this is just a bit too mm. out yeah, of. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. A bit too out of place. That's fair, that's fair enough. My critique is that the fight scene with the Katya and Nagi twins yeah. uh, begins to test the limits of my fight patience. Okay. But it's over quickly. Yes. It knows, I think it, the film knows hmm. 
Yeah, we kind of. Yeah, because it's in hot. It's the same as hot fuzz. Uh, yeah, the same director, obviously. When Jim Broadbent holds a, a gun to Danny's head, yes, they said in the commentary they've been like four or five standoffs. Yeah, and they just have Simon Pegg go, Frank, pack it in, you silly bastard. <laughs> yes, it's like we're done with the whole standoff thing. Yeah, yeah. I think he even says it in the commentary for Scott Pilgrim because you have. Um, his final confrontation with Gideon, which Scott loses, yeah. then you have a second confrontation with Gideon, 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 yeah, Gideon, um, and then Nega Scott shows up, mm-hmm. and it's are they what, saying what Scott? Nega Scott. Okay. It's a video game term. I think it's Nega. Nega, whatever. Nega Scott. What? Nega Scott. Okay. Nega Scott. Yes. Okay. I know what you're trying to get us to do, Sam. Yeah. I'm not trying to not... do anything. I'm, I'm like, clarifying what you're saying. Okay. I've played video games where I've heard it pronounced that way. What way? N- <laughs> I've forgotten for because I know where this is going. It's not going to go. Oh, is that going to happen now? I, I've forgotten the pronunciation for a moment. Of what? So, yeah, anyway, he shows up. Who? The Dark Double. Okay. What? <laughs> you really didn't help it. Yeah, he's not the way. Yes, okay. Yes. Um, and they say in the commentary, it's like, this would be like the third fight scene in a row. Yeah. The third major fight scene yeah. in a row. And obviously, that scene ends with like. The two of them just coming out and they're like best friends, and he's yeah, like, "Oh yeah, yeah we got a lot in common." Yeah, and yeah. it's literally him. We're, we're, you know? we're gonna go get coffee. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it does kind of it does a good job of rising the intensity. Obviously, Matthew Patel is like the first one, so he's kind of an introduction to the kind of the absurdity of mm-hmm. the film. Then you have Chris Evans, who's like a step up again. Then you yeah. have um, Todd, not Todd Phillips. Is it Todd Phillips? No, that's the joke. I know, that, I know that's, but is, is his name uh, Todd Phillips? It's not Todd Phillips. No, it's Todd, it's Ingram. Todd, Todd Ingram. Yeah, that's Todd right. Ingram. Which I think is the highlight of the film in terms of the X's. I would agree. Um, that is the vegan police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again, when I was young, when I was younger and I saw it for the first time, that felt like okay, this is way too far. But mm. s- since then, I've become completely yeah. okay with it. That like that that is like oh, this film is just doing anything. Which yeah, it's fine. But they sell it to me just with Clifton Collins' delivery of "You partook a plate of chicken parmesan." Yes, gets <laughs> <laughs> me. No vegan diet. No vegan powers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, but again, I love the moment where he punches Scott into the sky, and then um, Stephen Stills, mm-hmm. who is the singer in the band, uh, who's the second best character. He's the, the second film. best character in the film. Yes, upon subsequent rewatches, yes. he's become the second best character. Yeah. In the yeah, film. yeah, yeah. But he says to Todd, "I've always wondered how does like being vegan give you superpowers?" Mm. I just love that that's just like a fact of this universe. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's not a bizarre ki- like no, yeah. There's yeah. a vegan police, and vegan people have superpowers. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you have the third one who has superpowers. Yeah. Then you have the girl. Mm-hmm. Which is like, oh, another thing. And then, obviously, the next major step up is just like the final guy, yeah. but we have two more X's, so yeah, it feels a bit like, you know. Yeah. It's a big spectacle yeah. fight, they make a point, and they do a nice thing in, in that they kind of get the band to be a part of that fight yeah. sequence. They score it. They, they score it, yeah. yeah. Um, that's really nice, but yeah, it does feel like a kind of, okay, this is sort of transitioning us to the, the major villain now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I will say, I do like their version of Black Sheep. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I do. Oh, re- yeah. As I, I said, do the soundtrack's like fantastic. I think that's the best song. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I actually like Brie Larson. Yeah, uh, she's, she's great in it. I, I don't like her in a lot of things. No, she's yeah. great in this film. I didn't notice um, her, like, the first time, I think it's the first time we see her, when she's on the phone with Scott. Mm. And she's, like, deliberately acting, like, melodramatically and over the top. Yeah. Soapy. And it's the only time I think she does it. She's always, she's kind of an over top, over the top character mm. anyway. But she's really leaning in the, into it on the phone. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta go. And she like puts the phone down and like dramatically looks away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, moments like that where a film yeah. can just have a moment like that. I know I just kind of criticized the sitcom mm-hmm. uh, bit. But when a film can have moments like that where it's just like this 
weird tangent of comedy. And like, yeah, mm. I'm completely fine with it. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, to, to sort of like round it off, obviously, it's the question you gave me of why, mm. what puts it then above everything else? Because you said it's your favourite film of all time. Yes. As well as of the last decade. So what has escalated it, I suppose, above that then? Um, well, I'll completely... Uh, I'll be upfront by saying part of it is just complete subjectivity because, like I said, it just feels so befitting of what I like in film in terms of what is in the film. Like I said, that kind of video game inflected language and just kind of like the the filmmaking and everything like that. I just love that kind of stuff, and it's all kind of like pushed into this one film, mm-hmm. like this one package. But I do think it's genuinely. It is kind of a shame that it's um, a kind of a marmite film where it's sort of you know right. It, certain people wouldn't be able to palette it because it is a very well done film. Mm-hmm. It keeps that, uh, you know, again, watch the Every Frame of Painting video, but it keeps that, um, all the stuff that we love about Edgar Wright, just the extreme level of detail and the mm-hmm. fact that his scripts keep loop, looping back on themselves and mm-hmm. recontextualizing lines. Like a, a neat little detail I found out on one of the more recent rewatches is that none of the characters blink in the film, I don't think. Oh, right. Because Edgar Wright wanted to visually call back to anime, I mm-hmm. think, which obviously the characters don't blink because yeah. it's all drawn. So they even gave him the, the name, the nickname, the Blink Nazi. The <laughs> cast called him the Blink okay. Nazi because if someone blinked during a take, they'd have to cut it. Right. That would just all stop filming. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a fantastic film. Um, please watch it. All right, fair. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Sam? Because obviously it was on your list as well. It was well. number four yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, not really. Scott's annoying. Yes. We should probably have talked about the film rather than just details, yes. like, like around the film, yeah. you know, which I feel like we've kind of done. Yeah, I, he's not supposed to be likable, right? I don't think it's a case of he's not supposed to be likable. Okay. I, he's definitely meant to be flawed. Yes. I think I, you're meant to like him broadly. Okay. To care about whether he gets What was Michael Cera's reputation before Scott Pilgrim? Because I feel like the casting was supposed to be, um, it was supposed to say something about Scott, the fact that... Michael I mean, Cera is playing this kind of action hero. So, I mean, Michael, Rome- Cera, Michael Cera's kind of film career is not a wonderful. No, you know, playing like the Michael Cera, like meek, yeah, so, kind of softly spoken. Yeah. I would say one of his better films is Juno. And yeah, then, that's, and this Juno is a good kind of study of what he generally is known for. Um, I mean, he yeah, he is fundamentally annoying. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he's like, um, like even in the the reason why I said is he's supposed to be unlikable is because even in the film he's kind of like, they make you know they sort of allude to the fact that he's like, cheated on like multiple women and he's like you know yeah he's just like his character he's not l- a nice guy no you know no, no. he isn't but at the same he's not time, a, quite a bastard but he's like he's, he's not he's in his great. early he's in his early twenties yeah yeah he's the the epitome of someone in their early twenties who okay yeah they couldn't quite get. The girl they want initially, so you settled for going for the nice, like, mm, yeah, safe option. Yeah, but then the exciting option comes along, and obviously, you know, he does a very early twenties thing. Um, yeah, he's just kind of acting on whim almost, isn't he? Yeah, it's like, oh, I like you, I want you, I'm gonna go for you now, even though I'm already in this committed relationship. You know. Yeah, but yeah, he. I would say that's just someone typical of their early twenties. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing as well is obviously the film is because it's over the top. Everyone is kind of a caricature, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's still plausible enough. It still kind of feels like there are like you know, oh, I know a character, I know a person like that. Yeah, they're still kind of relatable in that sense. Where yes. It's like oh, I still recognize them as like caricatures of legitimate people. Mm-hmm. You know, 
like Aubrey Plaza, she's in the film as like for a bit. And like her as thing, Aubrey Plaza. As Aubrey Plaza. And yeah. her thing is like as she swears she's get she's gets like the sensor bar across her mouth and that's constantly happening and yeah. you know. Which I am not gonna lie, that does annoy me. Just because the noise that comes with it. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because it's not the typical sensor beep, is it? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like a distortion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's great. I love it. It's great. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well in which case what what are we uh we did a drum yeah. roll, we did a guitar, what do we do for this? Do something on the piano. I'll just I'll tap at the tap the keyboard keys, yeah. yeah. Do something on the piano. Got the keyboard there for a reason. But it's not appropriate to the theme. No. I'm, if I'm it was a synth, things. then maybe. Yes. But, you know. Right. My... I don't want to stop the recording, so I'm I'm, I'm okay. dubious about <laughs> it. My favourite film of the decade is the Social Network. Ding, doo doo. There you go. Dun. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, what's the Social Network about? It's about Facebook. No, it's not about Facebook. It's about Mark Zuckerberg in two thousand and three. His girlfriend breaks up with him. And she calls him uh, an asshole, and then he decides that he's going to uh, humiliate her essentially by creating a website that compares. Uh, photographs of uh, Harvard college girls. Yes. It goes viral. It crashes the Harvard network. And he kind of realizes, oh, there's maybe there's a potential thing in this. Mm. He's approached by uh, twins, who, uh, a couple of twins, obviously, who go to Harvard. <laughs> uh, what are they called? The Winklevoss. Winklevoss, yes. Or yeah. Winklevi, as Mark calls them. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they approach him with the idea of doing a, a building a, a dating website. Um, and he sort of takes their idea idea sort of and runs with it and ends up creating Facebook and the film is basically about uh, the birth of Facebook through the prism of Mark's friendship with uh, Eduardo who is the co-founder mm-hmm. of the company and how their friendship kind of unravels as the company grows yes. larger and framed by trials yes yeah, so yeah the, the framing device of the film is uh, Mark is being sued by his best friend Eduardo mm-hmm. yep. and the Winklevoss twins years after the creation of Facebook. Yes. Um, so the whole film is kind of, it's cutting back to those scenes. It's kind of told retrospectively in a way. Yes. Yeah. Um, and complete with unreliable narration because you're going off what they're saying in these stories and it's not entirely clear if they're being truthful mm-hmm. a lot no. of the time. Like there's the, one, the standard one in that sense is there's a scene in the film where Eduardo, he kind of says to Mark, I was your one friend. You had one friend. And it's played as this like proper dramatic beat. You're like, yeah, you know what? You... Yeah. But in the commentary, I think it's either Fincher or Sorkin says, that is clear, manip- like, he's manipulating the situation because Mark did have other friends. Okay. Like, I know the film presents him as like a social outcast. Yes. Mm. But he did. He's saying that in the courtroom setting to get a reaction, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But the film doesn't play it that way at all. It plays it as a sincere, dramatic beat. No, until you said that, I didn't... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even a moment. He does. Dustin, you know, there are other people yeah. in the company. Um, okay, how do I explain why I love this film so much? <laughs> well, we should, okay, we'll open with, I think, the thing that's always brought up when mm. the social network is discussed, which is this film is directed by David Fincher. Yeah. It's written by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Both uh, known for their style. Yeah, both auteurs. Both auteurs. And the film manages to feel like it belongs to both of them. Yes. It feels like Somehow, a David Fincher film. Some way. Yeah, and yeah. an Aaron Sorkin film. Yeah. Yes, it's a perfect 
combination yes. of writer-director. Is it the most perfect? I'm Probably of this scale, it's the most perfect fusion of two distinct auteurs, you know? I'd have to really think about that. Okay. They're obviously, I would say, like, better films, you know, where the script and director have worked, like Scorsese and Schrader. Yeah. But Sorkin has such a distinctive writing style. Yes. And Fincher has such a distinctive directorial style. Yeah. But yes, it's difficult. Taxi Driver feels like a Scorsese film, I would say. Okay. Yes, this does definitely feel like two distinct voices kind of working in tandem. Yes. I remember and, and never talking over each other or no. kind of, you know, out yeah. sounding out the other. Yes. Drowning out the other, I should say. I remember when it was announced that they were doing a quote-unquote Facebook film. Yes. And everyone rolled their eyes. It was the same with the Lego movie. Myself it? included. Yes. It was like, why? Yeah. Why, what, what is the point? What's the point? Yeah. And then it happened and you're like, oh, that's yeah. why. Well, it's, it's not a Facebook film, is it? No, it's not. It's a Shakespearean drama. Yes. Um, with modern clothes. Yes. Uh, it's basically about the f- two yeah. no, brothers, no. you know, falling apart. It's kind of one of the uh, the flowers, uh, my, my blossoming, my burgeoning film taste, 2010. I just remember seeing the DVD and it was littered with all these accolades and all these quotes. Yeah. Like, it was just, the bulk of it was just five stars, five stars. Yeah. And I love the design of it. The blue of Facebook, obviously. It's a very minimal poster. Very minimal. It? Yeah. And it's just like him standing amongst people. Mm. Very grey and I just loved it. So like, I'm just going to buy that. So I'll kind of, I'll forever associate that film with me starting to love film. Okay. So that's, that's definitely a part of it. Uh, the score is amazing. Yes. Uh, Trent Reznor Trent and Atticus Reznor. Ross. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, it's I've got techno melancholy, okay. bristling with rage. Okay. Because there are moments where you've got like the... That, that's you, dun. isn't it? What? That's, te- yeah. Techno melancholy, bristling with yeah, rage. Yeah, that's not something you've read. That's you, right? That's me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't plagiarize... Uh, no, no, just like the way you, like the smile you had on the face when you were saying it's like, okay. yeah, that's a Sam. That's he's come up with that. <laughs> it's just we've written down notes, obviously. So I'm yes. very when something feels very writerly, it's because I've written it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Techno melancholy, bristling with rage. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it does have that side, like down, down, down. I remember uh, Sorkin says in the commentary that he wanted a Cat Stevens song. I think. Okay. That was like relatively like upbeat, and then instead you just get this complete haunting. Mm. Oh, okay. Because the, the film starts with this is really that, rapid fire dialogue. Yeah, scene. I was going to say, yeah. is that following the scene where Rooney Mara breaks up? Yeah. Okay. The film starts yeah. in, and you're kind of dropped into the the speed of the film, yeah. where you have to listen like for a while to even make out what they're saying. Yeah, my mother when uh, she first watched it uh, with me, she like she had to pause it. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. was like, "Oh, it's messing with my head." Yeah. Like, how fast they're talking. It's great. You it just drops you into it, and yeah. you've got to, like you're playing catch up from the start. Yeah. And then you have this really rapid, five, like, ten-page dialogue scene. Mm. It's over. He leaves. And all of a sudden, it's down, down, down. It's like, oh, this isn't... Okay. Yeah. It's this film, I guess. And then you just get this, like... Like, underneath all of it. Yeah. It's like, ooh. Dark. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's horror-y, almost. And that kind of goes with... I've read the script, obviously. Of course. And uh, when it introduces Mark, it says... Some, something along the lines of his, like, stoic face masks a complicated anger. Okay. And that line always stuck out to me. And it's a line that I, you know, in my primitive writing years, definitely just completely stole. Okay. And that sort of became a character-defining thing for me mm. of stoicism that masked rage. Yes. Um, and I think the score kind of does that. Um, it's infused everything I ever write, I think. Oh, really? idea. Okay. Uh, yeah. The script is obviously impeccable. Yes. I think it's the best screenplay of the decade. 
everything's the cinematography. You've you've said this before about films. I'm you know I'm a big fan of films that are people in rooms talking. Yes. And if if that looks good, you know yeah. the cinematography is. Yeah, like yeah. I think a lot of people um, uh, when they think of like great cinematography, they tend to think of like Lawrence um, of Arabia. Yeah, like you know epic vistas and like one shot takes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are nice and they're impressive, but I think the mark of a cinematographer, a great cinematographer, mm. is someone who can not someone who can make a beach look beautiful. It's yeah. someone who can make a dingy room look beautiful. Yeah, and the, yeah. Everything in this film looks amazing. Yes. And most of it is just them in like dark rooms. Yeah. Programming and like badly talking. lit. Kind badly of, lit. Yeah. yeah. Barrassant lighting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have a natural soft spot for social outcast characters. Mm-hmm. I always yeah. have. I love those kinds of characters. Yeah. Um, you know, Eisenberg will never do anything better, I don't think. Nope. I think he peaked with the social network. Yeah. I, I mean, he had so much potential, and I think it's a shame. Yeah. Because I like. Even like films like The Double, mm-hmm. which you know it's it's a bit kooky, it's a bit yeah, you know I mean it's Richard Arwadi. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could have been even then he could have been better in that. I'm not going to talk about a turn in a superhero franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I again it it's the same kind of thing for me. Perhaps maybe with Miles Teller, mm. it's brilliant. What the fuck else is going on? Yeah, I mean, I would put it down to a good director and a good script, and that is obviously part of it. There's a moment in the film, this is just occurring to me, um, when he, they have like the, I think Mark Kermode calls it the chubby hmm moment. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment in a bi- biopic where the thing that makes them famous first presents itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the moment where he's in class and his friend says to him, Mark, uh, the, Stephanie blah blah in your class, do you know if, if she's dating anyone, looking to date anyone? And he kind of goes, people don't just walk around with a sign on them that says dramatic pause, yeah. runs off to finalise the Facebook yeah. thing, which is interest, you know, dating, that sort of thing. And after he's done that, Eduardo is there and he kind of goes, right, let's go and celebrate. Mm. And Mark is just doing this weird, like, he's rocking back and forth and he's got this weird expression on his face. I was like, what is that? And it's like a moment of sort of pr- like he's praying almost. Okay. And it's so such a weird little beat. Mm. Like, that's a character beat. So that's a, an acting beat, surely. Yeah. Him just kind of doing this weird yeah walking back and forth um it's obviously like a a case study of perfectionism in a director yes fincher is obviously he's renowned for doing infinite takes yeah but like that first the opening scene which is essentially a 10 page dialogue scene um i think they did 99 takes for it <laughs> and i kind of love the trolley spirit of that as like I think everyone by the end of it was like, "Well, let's just do one more." Yeah, and he's like, "No, well, we got what we needed." Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's such a dick thing to do in a way. Yes, it is. Um, but like, I think that was in like the golden age of DVDs as well. So there was like there were loads of extra. There's like a whole documentary on the DVD. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. About the making of it. Yeah, and I think that was the first time I saw a director that was that perfectionist. Yes, and deliberate, and that yeah. was a big kind of uh, inspirational and thing sort of me. sure of himself. To like when someone suggests something for him to just go, no, I don't like that. Yeah, there's, uh, they're doing a script reading. Yeah, and uh, he doesn't like one line. Yeah, and Justin Timberlake is like, oh, what if it's this, and the water under underneath the golden glade is freezing cold, and he goes, no, I don't like that. He just <laughs> says it. Do you know what I mean? And it's like we've been in situations where we've had to like direct or that sort of thing, mm. and you always kind of pussyfoot around having to just tell them to do a thing. Yeah, you're always thinking of like, well, I can't say no, so yeah. how do I sort you of... You kind of go, oh, maybe try this. Yeah. And it's your way of saying do it. You know? Yeah. 
and just to have him go nah don't like that yeah it's just such so honest you know mm. the film just imagine being in that because again on that uh, DVD you see like Fincher and Sorkin in the room with um, Jesse Eisenberg and I think maybe a couple of other people yeah um, and they're just like going like word by word through the script and like refining it so that it's yeah. like, and just imagine being in that room yeah yeah it's like the just imagine. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's, to say. It's, it's, it would, it would, I would pay, you know, like yeah, a lot yeah. of money to go sit in one of those rooms. Yeah. And there's like when he's directing, and I think he's directing a line, a delivery of a line of dialogue. Yeah. And it takes him about two minutes to direct. Like maybe you're thinking this, but also you're thinking this, and also you're thinking "fuck you." Just the, yeah, the, the 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 detail, just how it's much just, they like yeah. put behind a single line. It's mad, you know, yeah. and like you aspire to, especially that. in a Sorkin script where that line of dialogue goes by so quickly. The fact that they're it giving does. it so much attention, it's really a. Uh, and I think that we're talking about the perfect blend because, like Sorkin, we both know can be smart ass. Yes. And when writers are sometimes allowed complete autonomy, like the, the West Wing is great, obviously. Mm-hmm. The newsroom. Is pure Sorkin. Yeah. And pure Sorkin is not a good thing, I don't think. Okay. It's too much. It's too grandstandy. It's too Aaron Sorkin. Well, you'll have to tell me, because I haven't seen Molly's game, but that was his directorial day. Yeah. So that was pure Sorkin. It, he had it no, was. Like, yeah, no, like, no one not, curbing him. It's not as. It, it can't. Be, it, it couldn't be as grandstandy as the newsroom because the, the subject matter wasn't. The, you know, was different. Um, But yeah, it's certainly weaker than anything else he's done, I would oh, say. Okay. All right. Um, you know, great writers need great directors. Very quickly, when Charlie Kaufman, uh, his directorial debut was Snack to Key New York. Pure Charlie Kaufman. And that is very, very impenetrable. Okay. Like, you've really got to be of a certain mind to like that film. Yeah. Um, you need a Michelle Gondry to get an Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. You need mm-hmm. both influences. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, he's, he can, like I say, he can be smart-ass, but uh, this is just smart. It strikes. There's no moment you go, oh, talking, yeah. you know, trying to show how clever you are. There's none of that. Um, my one minor critique okay. is that he reuses a line from something else. That's it. Oh, okay. There's, which he's done a few times, but I, I think that's a case of just... He's, I mean, he wrote The West Wing basically entirely under the influence of crack cocaine. Yes. And I think he's such, a, he's such a that writer. Yeah. That it comes out of him so quickly that, that at some point something's going to repeat itself. Yeah, exactly. My only problem with this one is such a, it's such a specific line. It's when um, he says... You know, with the money I've got, I could buy uh, that club and turn it into my ping pong room. That is a line from something else. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's like, uh, too much. Yeah. But that that's it. Yeah. Um, Andrew Garfield is the unsung hero of the film. Mm-hmm, I think it's mm-hmm. a criminal that he didn't get an Oscar nomination. Yep. The film only improves over time for me, which very few films do. Yes. Most films, when I go back to them, it's like, oh, I don't know what I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. But The Social Network just gets better and better every time I see it. I think a thing that we are particularly a fan of is it, it does um, scenes in clubs correctly. Yes, which is uh, something that Fincher has carried forward into yeah, other stuff. Explain that. Well, I think I think that's another thing that people bring up a lot. Maybe not necessarily when talking about the film, just when talking about this specific gripe with cinema. Yeah. I'm sure you know exactly what we're talking about, Eddie. When mm. people are like in a loud environment, i.e. a nightclub, yeah. and the characters are just kind of talking at the same level we're talking now. Mm. It's like, no you wouldn't be able to hear. So they get around that by the characters just shout their dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And even though they're shouting their dialogue, the sound mixing is done in a way where you can still barely hear them. Yeah. The music is kind of as loud as the dialogue. So you're, you're catching like a word here and there. Well, Mindhunter I... does it as well, but what it does is that it subtitles them. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, the music is just louder than they are, which is another... Yeah, they, I mean, in my, it's kind of appropriate to the setting because in Mindhunter, they're at a gig 
Yes. And they're playing like, I think it's like punk rock or something like that. Something like that. It's really, and they're there in a small yeah. bar. Yeah. You wouldn't hear, whereas in the social network, they're in a club. They're kind of like on the, like upper floors. They're and... kind of far enough away that you can hear them if they're shouting. Yeah. You don't need the subtitles, whereas you would do in. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, um, in the Inbetweeners movie, they have the scene in the nightclub with um, Jay yes. and Neil. Yeah. And that that the way they they did it was they focused in on the two of them. So the I think the idea is that they can prop, they can hear each other because they're cl- that close. Yeah. But the it is one of the issues I have is you'd still have to shout. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's just the two of them and they're right next to each other. If you've been in a nightclub, you know how difficult it is to talk. You're, to one you're shouting into the ear of the person. You're yeah, exactly. Next to. Also, even in nightclubs like where we've gone. Where the music isn't necessarily the yeah, loudest like, nightclub like, in the for world. For the first couple of hours, like the music is quieter, and then they'll like turn it yeah, up when yeah. everyone's had a few. But even know. when it's quieter, I would still argue that we ha- we talk probably at quite a normal level. Yeah. But realistically, in order to hit everything, I think we're saying you'd have to shout. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I don't know whether it's a product of um, most filmmakers just don't think about that sort of thing, and it's just another example of Fincher's like attention to detail. Yeah. Or whether it's because. Think of being on set and you're in this completely quiet environment and you're shouting at a person that's like mm-hmm. a couple of feet away from you. You would just feel ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't know whether directors would think that would come across in the performance, but because yeah. they've rehearsed it as much as they can, mm-hmm. it's second nature. So it's like, okay, we can, you know, make you shout because you're not going to show how silly you feel. Yeah. I, so very quickly, I, I, I think it's Jesse Eisenberg that talks about doing those, that many takes. Yeah. Is when you first start to live on, it's like it's organic. Yeah. You know, because you're not that familiar with them. So it's like you're just coming up with it. Mm, yeah. Then you get so familiar with it that it's like just reading a book. And then it kind of goes, it turns back on itself. I want you to become even more familiar with it. Yeah. It becomes organic again. It's yes. kind of a weird, it's like a joke that goes on too long. Yeah. It becomes and that's, funny again. Exactly. And that's the, that's the benefit isn't yeah. it, of doing it, of doing it right as well, is that you're delivering the line so much that you're not even thinking about the delivery. Yeah. Anymore. And that's why Fincher is such a proponent of digital film, because yes. you can just do as many takes as you want. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What was I say? Yeah. Um, God, imagine how long it'd take them to film this if it was done on film. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Being in that, like, um, miles of film. Watching the, 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 the dailies. For the yeah. social network, <laughs> it's like a yeah. fucking nightmare. Um, but you yeah, know, I was like, with the the one thing I would be interested of, because what you find most of the time is that nightclub scenes aren't shot either; they're not shot with music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they're shot with music that's quiet. Yes, yeah. So if people it, can dance to it in the background. Yeah. Yes. What I would be interested to know with, like, with the social network, is whether they've got music on loud or not. Because I I don't have any idea. Yeah, yeah. Is whether they've got music on that's fairly loud and that's what helped, because otherwise. As actors, mm. they're just shouting at each other. Yeah. I, I think they're playing music because it's like a massive nightclub filled yeah. with people yeah. dancing. I think they are playing music. I don't know. I imagine like I did. Um, I did a couple of weeks' work experience uh, at the BBC when they were filming a Midsummer Night's Dream, like the TV movie that came out yeah, in 2016. Yeah. And there's a moment. There's a scene where Matt, Matt Lucas is kind of wandering through the forest singing a song. And what they would do is they would play like uh, like a couple of bars of the song at the beginning of the take for mm-hmm. him to like get the rhythm down yeah. and then the rest of it was in silence but obviously when the show comes about there's music over the top of him so it might just be that it's like okay we'll we'll play the music for like 10 seconds you figure out the beat and then we're in complete silence you know yeah uh, I, mean, I will say like harking back to the in between they shot it they shot it with music on low yeah so like my, my issue with that is you might think you're talking loud but unless you've got 
music playing loudly in the background. Yeah. I don't I don't see how you can get it like get it across right, even if you're yeah. brilliant at acting or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's there are loads of interest obviously I think there are loads of interesting things about this film. Oh, of course, yes. Um one of them is I think partly because of the unreliable narrator thing and because of Mark's disposition. Yeah. You never really know what is driving him. You never quite fully No. Other than initially anger that he then comes to regret. And obviously the book ends of the film is uh, she breaks up with him and at the very end he adds her as a friend and just sits there refreshing the page waiting for her to, waiting yeah. for her to accept. Yeah. Um, as it tells us, he's the youngest billionaire in the world. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and but you're never like quite sure where he's mentally at. Well, he is a bit of an, enig- an enigma anyway, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, there's those memes about him being a lizard person, you know? Like he's <laughs> not even human. But I, I do wonder how um, like how much the... Because you forget, at least I forget when mm. I'm watching the film, that this is a real-life person. Yeah. And this is sort of a facsimile of a real-life... Yeah, I think real to be fair, they've said this is a character. Yeah. Because mm. obviously, but, yeah. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, they don't even attempt to make him look like Mark Zuckerberg. No, no, no. I don't think any of them look like the real people. Yeah, yeah. But I do wonder how, like how much influence they took from the real Mark Zuckerberg mm. or whether they just saw the story of Facebook and were I, like, let's I think, tell a story using that, you know? Well, it's based on a book called The Accidental Billionaires by a guy called Ben Masrick. Eduardo Saverin now lives, like, off the grid. No one really knows where he lives. Yeah. Mm. Um, after his settlement, because uh, obviously he won um, that trial. An undisclosed amount, right? An undisclosed amount. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, I would say, to be fair... Which is probably... Like, let's be honest. It was inevitable he was going to get money out of him one way or another. Yeah, 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 let's yeah. be honest. It's probably enough for him and his children to live off, you know, oh, yeah, the next yeah, yeah. generation for people to live off as well. The thing I love about, you know, it is a film about people in rooms talking. There are no fireworks, ever. The closest it gets to being explosive is that scene with Eduardo and Mark at the very end. Yes, and there's the scene, which again, I think is something that's brought up. It's been brought up in reviews I've seen. I think Commode brings it mm. up. Yeah, but there's the scene where it's the twins rowing and we see yeah. the, the rowing race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like the one scene that doesn't take place in a room. Yeah. And... It's been theorized that that's just so that we can get out of the rooms for a moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but it's not. No, that that scene is about the twins almost winning again and just being beaten. Oh, okay. All right. And that being right. Fuck it. We'll sue him. We'll okay. take this to court. Yeah. Because the one's reticent about it, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um. But little details like uh. So it comes up in the in the litigation process uh that Eduardo, as part of like an initiation, had to look after a chicken for a week. Yes. And he acts, he fed it chicken, kind of not really thinking about the cannibalism of yeah. it. And chicken isn't vegan. Chicken isn't, and it, was, it all comes together. Yeah. And it was written about in the Harvard, uh, the Crimson, which is like the Harvard paper. Mm. And he accuses Mark of planting the story. And you never know whether that's true or not. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's completely like, he might, he might, I don't know. Yeah. He might have done things like that. And then little details like um, in that opening scene with Erica, uh, she says that she likes guys who row crew. Like, I like the idea of them. And then when he meets the Winklevoss twins, yes, he says, yeah. "Oh, you, you look like you go to the gym a lot." They go, "We row crew," and he goes, "Yeah, I'm interested in your project." Yeah, and you know, because of the way the film is framed, you get to thinking that's the moment where he decides they're gonna. He's he gonna decides take their to, idea. It's brilliant. It's yeah. just like little details like that. It's and just a very uh, small uh, note. You know, <laughs> the scene where he uh, there's a some sort of fraternity party, like the Jewish fraternity. Yes. And Mark goes, and it's a shitty little affair, you know. Yeah. And he got the DJ, and they're playing Hawaiian music, and they've got the um, the image of the Niagara Falls on a loop in the background. Yeah, and I just so relate to the pedantic thing of he walks in, and he goes, "Let's talk outside." He's like, "Why?" He said, 
I can't listen to Hawaiian music being played while they've got a, a loop of the Niagara Falls which has absolutely nothing to do with this kind of music let's go outside and I so relate to that because uh, 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 Retros the home mm. of the 90s vibe yes. first time I went there they were playing a song from 2003 yes <laughs> I, can't, I can't go here yeah there's not you know there's not enough that I can say about um, exactly yeah same problem with me the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's amazing it's yes perfect it is very good and I will say this is the one film where I was genuinely disappointed I couldn't find a place for it on my list I think it's probably my 11th right you know it was so close to making it yeah Um, what about you Eddie what are your thoughts on the social network my thoughts it is a brilliant film Mm. but ooh drama this is just because I slagged off Midnight Paris (laughs) (laughs) as as much as I love Midnight Paris no okay Um, no I don't know honestly I couldn't tell you what it is yeah. that is like my <laughs> I gave you that trick you do not throw that at me um, no that's what I mean like it's a brilliant film I agree, like, I agree with all the points you have get to the butt <laughs> but it, it I don't know it's just not there for me okay. whether it's just it's not the kind of film for me right I think I have a similar relationship with like the the Steve Jobs film obviously that's not as good a film in any way but no. the, the film's interest to me right but I like I treat them. Uh, whereas you kind of talk about like them being like characters. For me, I see it as this is telling me the story of this person and this, mm. and I don't necessarily completely go in for that. Okay. So I I, I think that's more where it stands for me. Yeah. Are you saying that you you feel distant from the social network? Yeah. Because well, I, I feel I, like that's a feature of the film, isn't it? It's a very cold, almost like. Well, again, I, I mentioned that it's I have a soft spot for those kinds of characters, mm. and there's that image that I think is like the defining image of the film which I will ask you to use as your I'll try um, it's when uh, they've they've reached a new milestone mm-hmm. and they're all celebrating inside and he's standing outside and they pop the champagne that goes all over the window yeah. and it's just him outside through the glass like looking at them like fond of what he's accomplished but yeah, yeah. like can't quite get there you know okay I like I do I completely agree like I think Andrew Garfield is brilliant and yeah I don't like Justin Timberlake in it. Okay. I, I, in the way the film doesn't want you to like him, or you dislike the performance, if you know what I mean? Which, I would say, whichever one it, like, hits, because it, 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 realistically, that could be either. It could be that I just don't like the character okay. as it comes across. Because he is a prick. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, utterly a prick. Yes. Yeah. But I just don't particularly like him in this. Okay. Like, I've ta- I talked about it a little bit with, like, Inside Lowen Davis. Mm. I like him in that. Okay. I don't think... I don't think Justin Timberlake is the best actor in the world. He's not. So, I, th- I think, you know, it's kind of been a... Mm, okay. You know, so in, I don't particularly like him, so it might be that. But as you say, he's a prick, you're not supposed to like him. You know, and there are two little moments for his character that make me like the... I guess the writing again, but the performance as well. Uh, when he's at the party with all the underage kids, mm-hmm. and they're doing coke. Mm-hmm. And then the police come in, and they're asking him, you know, he's got coke in his hand. He's like, that's not mine. Uh, <laughs> and then he get they, they're searching him and he mm-hmm. has like um, an asthma pump and an EpiPen. Yeah. And it's just like, it's shattering this image of this guy. Yeah. And then when, in the big climactic scene, where Eduardo finds out that he's been kicked out of his own company, basically. Yeah. He go, he pretends that he's going to punch him. And I remember, this is in the um, kind of extra feature stuff. Fincher directs him, he says, 
like re overreact ridiculously and yeah. will calibrate it. Okay. So like he goes to hit him and he flinches like so much. Yeah, he flies away. Yeah. You know, He's all talk, you know. Yeah. What I mean? So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I kinda hate him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, as I say, I think it's a brilliant film. Yeah. And I think maybe it's just it's not for me. Okay. I'll repeat my refrain that I think will become a catchphrase for this podcast. All opinions correct and incorrect are welcome. <laughs> Which means you don't agree with my opinion <laughs> in the slightest, as I have said before. No, I, I sympathise a bit because there are definitely films I have that. I would say Tax Driver is one of those films okay. for me where I don't. You can't like, get there. Yeah, I can't get there, but I, you know, I, I do not dispute its quality for mm. a second. You admire um, the fuck out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you might be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what I think. Like, as I say, there is no reason why I sh- shouldn't be like head over heels with this film no I think I think there's there's an X factor with films isn't there and you can say I, I acknowledge that on every level production wise this mm. is a quality film yeah but your favourite films we can talk all day about objectively what is the best film you said you're kind of a prisoner of subjectivity yeah this is what this list is yeah Um, and I think your favourite films are films that you kind of feel at home when you're watching Mm. and you can't rationalise or intellectualise that yeah completely and I, I think partly because of the time when I saw The Social Network you know that's why I feel at home watching it yeah because I've known it for a long time you know yeah. yeah and I think at the end of the day you can't account anything to that you can't no you know. not at all yeah so that's you know that's fair enough yeah. I can't I can't disagree with an, with an opinion or a feeling even if a feeling is wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, I don't particularly have anything else to, okay. to add. Did we do it? Did I think we did it. We Did we do it, fellas? We've got a recap now. Okay. Um, so, we... for those who couldn't be bothered to listen to the, to the... However long this has been... I can finally get rid of this fucking interminable document. <laughs> just, I've just had this, like, several-page document that you've been Notes. reading from, yeah, yeah constantly. Okay. Um, okay, who, who... Are we doing it in the order we counted down in, or...? Yeah, I think it's best if we do it as one. Or do we all, yeah, do we all say our films in unison? I, I think that's a bit silly. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> so I'm going to recap that. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah, so my top ten of the decade yes. was Birdman, Nocturnal Animals, Spotlight, Inside Out, Django Unchained, Nightcrawler, Inside Lewin Davis, Midnight in Paris, Sing Street, and then Whiplash. My top ten of the decade were The Raid, The Lego Movie, Sicario, Nightcrawler, Mad Max Fury Road, Parasite, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Whiplash, Bad Genius, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. And my top ten of the decade were Skyfall, Calvary, Her, Parasite, Whiplash, Tyrannosaur, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Spotlight, The Master, and The Social Network. Yeah. Watch them. Or don't. It's up to you, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Having now had the time, we've gone over this, we've spent time, this has taken us however many days and hours to record. And... <laughs> Thousands of man hours. Yeah. Yeah. No woman hours though, uh, not on this podcast. <laughs> you know, the, the array of technical difficulties. Yeah. Keep, keeping that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just process what you said. It's like, oh no. <laughs> um, is there any film that you would necessarily change? Parasite is uh, untethered at the moment. Yeah. It's certainly not going to sink. No. But it could bob to the surface more. Uh, I've exhausted that metaphor. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's definitely not where it was. It's at least fifth. Yeah. But my top five, six, 
I think in 10, 15 years, they're still going to be in my top 10 of the decade. Yeah. yeah. The bottom three, I will allow for like some change. Yeah. But I'm essentially happy with my list. But yeah. Yeah. The social network, as I said, would be my number 11. Yeah. Compete like strong competitor for number 10. Yeah. Uh, and the raid two and the raid were slightly interchangeable for me, but yeah, go all the way back to our discussion of the raid. I sort of explained why yeah. the raid yeah. ended up in my 10th instead of the raid two. Other than that, I'm, yeah, I'm fairly happy with, uh, my list. Yeah. My 10th spot is the only one possibly in contention. Okay. Um, in the following... Our poor 10th spot. <laughs> You've got no love for them anymore. Because you introduced Birdman as like, oh, I don't really like it anymore. Or like, oh, well, it's gone I, I, down this for is me. The thing. You know? it, yeah, because it's gone... It has gone down. But this is the thing. This is not an instance where Birdman has gone down. Yeah. This is an instance of, we had a discussion about the film Her. Yes. Yeah. And it's keeps it's just rolling around in my mind oh okay it hasn't left my mind since that discussion the social network social network social network social network shut but when you listen back to this podcast they'll subliminally (laughs) inform you social network social network Carry on. No, don't carry on. Cause I can cut it out then. <laughs> I was talking over it. Um, go on. <laughs> I can see. I can see what you're going to do. He's at the ready. Prepping for a whisper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Like that's the only. It's the only thing possibly to interchange. Okay. Um, but I do have a lot of love for Birdman. Yeah. Even though it's gone down the list, and as I say, for me, Parasite was just too fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Fair yes. enough. Other than that, no, I'm 100 percent happy. Okay. Okay. Social network. Thank you for uh, sticking with us. Yeah, thanks for letting us. Um, I know the is it two, the three males audibly indulged? Is that our like yeah, yeah. slogan? But we really indulged this time. <laughs> I would say yeah, that's uh, never been truer. <laughs> yes, no. Uh, but yes, thank you, and thank well, you, you know, for it, sticking through because this was all brand new equipment. Yes, we've broken this up into several parts, and the I know the like the sound mixing and stuff has kind of changed through. So it's a marathon. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I think that's a lesson for this podcast yeah. and the, our general podcasting yeah. trajectory. Hopefully, um, we fa- we're finding our feet. Yes, yeah. Yeah. but and thank I'll, you for sticking through I'll this like experimentation that has, period, equipment wise, and anyone that has legitimately listened all the way through up until this point. Well done. Get yourself a fucking biscuit, you cunt. Yeah. <laughs> well, just a, a thank you. I, th- I think. Yeah, like, no, generally, yeah, you know, thank you for indulging us. Because yes. wh- whether it it equates to the amount of hours. When it comes out, I know we will have probably, you know, we'll have chopped and changed bits here and there. Mm-hmm. I, I think this sits at about 11 hours worth of audio in total. Yeah. I like to think of this as selling children on the black market, by which I mean, go on. Usually, usually <laughs> I'm all about killing your darlings. Yes. I, you know, I've become quite mercenary in that sense. Yeah. But if your job is to sell your darlings, mm. then. You have to indulge it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And yes. so we're doing our top 10 films of the decade. We talk about films a lot. It's clearly the kind of people we are. Yeah. It, we owed it to the films to give them as much time as we have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I hope that there's at least one film in here that someone might not have heard of or might not have given a yeah. chance that they'll now go back to and say, oh, do you know what? Those, those fun filtered folk, they were, they, were, they were spot on. Yeah. Do you know what? It's funny. Like, I was trying to, as you said that, I was trying to think of what film it would be. That I would be like, oh, I really hope. Right. And actually, I have t- the two that come to mind are on b- both on Jordan's list. Parasite and Bad Genius. Parasite and Bad Genius. Yeah. Parasite's on my list. Yeah, but the, but <laughs> my point was they were both on his. I see. Yes. Oh, he wins. You, Jordan wins the podcast. <laughs> and I think Whiplash won the decade, didn't they? It was the only one on everyone's list. only one on all three. Yeah. 
yeah, you want to do it that way. I don't <laughs> think that, that kind of maths <laughs> that kind of maths works out necessarily. But um, no, it's well, social I, network. I did the math. It does. You did the maths. The British. Maths. Okay, my mistake. No, it's, it's not. It's. I think it's counter. It doesn't matter. I think okay. it's intuitive. But it does. basically, you want it to be the social network, and you want no, it to no, shut no, up. No. <laughs> no, never mind. Okay. I think it. No. <laughs> Shall we uh, relieve the audience yes, for the time yes. being? Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. Um, and we will see you soon. For our catch-up episode. Yes. We've, yeah. t- we've spent yeah. all this time talking about the decade. Now we're going to have to talk about the end of 2019. Everything between Christmas and now, basically. <laughs> yeah. Which is... What's the date? Uh, oh, 25th. To the day. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly okay. a month. There you, there you go. All right. See you in the next one, cunts. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.